far are you going? About 30 years. In this week's episode, it's our anime grindhouse double feature, where we talk about Battle Angel Alita and Gundam NT. OBS is a satanic uh, conspiracy by the aliens to, uh, to turn us into human-animal hybrids, right? <laughs> you can't use that software; or it'll it'll turn you into a demon. Oh my god! We're gonna, yeah, we're gonna have to talk about that epic Joe Rogan podcast. Like, oh my god, that that was something. Or maybe it'll just turn you into a cute robot girl like Alita. I like I like that option. I don't know, man. There's, like, there's this guy next to me during the movie who was like commenting the whole time, and I uh, he was like a few seats over, so I couldn't see him until we got out. I, I thought it was a black guy, but it, it turned out to be an Asian guy. But he was making these comments like, "Do them robot titties got milk in them?" And uh, <laughs> I, I gotta get me one of them robot girls. She's horny. <laughs> oh, I, it's just funny that it came from an Asian. They're, yeah, they're the well, biggest I, cyber sec, <laughs> They're like the biggest cyber sexualist out there. I mean, they're right. very, very video game characters. I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is who it was. That girl. is the quote we will use as the tagline for this episode. <laughs> Man, way to kick things off. Ah. Uh, we're finally talking about Alita. Like, you finally got to see it. You haven't seen Captain yeah. Marvel yet, have you? Or you don't even know if you are no. going to? No, I haven't seen it. Have you? No, I, I don't... I don't know. I just... Like, like I literally forgot it came out last Friday. And <laughs> mm-hmm. until, like, somebody on... That stupid idiot on Twitter was like, we need to protest this movie because the actress said it's only for women and not men. So everyone... Everyone should just go see Alita and then we'll rob all the money from Captain Marvel... And guess what? It didn't work. Yeah, that was a Jack Posobiec tweet. I, he wanted people to see it over the weekend. I guess I didn't quite make it in, in time, but yeah, yeah. I, I did see it like, almost opening weekend. We <laughs> were recording this on the Monday after Marvel came out. Yeah. Again, it's probably broken a ton of records and whatever, so... But, I mean, my, yeah. my thing is, like, alright, because I even said this on Twitter, I was just like, alright, I'll tell you what, I, I can go halfway with you there. Why don't you just... Sp- Pay for the ticket for the Alita movie, go see Alita, and then wait around and sneak into the Captain Marvel movie. Therefore, you win. I was thinking about doing that while I was in there, and then I was like, well, we're just going to record about it in a few minutes, so I guess we'll get home. Yeah. (laughs) It's like during the movie you were on there, you were like, I'm ready. (laughs) Well, I mean, like, because I I wasn't sure, like, when you were ready, and then you're like, I'm going to go see the movie, and that was like 4 o'clock, and... Right. I was <clears throat> I was out car shopping. Oh. So yeah, I, I was looking at a Mitsubishi Eclipse or not Eclipse, jeez, I wish. Uh a Mirage and I wasn't too impressed with it. Hmm. 
You didn't get it. No, I'm like if I'm not if I'm kind of eh on it, then I'm not gonna get it. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it was just something my parents brought up. Like, hey, you know, like your car. We don't know how long it's gonna last, but if you trade it in, and then your brother's crappy Ford Explorer, you can probably get a discount on something you want. And I'm like, well, I'll take a look at it. And then I saw a Mirage on the internet last night that was close by, and um, it was good driving a stick stick for the first time, but. I mean, the car is just, like, incredibly loud, but there's, like, no... It's 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 like a Chihuahua. Like, Chihuahuas are just loud dogs. They act all tough, and, they and you know, they yell at you, but they can't do crap. And that's... that's I mean, that's what a three-cylinder Mitsubishi car is going to get you. So we'll just say that. Like, I'm basically, like, in first gear, like, mashing the gas, and the thing's making all this noise, and there is, like, no power behind it. And I'm like, I, I don't know. But, I mean, it handled the good, so. Yeah, it sounds like it's better that you didn't get it. Uh, Cloud posted a meme in the chat here. I totally have a fetish for super smooth, shiny, robotic girls. And it's somebody from Kamen Rider or Power Rangers or something. Oh. Oh, I, I see that. I guess that's a reference to what the, the, the other guy at the theater was saying. I swear, you go to the funnest theaters. Like, I nobody like acted up when I saw Alita. I saw it with my buddy Eric a few weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. the yeah. first time she opens her eyes, the the guy was like, "Damn, she got some big ass eyes." <laughs> <laughs> At one point, the other guy next to him just told him, "Shut the fuck up," because he just kept <laughs> I guess, like, the movie's almost over, so then you get the crazies that come out there and see Alita. Like, the Asian guy. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, yeah, alright, so I'll go ahead and kick us off with an introduction. Welcome to the Anime of Yesteryear podcast, uh, where this week we're going to talk about movies. And I'm going to bundle that Gundam NT episode that I never got around to editing up until this point, which it will be edited into this. So, yeah, you're going to hear all about that. Uh, I am your host, one of your hosts, Dustin, and with me is my co-host, John. Yes. And we're finally getting around to talking about the, probably as of this decade, uh, the best anime live-action adaptation of Battle Angel Alita, or Alita Battle Angel. It's 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 the same either way. Yeah. I was looking at, like, the history of the movie, and I don't know why, but somebody was like, had to persuade... James Cameron to change the title from Battle Angel Alita to Alita Battle Angel, which I don't know why they bothered, but they did. It's not I like guess it it's makes not it more like... convenient because you now you know if somebody says Alita Battle Angel, they're talking about the live action. Whereas if someone says Battle Angel Alita, they're probably talking about the OVA. Well, I don't know why they can't just say or like either the manga too, but like I don't know why well, they the just can't say like manga Battle manga Angel manga. Alita, and then you're like, okay, which one the and the manga, the anime, or the live action movie? Like that's it. Or just say Battle Angel Alita live action. I guess it's just too much words in a sentence. Yeah. Well, the manga is called Gun-M, or Gun-M. I don't know how you pronounce it. I think it's it's Gun-M. But yeah, so they all have like their own distinct title. So I guess in a way that is... Well, okay, they they never... It's like anything printed... Like when Viz put out the original manga, they they never put put Gun-M on the cover. Uh, was only it, was, it was just it was just Battle Angel Alita or like Alita or something. Yeah, I'm looking it up. It says it means gun dream in Japanese. Huh. 
So I don't know where they came up with Battle Angel Alita. Like, is that something that they came up with at Viz? Or maybe Japan came up with it for the OVA? Or... Okay, well, I'm clicking on the OVA, and it says it's just called Battle Angel. And it's known in Japan as Gunnam. So That's I don't right. know. Yeah, maybe Metal well, I mean, like you, you mean the, the characters. Name. The character's name is Alita, so then you just kind of say, okay, we'll name it after the first character, the main character, which is Alita. So then you just call it Battle Angel Alita. Hmm. Yeah, like my the goal for this was like I figured we try to watch the OVAs and do comparisons, but I think we, like I skimmed like what was it after I saw the movie? Uh, my buddy Eric and I went to like a second and Charles, and like on the front rack in the front of the store they had. Um, like the uh, the Alita manga that has been reprinted, like in the hardback versions, where you get like the first like two volumes per book. So th- that first book covers pretty much like the base outline of what's in this movie. So you're kind of I'm just kind of flipping through it. Actually, Amazon had a promotion for that first book on Kindle that you can get the da- the digital version for free. So like I kind of do what. Is it still Viz that has the rights to it, or is it somebody else? It should be it should be Viz that still has the rights to it. I thought. Okay. Did they do the whole thing? Um, when they originally published it, yeah. I mean, like, I think they've also... I'm not sure if Dark Horse put out... Oh, my God. we got to research some stuff. All right. I don't know if Dark Horse put out um, the Last Order manga, which, like, I heard that kind of goes crazy from people that have... Like, I know Daryl Surratt is, like, maybe the only person I can think of that's the expert of Battle Angel because he's read, like, pretty much all the manga, like, growing up, so... I haven't read the manga, but I've seen the, the anime. No, I've... Like, I've read the first book. Like, the old, um, like, paper cover ones that I got used at a bookstore for, like, two or three bucks. And I read that years ago, and I actually, like, thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, like, basically, like, this... Like, the live-action movie, like, adapts... Roughly adapts, like, the first three books into, like, this movie. And I think it works pretty well, like, regarding them changing things up to make it interesting. So, I mean, I I thoroughly enjoy this film. Um, and then it the, looks like it's now Kodansha that owns the rights to the U.S. release of Battle Angel. Manga. Well, I guess yeah, that that would make sense um, that they would because they're the ones that are putting out um, the Akira manga or did, and they got the, the big uh, you know giant collection for the, the Akira collection. They also did the same collection for uh, the Battle Angel Alita manga currently now. Like yeah, if you go, it, says it just put it out in November on hardcover. Yeah, like so, if you go to the Battle Angel Alita Wikipedia page, they've got that original Viz Media Volume One book, like as the title image or the yes. image. Yeah, so that's the one that I own, and I own a couple others, but I'm not too sure of like which order it is, which is kind of interesting. So, mm-hmm. uh, oh, so like okay, so. Instead of, like, chapters, they set it up into fights, because I'm looking on the, the manga section for the Wikipedia page. It says they were also putting them out in those little uh, individual issues, yes. like American Style Yes, they books. did comic, yeah, so Viz was doing the comic issues, too. Um, yeah. Uh, I, think they did those, I think they did those first before they did the actual, like, uh, the manga books. And those manga yeah. books aren't um, read right to left, it's like, you know, the, the traditional left to right kind of thing. Yeah, they flipped them. <clears throat> yeah. Um, yeah, so the second book of the... Well, this is based on the... Okay, I think this is right, because, like... So the ones I know that I have is Rusty Angel, which is the first book, and then Killing Angel, which I know I have that, but I haven't read it, and that's the third book. 
I think that's the one that they introduced the motorball games. The second one is Iron Maiden, which uh, that's got to be the second story arc. Which like the OVAs covered like those first two books essentially, and like this goes okay. all the way to nine. So I, I'm hoping like I mean I'm pretty sure that this is um, going out to. I'm just kind of reading all this, reading this stuff. Yeah. So the the order here is Rusty Angel, Iron Maiden, Killing Angel. Well, Ars Magna, Lost Sheep, Rainmaker, Panzer Bride, War Chronicle, and then Conquest. Yeah, but then there's an English language volume list, which is the... They didn't give a title for the first book, it was just Battle Angel. And then they said, like, Battle Angel, Lead of Tears of the Angel, which is the second one they called it. And okay, the third one is so they changed Iron Maiden to Tears of an Angel? It sounds probably, yeah, because Iron Maiden is related to that heavy metal band, so then they're like, oh, we gotta, you know, avoid getting sued by Iron Maiden. Uh-oh. That would make yeah. sense, yeah, because you know they trademark their name, right? Because that's what Viz does with their JoJo's anime dub. So you have things like Boys Men Men in the episode that aired a couple days ago instead of Boys Men. Yeah, see, I haven't I haven't seen that one yet. So okay, well I'm just spoiling the English, but uh, they I mean, show I was figure it out anyways. They show on screen during the 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 battle. There's like a book that shows like the name of his stand, and it says "Boys to Men" in English. Yeah, but they still they still change the name of it in the in the dialogue. So it's like, but we like know what it is because you just showed it on the screen. <laughs> <laughs> That's freaking awesome. Yeah, they do that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, I guess they can say, well, it's not our fault that we didn't want we didn't want to officially change it. We didn't put that there, so they're like free of liability. And if somebody gets sued, it'll be Japan's fault. <laughs> That's true, yeah, because that's just them adapting it. So they're like, oh, the adapters, like, you know, Viz isn't going to get uh, in trouble for adapting. It's you go back to the original creator because, like, hey, this is what it was in Japan, and we're not going to alter anything. We're not going to censor it. We kind of know yeah, how that goes get, because anime fans are freaking crazy. They would get a lot of backlash if they digitally edited it. Like, they would say, you're the new four kids. You're erasing English text. What do you think we are, retards who can't read? <laughs> Because Al Khan made that comment, kids can't read or kids don't read or something, and he would always erase English texts, and people would go curious for kids about it. Oh, yeah. Uh, Alright, well, I guess getting back into Battle Angel, like, I mean, like, from what I read, from what I skimmed through the manga, like, I, I can tell you, like, a few, like, a main notable changes that they made between the movie and what happened in the manga, I mean, based on the top of my head. So, <clears throat> would you say this is more faithful to the uh, original story than Ghost in the Shell? I uh, see Ghost in the Shell try to do its own thing, but they're like, we're going to implement things and tell our own, sort of our own story, but just reference a bunch of stuff that already exists and try to like do a bunch of callbacks. But like, th- I like I like when they like it's like it did its own thing, but it still stuck to the original source, like as like as basically an underlying story, like where they made some changes. Like two of the notable ones. Was um so you got the um I think his name's Oda or whatever the the professor guy that saves Angel not Angel Alita like so yeah so the so in the movie the assistant is a black woman with like a robotic arm but in the manga and probably in the anime because I haven't we you know I haven't seen the anime I I don't think the anime would would have censored him out was it was an old guy with like half his brain missing and he's got like a metal plate over his skull that's his assistant so. And so he also happens to be a white guy. So I guess they figured, you know, we get like an, uh, instead of an old, like, white dude, we'll get like a middle-aged black woman so we can have, like, you know, people of color and, you know, it's not just a bunch of white people in this movie. 
Yeah. Even though that's like the most insignificant character because she says like maybe two things or something. Yeah, like, but that was also like I think like in the manga, like his uh, Oda's assistant was kind of like he just kind of showed up every once in a while. But like basically, yeah. if anything had to be done at like his his um or Ido Ido is his name. I'm sorry, not Oda. Um, let's see, I don't know what his name is. Anyways, but. Not not Ido, but the assistant, because I'm trying to find supporting character. Oh, Gonzo. Okay, Gonzo is the... Yeah, Gonzo is the one that's his assistant. Um, In the movie, she says, like, after Alita gets her body upgraded, she says something like, it looks like she's a little older than we thought she was, or something like that. Yeah. Maybe because her like robot breasts got a little bit larger, <clears throat> and that was around the time that guy was commenting on. <laughs> Did they have milk in them? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that's one of the changes that like regarding just the character swap or whatever. But that that's just not a big that's not a big thing at all. Uh, the other one is how Alita got her her berserker body. So like in in the movie we see that she goes like into the spaceship. Because it have you know it had some past war or whatever, and she was able to dig one out of that spaceship that was underwater that everyone had a hard time finding. Whereas in the manga, so Ido finds the Berserker body the same way, um, but he's had it in his lab for years or whatever, and just because he has it. And so like in the manga, when Alita gets uh, damaged in the fight with the big, um, the bi- really big cyborg guy, and I forgot his name. Uh, oh, Maka- Ma- Makaku. Um, he, like, she, he basically, like, in the manga, he basically, she's just like, oh, you know, how am I any good, you know, like, if I can't battle, and, and Ido's just like, alright, fine, I'll give you this berserker body, it's cool. And whereas, you know, in the movie, she digs it up and finds it, and brings it back, and, you know, and Ido's just totally against it, and then, you know, the same thing happens to her where she almost dies, and Ido's just like, okay, I'm gonna make the decision to put you in this berserker body, and so then it worked out for her because she has a better body that's capable of harnessing her martial arts, uh, Panzer Faust or Kunst, um, uh, combat, uh, capabilities. Yeah. So what happens is she's like jumping in between these robot tentacles, that guy's blasting at her. Yeah. And it looks like she's dodging them, but then she just gets cut off. So I thought that was kind of weird because I thought they should like showed them going through her. Well, no, like it, it, that's like something else they adapted very well too. Was um they adapted that fight very well where she like uses her hand and sticks it and jams it in uh, Makaku's eye and it gets broken off or whatever. I think some one liner there where she says like, I yeah, don't know. Draw, I she know drops the f bomb. Yes, that's I like, don't remember. What there was the hardly it was again. there was hardly like no swearing in this movie except for like maybe two areas and then like that was the one where they dropped they decided to drop like the one f bomb for a PG thirteen movie. Right. Well, I mean, she seems like very sweet and innocent throughout the movie. So her saying that kind of stuck out, but I don't even remember what it was that she specifically said. And I just saw it like an hour or two ago. But I guess well, not, your memory uh, should be better than mine because apparently when we watch and review movies, I see it months, if not like weeks, if not months before you do, and then you see it and you're like, okay, let's go talk about it. And you're like, right. do you expect to remember all that shit from like three months ago, John? Okay. <laughs> Yeah, whatever the one-liner was, it's not on par with, like, I'll be back, or, you know, any of those really memorable ones from yeah. the 80s or anything, but it does still stick out. I mean, at least we both remember she said that. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, I think they, I mean, I think some things that they, they took was like, you know, they go into Kansas, the bar, and I guess it, I guess in the manga, it's also like a bounty hunting bar, which would probably make, which would make sense. Um, I don't remember like in the anime of the manga, like the old dude with like all the robotic dogs around him. Um, but there was robotic dogs like in the manga. So they did like, they did have a, they did reference that, um, that guy's like just sitting there with his dogs while he watches the uh, the kung fu fight yeah. with everybody else. Yeah, I think that was some of the liberties where they decided to do like their own thing, but they still like kept. They just changed things from the story of the manga to kind of again do their own thing in the movie, which I'm perfectly fine with. So like I was happy that like cause I had a feeling like a good feeling like like okay like I think like Robert Rodriguez is going to do this movie justice. Like if there's something. Like, I can't think of a really bad Robert Rodriguez movie. Like, I, I know he did the Spy Kids movies, but, like, Spy Kids movies, they were great as kids' movies. Like, they're action-packed. They tell a complete story. Uh, I never saw the third one because it just looks so, like, such garbage. But, <laughs> like, the 3D, yeah. they, they try to do 3D. Robert Robert Rodriguez was trying to do 3D gimmick before they decided to do the 3D gimmick from James Cameron. I'll Go give him figure. credit for that. He was doing the... That movie kind of was like the start of the 3D blockbuster craze that came afterwards. Well, I feel like I feel like Spy Kids 3D. Um, I, I can't believe we're on an anime podcast. You're hearing discussions about Spy Kids, but yeah, like for Spy Kids 3D, like you know they they had like it was just the red and blue things that you can follow along in like the video game scenes. I've only seen bits and pieces of the movie. But, like, when you bought the movie, like, on DVD or VHS, or, no, I think it was just DVD at the time. I think that, I think that might have gotten totally out of the VHS market by then. Like, it came bundled with those, like, red and blue 3D glasses. So you can watch it, like, on your, on your uh, TV screens or whatever. Or, yeah, your, te- your television, like, at home when you're a kid. I know because my brother had one in his room that he had set up. Um, but I felt like he that. He had Spike 3D. Yeah, and we probably, own, that movie's probably somewhere in storage. I could well, I have to look up now if it exists on VHS or not. I I want to uh, say it does, and I gotta say that's probably right at the tail end of the VHS market, which is weird. But see, like, so when that movie came out, that was like two thousand three, two thousand four, and then James Cameron started bringing back the three D craze with um that movie Avatar. Like, what was it, two thousand eight, two thousand nine, whenever that came out? There is a VHS version of it, yeah. Okay, yeah. So that's probably the one that my brother owned. Yeah, I, mean, I saw all three of them in theaters. Um, I was very I, young when they came out. I, I've seen grade. the I've seen the first two. I know that, but I can't There's tell a, you really what happens. Like in the third one, no. it was like all video game um, plot, and like I and, but I I've never really seen the entire third movie. I just know Stallone's in it for some reason. Well, they're just like. There's like a brother and a sister, and they kind of argue, and they're like doing James Bond stuff with gadgets. Well, okay, so the <laughs> I can't believe I mean, we're talking is, about Spy Kids. That's yeah. just Spy Kids in general. Like I don't remember anything specific about each individual. Well, okay, movie. so so the parents of the kids, I oh man, I, I feel like the boy has a very girlish name, and I can't remember what it was. But well, the girl, the sister's Carmen. I can't believe I remember that. It's Carmen and uh, I think her, the brother's Jamie or something. So they're the children. Julie, Ju- 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 Julie, Ju- Julie, Judy. Yes, that's it. Okay. J U N I. Junie. Okay, that's why I thought it sounded like a girl. So, that's not uh, even like a name. It, it is in Spy Kids. It, it's a name if you're the chil- children 
of international super spies like that woman and Antonia Banderas in that movie. And I don't remember what their names were either. They're, well, they're... the last name is Cortez, so maybe it's pronounced Hooney. Hooney? Yeah, I mean, that's I, how, I, I know say, in like, those movies Spanish. they said Juni. I'm pretty sure. Maybe they tried to anglicize it. That's like their white version of, of oh, Hooney. Oh, the, the, white, the white language. We have to um, Latin bonics it, so... <laughs> The, the girl's name is Carmen Elizabeth Juanita Echo Sky Bravo Cortez. And the guy's name is Uni Rocket Racer Rebel Cortez. So they, they have these incredible I, I am so impressed. Names. John, I am so impressed with your text max. I'm looking them up on Wikipedia. I didn't remember these names, obviously. I, I'm impressed on, on your pronunciation of Latin names. But then they again, you are in a state with like ninety percent Latin pe- people or Latinos. I remember in, in like Texas history in seventh grade, I said to Tejas one time because they were talking about like the historical territory of Coahuila y Tejas, which is like some uh, you know Mexican predecessor to Texas. And th- this kid behind me got really pissed off. He's like, "It is not Tejas, it's Texas. Get it right." <laughs> oh man. Um. Anyways, Robert Rodriguez movies. I've never really had a serious issues with any of those. Um, like I like I, I, I like Planet the, Terror. That was a Grindhouse. The Grindhouse films. Yeah, wasn't that the half of Grindhouse okay? No, Planet okay. Terror? Yeah, he did half of Grindhouse. He did Planet Terror. That's like the only part of Grindhouse you have to see. The the I've seen the other half too. Okay, Death Proof is the Tarantino movie that even years later he finally admitted that it was a piece of crap. When everybody else was like so obvious that it, that it, that movie sucked, um, yeah, I wanted I wanted to like Death Proof, and I couldn't. Yeah, have you seen the Adventures of Shark Boy and Lava Girl? In no, 3D I, by I, Robert I've never never seen that. I know that came out like a year or two after Spy Kids 3D. Yeah, I haven't even seen that one. Yeah, that was like him trying to again cash in on the 3D thing, and, and kids saw it. I mean, people paid money to go see Shark Boy and Lava Girl. It looks like another Spy Kids, but like mixed with superhero stuff. I thought something. it was more video game aesthetic. Is what I that's what I thought. Well, like Spy Kids three, it, they, if you look at the posters, it's like they both have like a guy with like a big fist and a girl with a sword and and Shark Boy and Lava Girl, and then in, in Spy Kids three, it looks like they're on like some like robot vehicles flying around. And uh. They're like sticking their fists out or whatever. I mean, it's it's the same kind of thing. I mean, yeah. it's like kids movies in three D. <laughs> With like video games and powers and whatever, man. I, I hate... It is weird though that this guy he does like these like gritty like violent movies like From Dusk Till Dawn, which was another one he did with Tarantino. That's also a good movie too. Yeah, with the vampires. Yeah, does, yeah. Like, the second um, half. And, and like I think Selena Gomez was like a stripper or something, and that was pretty hot. But um... yeah, I saw the James Rolfe review of it, and it it is interesting because it's like it's like two movies in one that's in the same almost as much as yeah Grand it's Hunter. like a it's like a psychological thriller and then like also like a zombie horror movie and it's also right. got a Fred Williamson in it and that's like the main reason I would see that movie is because Fred Williamson is in it the first half of it is like it's very slow they're like in a hotel and stuff and it... yeah it's like two guys that are like assassins and, and Tarantino's like completely psychotic out of his mind and he wants to freaking rape Juliet Lewis, and then they go across into Mexico. They go to the bar, and then that's when all hell breaks loose. There's a Spy Kids movie from 2011, Spy Kids: 
all the time in the world in 4D aromascope. What the hell? That must be direct to video. <laughs> this sounds like it's like Chinese ripoff of Spy Kids. <laughs> Stars Jessica Alba. How did they get her to be in this? Oh man, then it's got it's got to be worth seeing now because Jessica Alba's in it. <laughs> well, only if she gets naked, like in the Fantastic Four movies. <laughs> See, I haven't even seen those. I, like, I know she gets like half naked, and that's like, I think that's uh, like, I don't want to sit through an entire movie to get to that one scene where her, her shirt's off, her top's off. Well, it's it's pretty good compared to the like the newer Fantastic. Uh, that's what I hear too. Like, they're different movies, and then apparently, if you compare them, they're like, man, those two thousands movies are actually really good. Yeah, well, I mean, she's in, she's naked, but she's an invisible woman, so it's, it's, you can't fully appreciate it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, it would be it would be better if she was uh, I don't know, <laughs> uh, Miss Mrs. Fantastic or something like Elastigirl. You know, she could like stretch or something, but no, she's invisible. Stretch, stretch the right body parts out. You'll have my right. yeah, you have my ticket. Um, <laughs> anyways, so um. That's got to be a direct the direct to DVD movie or direct or to market movie. Even torch because she's so fond. <laughs> oh, um, shoot, yeah, Roger, yeah. So like, I've never like, so I've seen the Machete movies. Like, I love those Machete movies, both of them. I saw those both in theaters. I don't own any of them on, on media. Like, I saw them in theaters, and I was like, I was entertained. I had fun. I don't know if I'm ever going to see these again. But if I do, I, I know them. how to buy them. But they had it. Um like a trailer for it before uh, Grindhouse, didn't they? Yeah, so yeah, so Machete was going to be like it was this fake trailer that they, that they did. And then they decided to make it into a real movie. And the movie was like great. And then they made a sequel to that that no one asked for, and that was also great. And then they teased for a third one that I don't know if and when it's ever going to be made. But maybe with all the Alita movie that's coming that's coming in from China, it could fund that third uh, Machete movie. And then he also did the Sin City movies, which I saw the first one, but not the second. Uh, the second one's a piece of garbage. Avoid it. The first one is okay. is, is good. Like I, I yeah. enjoyed Sin City. People have mixed feelings on that, but like I, I, I actually do like that movie. Fine. Yeah, I liked but, it too. Yeah, I've never gotten around to the second. Uh, it's one of those things that Frank Miller just kept going for like too long, maybe. Like the uh, Dark Knight stuff that he's been doing, where it's like the future Batman, and it's like everyone says like the first Dark Knight Returns book is great. And then, like, the one he put out in, like, 2000 with, like, the Justice League in it, people say, like, that's not as good. And then the third one, I think people think is crap. I mean, I think that Sin City probably went downhill like that, too. Um, you know, like, his newer stuff, people don't like it as much. So maybe it's not the fault of Rodriguez as much as, like, the source material was not as good. I don't know. Yeah. Um, now, Robert Rodriguez, I mean, if Rodriguez is covering Frank Miller's stuff, like, he could do a really good Dark Knight Rises movie. Yeah, I mean, uh, th- they could do that, but they they did those animated movies that adapted it a few years ago. Oh yeah, and and like with live action, I don't know. It's like in development hell because uh, Affleck has these creative differences with the directors or writers or whatever. Gotcha. I think the Affleck may even be off Batman entirely now. All right. I, I guess at this point. So, like, do we hate Elita so much we got to talk about Roger, Robert Rodriguez movies for 15 minutes? Uh, yeah, I'm just, like, looking at all of his works. There's something called El Mariachi and Road Racers, Desperado. Have you seen any of those? I, I've seen Desperado. Yeah, Desperado was, like, his movies from, like, the 90s. So, like, he's yeah. 
I, I I actually do like Desperado a lot. Um, I saw that on TV when I was like a teenager, and uh, I haven't seen Once Upon a Time in the West because that's the third part of that trilogy. Oh wait, did he direct El Mariachi? Um, because I've seen that one too. Because I would that's led up to what Desperado was, and then Desperado yes. was to Once Upon a Time in Mexico. So he did. Yes, okay, that must have been that. one of his earliest films. Yeah, it is his first movie from 1992. Yeah, I have seen that. I know I have. Yeah, and then he did uh, Four Rooms, which lo- looks like it's another one that he did a segment of and Tarantino did a segment of. Hmm. And then Allison Anders and Alexandra Rockwell did the other two segments. So it's like some sort of compilation of four different, four different scenes from four different directors. Yeah. That's Based on gold doll work. Huh. Interesting. Well, he did, like, The Big Friendly Giant and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and all this stuff. I wouldn't think of Rodriguez and Tarantino doing his work. I didn't even know he did Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah, he's he did the original book. He did all these classic books, but they're, like, mainly for children, so it seems weird that he... James the, the, guy, Giant, the guy has he a did. the guy has a wide range of um, talent in Hollywood, where he can do action movies and also kids movies. Yeah. Well, I guess it says it's adult works by doll that they adapted. So I see what maybe... you see what you do to be to be integrated with Robert Rodriguez's work is you start up with his kids films when you're a kid, and then you're like, "Wow, I really like this director. What else has he done?" And I'm like hormonally charged and I want violence and, and tits on my screen. Wow, what's um uh from dusk till dawn? Wow, what's Planet Terror? <laughs> and you just keep going and going and going. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I saw those movies when I was in college and I guess that is like the right way to progress is to see the spy kids movies when you're like eight years old. Yeah, then you get integrated to being a Robert Robert Rodriguez fan. Yeah. Um so, anyways, I'd like to go back to talking about Battle Angel Alita, if you don't mind. Yeah, I, I, we didn't even really get started. I guess we we are going to, like, go through the plot or... Yeah, well, okay, so... I mean, if you if anyone who doesn't know, I mean... I guess it's kind of like we act like we everyone's seen Alita. So, but Alita is basically this robotic girl that falls from this upper terrace city above this shithole... Um, little, like, I don't know, like, Latino, East European, whatever, crap hole town. Of, um, it says it's based on Panama. I don't even know what what Panama is. I mean, other than the song by uh, Van Halen, but that's about it. <laughs> it's You know, it's got the canal. Wait. Um, oh, the location Panama? I thought it was like a book. No. the The city is based on Panama City. Like, I guess there's a Panama City in the, in Panama country, you know? Huh. That's interesting. Well, it's, there's something about how, because of the... <laughs> let me pull it up here. I was reading it on the Wikipedia page for this earlier. Something about the equator and the space elevator. Uh, Cameron says he based it on Panama City. The, the city is not floating, but hanging from a space elevator which would only work physically near the equator. As a result of the location, the Iron City is designed with Spanish signs and Latin American architecture. So this comes straight from James Cameron. The greatest pioneer. No budget too steep, no film, or however that song goes. 
<laughs> Anyways. Um, so, like, I think it's just, like, a, it's a floating, like, rich people paradise city. Like, okay, so, like, it's called, in the manga, and I think in the in the, in the movie it's called Typharius, or Typher, yeah. But it's also, it's but it's, they named it to Zalem in the, I, no, they called it Zalem in the movie, I know that. So, yeah, it's, because everyone, like, I, like in the anime and even in the movie, they're like, we gotta get to Zalem, like. Right. You got the uh, the kid, um, who is shoot. Oh man, I'm just all over this Wikipedia page. The boyfriend. Well, yeah, but he's also freaking scrolling. This is just such a. I don't want to look at manga titles. I want to look at character. Okay, hold up. Wait a minute. There's some beats. Okay, here we go. Characters. Um. Shoot, supporting characters. No, okay, yeah, so Hugo. Hugo is... Yeah, so, like, Hugo is the boyfriend, I guess. Well, well, he is, yeah. I mean, they have, like, a basically... I'm not your boyfriend, because they always say that in an anime at first, like, when people are dating. Like, somebody accuses her of being... Yeah. Like, when they're playing basketball, or... Well, not basketball, motorball. But, But, yeah... That that was early on, and then it quickly it becomes obvious that he is her boyfriend. <clears throat> well, you know when you're when you're uh, this is where I kind of felt like she was understanding, um, you know, emotions or, or replicating those very well by, um, you know, like of her being a robot, and it's the fact that <clears throat> because she can feel love. Yeah, well, she can. She can feel the emotions for that, but. They kind of go into that, like, my crazy-ass girlfriend mode where she's just like, I'll give you my heart, literally, and she just opens up her chest and gives out her, like, robotic heart, like, we'll sell this, and you can pay to go up to Zalem, and we can live happily ever after, even though I won't have a heart and I can't enjoy it, but I do it out of love. And Hugo's just like, oh, shoot, you're crazy. (laughs) But, like, it's that kind of, like, that, that extreme, like, emotional, like, you know, women will do anything for a guy that they're absolutely in love with, and their total submissiveness to them, and where I she's like literally wants been, to give her heart to him. This may have been why uh, Posobiec was promoting this as a uh, less feminist alternative to Captain Marvel, <laughs> because uh, she she is like not a man hating lesbian like uh, the woman who plays Captain Marvel, <laughs> who was making all these comments like. Uh, I wish there were less white men with me on this tour to promote this movie and, you know, making all these, uh, you know, uh, obnoxious, like... Even though your co-workers that are going to save the Marvel Cinematic Universe are white men. Most of them. Right. Good good job. Anyways. But she was, you know, she was obviously, like, kind of biting the hand that feeds there, right? She's about to be in this, like, massive that, But it's okay. Or... Disney has more than one hand to feed her. So she can keep right. fighting as long as they want to because they know that, that that's her golden calf and they're going to overly fatten her and that's how they keep making money. So It's worth noting that Captain Marvel did like worse than average for one of these Marvel movies in the US, but internationally it did incredibly well. So they can alienate white Americans by putting out these kinds of comments yeah. and uh, suffer these, these negative reviews on Rotten Tomatoes from people who who haven't seen it, but who hated her comments or whatever, and uh, and they actually like deleted all those, and they they got rid of the feature entirely of like giving a pre rating to the movie. 
saying you're not interested in it or whatever. Yeah. Um, but uh, but they'll still be able to make up for it because uh, in China, people will see it. Like, they'll see anything. Well, I, no, I knew, <laughs> I knew, like, 80% of this movie's budget or 70% of it is coming from, like, overseas. Like, the, the people in, in China and Japan are going to love the heck out of this movie. Yeah, they, they're going to see Alita, they're going to see Captain Marvel, they're going to see every big action movie mm-hmm. that involves, like, giant battles and robots and stuff, yeah. stuff over there. They're going to see every Pacific Rim sequel, mm-hmm. and, uh, every Transformers sequel, and uh, every Marvel movie. Yeah. That can just be relied upon. Even, like, the only thing you have to be worried about is you can't have, like, Winnie the Pooh in your movie or China Will Van. Ah. Uh... We'll see how that goes when, it, when that live action movie. Oh, and it, it didn't get played in China because it looks too much like Chairman Mao or their main leader. Yeah. Yeah. They banned that Christopher Robin movie or whatever it was called. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyways, going back to the plot. So Ito is this like vent, robot veterinarian guy and he fixes so up robots. One more thing about that scene. Oh my gosh. Uh, was, yeah, go was, ahead. This was the part where the guy was, like, talking about how he wants to get him one of these robots. And he was like, oh, she's so devoted to him. She's so horny for him. I gotta get me one of these. When she was pulling out the heart and, like, giving it to him. Like, that's, like, some sort of male fantasy. Like, woman literally well, okay, so it's either, it's either looked upon as a, as, a, as a male fantasy of, like, you know, total submission from a woman that that is undying, her undying love for him. Or right. crazy psycho bitch. <laughs> Which but like, but the thing is, mutually exclusive. Uh, yeah, maybe I don't know. But the thing is, like, she did try to look out for him when he became a robot, also. But like, every like, hey, so, all right, trying to get back into the backstory of like, we're already skipping ahead. Who cares? So, yeah, so Ito fixes up Alita. And she gives him like this, this body that was supposed to go f- to his daughter. And that she apparently got killed by a motorball guy. Because this is kind of them inter- intertwining three books and the story arcs into one movie to do its own thing. <clears throat> yeah. But I don't know if I don't know if in the manga or in the anime, Ido ever mentioned he had a daughter or anything. Um, they kind of tried to make it like Astro Boy, where the the old man's father, um, the the old man's son died, and so he he like named his robot after him and mm-hmm. tried to make it into like a replacement child I mean I guess Alita was always kind of like Astro Boy in that they're both like robots but uh, have a soul but I mean this this tried to make it even more like that yeah the um, father figure character <clears throat> and he's like giving her a curfew and everything and uh, trying to persuade her not to become uh, one of these um uh, Hunter killers or whatever they're called. I'm trying to. I think her. I think the woman's name in this was uh, Serum or Seraphim. The 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 other woman that came from Zalem that was working With the a dot lot. On her. The yeah, the doctor chick. Uh, I know she can't be an, an antagonist. Oh my gosh! Was it the woman who like spares Alita at the end of the movie when they're like in the building and? Her boyfriend is dying. All that. Yeah. Okay. It's. I think we'll just call her like Sarah. All right. It's like I think it's Sarah Ram or Seraphim or whatever. But like apparently like so and like I remember this from the anime too, where like she's this other person that got like 
sent down from Zalem to the to the scrapyard area. I guess it's probably the same reason that Ito did. I don't know if in the, I don't, I don't like I don't really don't remember in the manga or the anime that they were like you know married or something because in the movie they try to make it like you know Ito's like yeah she was my ex she's like my ex wife and you know we wind up coming down here for you know sketchy reasons or whatever. But in the anime it was like they were both like kind of sent away from the t- from like Zalem like forced to live their lives like down in the scrapyard and she's like uh, I know in the anime like she's like determined to do whatever she can to get, get to get back up there even freaking getting plowed by the the mobster guy in the anime like I, I specifically remember this scene where like she's like on like an office table getting plowed and like and basically fake orgasming to please the the, the mobster guy while she like looks up at Zalom and like desperation and like you know and sadness like i'm getting you know boned here in order for me to like eventually <laughs> have my my wish and to do whatever i can to get myself back up to zalem once more um and, and i don't remember her dying in the anime or anything because like you know I, if we watched that before we did the review i could answer that question but um but anyways like but in this one it was just kind of like they kind of toned it down like oh she's just like she's in sexy lingerie laying on his bed and he's like drinking at the city and just like you know i i run this underworld like i you know i run this city kind of thing um i'm the straw that stirs the drink bitch so <laughs> that's kind of um his thing there but um mm-hmm. i'm just trying to think yeah so that she's another character in this so like in the movie they're her and ito are um yeah, you know, like they're former lovers, and she works as a research person for the mob guy. And, uh, but also they they kept in where like he's you know it's like still like a uh, also a hunter, um like a bounty hunter for like finding these like killing these rogue robots to keep his business open. And so like I like how they designed his uh, jet hammer very well. So like I I like how they adapted that very well to this. Um, and even that first battle where. Alita begins to battle like those uh, those other cyborgs. Like it's very well done, um, and it's pretty much like adapted very well from like the manga. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they also like during this like that's when she meets Hugo. Like when she first like gets out into the world and becomes a robot, and but the Hugo arc doesn't come until like the second OVA or the second book, and uh, then of course like with this intertwining like they're they're like oh we do this cool game called Motorball you should try it. And then she finally gets into professional motorball to try to compete or whatever. Um, at the same time, where Hugo is doing his um, his main take on making an, um, an income is by salvaging ba- uh, black market or body parts for the black market, which is all run by the shady underground guy. Yeah, so he's like mugging random cyborgs <laughs> and stealing their body parts and dating a cyborg at the same time. So these other guys in his gang are criticizing him over this and they're like, Oh, he's just gonna make you go soft, man and she's a hard body, they keep calling her. And uh then eventually he does want to bow out of the gang and they they um you know, they don't take too kindly to that. So. Yeah. Then the other guy shows up and like kills his teammate the, the the evil guy with the sword. Do you know what his name is? Uh and tries to frame him for it. Yeah, no, I remember. I remember sword guy. Like you're talking about the the bounty hunter guy, right? That uses the sword. Yeah, the evil. The, he's like the other than the giant guy. He's like the main guy that Alita fights in the movie. 
I mean, she fights him in the yeah, bar, like in and then certain, she fights him again later. Yeah, like in certain parts, he does. Um, oh my gosh, got a freaking. She cuts off his face at the end of it. Yeah, like her slices it up really good, but that's like when she was trying to save uh, Hugo's life, and um, because I have like this plot thing where like he's in trouble and she leaves the because she's at the 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 motorball game, and they try to like this is like they're basically paid by the mob guy to take it to basically kill her at the games. And so she gets out of she gets out of that. Um and to go save him. Um and in the process and of course like the doctor chick, um, Sarah or whatever, like help helps her out and then they put in they put him on a, his brain on a robot's body to quote Captain Murphy from C Lab. Um yeah. <clears throat> Well I ha- I'll have you know that I'm looking at the Wikipedia page for the movie uh, it's got a it's got a hundred seventy dollar hundred seventy million dollar budget, and its box office so far it's three hundred eighty two million. So it's made back. What is its budget? Yeah, about double its budget. So it's and most of that yeah. is coming from. Um, oh, yeah. oh, it's it's okay. So the chick is uh, the doctor. Chick is uh, Cheerin, Cheerin, or yeah. yeah that's right. why I thought it was like Sharon. That's why I kept calling her that. All right. And okay, so the mob guy is a guy who call is they call him Vector. Because I have to look at the Wikipedia page for the, um, for the movie. F- crap, dude! Casper Van Dien was in this movie as a mock. I think a mock was the sword guy. That sounds about right. I didn't uh, f- freaking. I love Casper Van Dien. Dead gum. I'm glad everybody he's getting in work. it is so like CGI'd up with all the robot bodies. How was I supposed to know that was Casper Casper Van Dien? Dang, and then also you can like, see, like part of his face, but it does look like him. So, yeah, yeah. yeah a monk, I think, was the sword guy. Let me let me double check on this. But then also like at the end, um, they have a character. They have Edward Norton like looking above the tower, like studying or uh, above Zalem studying a leader or whatever. As like at the end of the the movie with the motorball or whatever. Um. <clears throat> well, that 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 the villain that was like manipulating everything from behind the scenes. He. Uh... It was like not really his real body that Alita killed, and then I thought that that, that new villain at the end was supposed to be like his. Yeah, real well, body I think oh, okay. So like Nova or Edward Norton like possesses people because he has that kind of control. I don't know how, but anyways, um, so like yeah, he possesses the Vector guy. Like when she goes to to basically break down the door and take out all like the the Robo or the RoboCop um, police robots or whatever. Which was kind of which was interesting. The Ed two hundred nines or whatever that was blocking the entrances. Um, that gum, I man, now I kind of now I need to own this movie because Casper Van Diem is in it. Um, but anyways, ah shoot, yeah. But at that point, like she's able to take out um, freaking um, Hakaku when he comes back, and then because by then like. Vector kills the, the doctor or Sharon or whatever. Um, I'm just kind of going all over the place with this movie, but but anyways, like I I think it's like when you watch this, um, like I, it's interesting to like kind of read the manga and just kind of see what they changed in it. But like it really works. Like I know like when I'm watching this, even though I wasn't familiar with the motorball arc, because like I haven't seen anything really past that second book or what was adapt- adapted in that second OVA for Battle Angel Lita. Um, like, you're just kind of like, okay, like, that, that must come, the, like, next, 
and then they're just kind of intertwining all of this, and it just works. I, again, I, I'd say it works really well. Um, I know we're just like all over this, like all over the place for this review. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think people just need to see it for themselves. Uh, Yeah, it it, it was a good adaptation, and uh, I was looking up, like, how long this has been in the works, and all the way back in 2000, uh, James Cameron became interested in in doing this, Yeah, and uh, Fox uh, purchased the uh, rights to uh, BattleAngelAlita.com, so this is uh, 20 years in the making, and he kept delaying it to work on Avatar and uh, the Avatar sequels. (laughs) <laughs> he's only made one Avatar movie when he had like what 10 planned or something and he's like yeah I'm going to make 10 Avatar movies because I'm James Cameron the greatest pioneer supposedly he's like so filming far. all the sequels at the same time like they had to make these massive sets and they had to reuse them in each movie or something like this so they're, so they're they're going the way of the Lord of the Rings movies because I guess he's just like, why don't I just invest, like, get a big ton of money, do all this at once, and then just keep cashing in on it every other year or every single year as he just mm-hmm. sits on these recorded movies. And I guess that's why he hasn't done, he hasn't made anything and, you know, so long because his focus is on this. And I don't know how long, I don't know how long left Cameron has, but... Like, I feel like Alita and especially Akira have been, like, in development hell for, like, live-action adaptations since, like, the 90s. Because, like, I know with yeah. Akira, like, it's been talked about in anime magazines, like, in the mid-90s or early 90s. Like, from some of the stuff I've read. Where it's like, yeah, they're going to they're gonna try to have doing talks like with big Hollywood to see if they get this made. And you're looking at, like, Animag or Animerica writing about this in, like, 1995 or something. And here it is, almost 25 years later, no Akira movie. But it, it's bound to come out eventually. If they can do this with, with Alita, you know Akira is right on the horizon. Yeah. Like now, that uh, they, now that they know how to make really good anime adaptation movies to live action, like, there's no telling, like, what else they, else they can adapt. Like, there was that talk of the Keanu Reeves Bebop movie, which could still happen. There's also the, I laugh at this, the Tobey Maguire Robotech movie, that can also still happen. Is that something that Harmony Gold announced? Well, I thought they announced it, like, back in 06 or 07, because I remember there was a thread about it on Toon Zone. Okay. And I I remember we all laughed at it, thinking it's probably never going to happen. And... When he was still Spider-Man? That was... That was after the third Spider-Man movie, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, the Garfield Spider-Man didn't come along until the 2010s, I think. Because for a while they were planning, like, a Spider-Man 4 with Tobey Maguire, which was going to have the lizard, but then it, it eventually ended up being... Yeah, because of how bad 3 did. Well, I think there was some issue with uh, Raimi also, like, wanting to go off and do horror movies again or something. He made, oh, yeah. I think it was called Drag Me to Hell or something like that after that. Oh, Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's why he did direct those movies. <laughs> oh. I remember people were criticizing it. They were like, oh, it's only a PG-13 horror movie. You know, people would get mad about, like, if something's not rated R because they want it to be more extreme. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, all in all, like, I thoroughly enjoyed Alita, like, from start to finish. Um, and I, I didn't really know what kind of... I didn't really come in there with any kind of... I didn't come in there with, like, very high expectations, but I didn't come in there with, like 
my average or low expectations like I did with Ghost in the Show. Like, oh, I already know this is a piece of crap. Now, if it does better than that, then I will say this is a good movie. But I didn't really – I just wanted to be – I was like I, – I had expectations of like I know I'm going to be entertained and I'm pretty sure I'm going to enjoy what I see. And that's exactly what happened with Alita. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I was kind of skeptical because of the eyes thing, which everybody was criticizing. I didn't have an issue with it because, like, I, I know Daryl Surratt, like, when that came out, like, his, his thing on Twitter was like, um, I don't see an issue with the eyes because that's how big her eyes are in the manga. That's kind of them adapting it. What's the problem, guys? What's what's wrong with you? And, like, they toned that down, but, like, it never, it never it was never too distracting. Like, I, I liked how she looked. Um, it, it didn't, it didn't bother, it didn't bother me one bit. Like, I, I dug it. I liked it. And it ad- they adapted that look very fairly well. So, yeah, it took a while for it to uh, kind of sink in, uh, but it, it, I think it ultimately works because it makes her more expressive. And yeah, so it, it like amplifies her innocence that she's all doe-eyed like that. Yeah, it she's does. Like, and it, and it amplifies that she's a robot, but she's got like all this emotion because of like just how her eyes look, and you know the fact that she like you, you can see just like you can very you can pr- you can very much read her. Like, right. you know, like, you can, you can tell, like, the movie can tell itself without any dialogue based on how she feels about something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, I think that uh, she must have been pretty heavily CGI'd. Um, you know, her ro- her body is all robotic in a lot of scenes. And That's I true. She just has clothes on. Yeah. So it just looks like a normal girl. But yeah. uh, even her arms or legs, if they're sticking out of their shorts or whatever, will look robotic. So I mean I think in practically all the scenes she's in they they must have used CGI both on her eyes and on her body so it makes me wonder like how much of it is really her like as part of the face and the hair I or, think like, I, I think I mean like, I, think the, I think the I think the face the face and the hair look I mean like maybe the hair was somewhat CGI'd but like the face you can tell like it stayed the same like uh Rosa Salazar Salazar did a very good job as Alita so mm-hmm. um but now the thing with the movie that I didn't understand was like her past regarding her being like a you know fighting on Mars and being a soldier. Like I don't know. I think that probably covered that kind of stuff like later in the manga. I'd say for her backstory because that's something I don't know, and I don't know if like that's. I feel like that's not just thrown in there like unintentionally. Like it does connect, and it probably does connect to like maybe Last Order, or um, like maybe something recent from Alita because they keep making Alita manga. Um, but I feel like that that still had a good connection, like regarding like trying to get to know her, her backstory, because it never explained any of that, and like in the manga in the beginning, of what they adapted, um, and also from the anime. Um, and I do like I do like the fact that they did adapt the, the ending of it very well, where um, Hugo tries to climb up the uh, up to Zalem, and he fails miserably, and it's at the cost of his life, and how Leah just like freaking mourns for him when he dies, because um, I'm just like I know where this is going, but this is a really good scene. Oh, uh, the part where he gets cut apart by the razor blades while they're trying to climb up the big... Um... Yeah, yeah, because he's like, I got robotic legs, I can make it up, I can do this, and then it's like, the saw, and then, you know, freaking Edward Norton's like, oh, no, no one's coming up here that way. <laughs> so... Yeah, and then she grabs him as he's falling, and the robot arm starts to break apart, and uh, then he ends up falling, and they show him, like, falling into the clouds with his uh, eyes open, and she goes, no! Yeah, like, I, that was a real, that was adapted very well. I enjoyed that. You know what else is interesting? Michelle Rodriguez was, was Gelda, a cyborg warrior from Mars that trained Alita. So the cutscenes of her past 
with I guess like Alita's commander chick or something. That was Michelle Rodriguez. I did not even notice that either. Like that, these yeah, are uncredited roles. Um, yeah, Dagum. Like this is a this is a, a this is a good film. So everyone should go see. Like I would say, I mean, I think either way. Like if you wanted to read the manga first, like maybe the first, like okay, so Viz has got the thick books now. And the second one it covers into Motorball that they got out now from Kandansha. Um Okay. But, like, I would suggest, like, I think people can go into this either way. They can either see the live-action movie and then read about and watch the uh, the Alita anime and manga and see what they changed. Or you can do the manga first and the anime and then the, the live-action movie, like I did, because that's that's the way I've done it. Um, so, But I think either way, like, this, this is a... Like, it doesn't feel like, I mean, if you watch the, the anime... Or read the manga that it's like, oh my gosh, like you're you're gonna be so butthurt. You're like, oh, this is why they made those changes. Actually, you know that kind of works. I, I can dig that. Like I can understand that. Have you seen any negative reception for this on you know social media or anything? Nothing um, to the equivalent of what happened to Ghost in the Shell. No, I have not. And if there is out there, I probably maybe don't want to know. I don't know. Yeah, I didn't really either. I, I'm, but I wasn't really paying much attention either. So maybe. Maybe if I like listen to podcasts where people review it or something, maybe there are some negative ones. I don't know, but yeah, I, I definitely yeah. haven't seen criticism like on the level of Ghost in the Shell. But Ghost in the Shell, a lot of the criticism was, um, you know, like people who obviously didn't care about the original franchise or anything, just social justice warriors who got on the like outrage train because of racial issues relating to like yeah, Scarlett Johansson. They tried to they they white faced her when she's really an uh, you know an Asian chick. I went on the you I already went on a rant on that when we reviewed it two years ago. So I don't need to right. repair, I don't need to repeat myself on that. So but it's all in our in our episode review of that Ghost in the Shell movie. Um, right. Uh, I, I, yeah. I made my points very clear. But. Yeah, anyways, so, yeah, we're right over an hour. I mean, this movie's like, what, two and a half or so? Okay, probably. you want to go into closing remarks? Yeah, let's go ahead and do closing remarks, because I feel like there's a whole lot to cover. <laughs> All right. All right, uh, what do you want to talk about first, John? I think I know. Um, well, do you want to do the con reviews another time, or are you going to want to do that in this episode? I, I can do. I mean, I can do con reviews. I can keep it quick. I think. Okay. We might as well. We might as well like rival this to the Joe Rogan episode with Alex Jones. Try We're to make it. For it. We're going to make this the longest podcast in the world. Yeah, let's go for it, Joe. Let's go for it. We can do this. We got steaks afterward. <sighs> I got to pee. <laughs> I think our inside joke. I think our inside joke to like to move on to something. I'd I, be like, "Go pee. I gotta pee or something." <laughs> yeah, I, I mentioned that when we talked about the the other uh, episode that these guys did together. How like Alex when he gets higher and higher and crazier and crazier, he starts like having to go to the bathroom a lot. <laughs> yeah, but Joe Rogan's podcasts are so long. That you always see somebody like have to get up and go to the bathroom. <laughs> I just, uh, oh man, we're gonna. There's so much to dig into that. I'd rather save that for last. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, no con reviews were quick, so I went to basically. So I went this is to... the part where everybody can go the go pee. Yeah, everybody go pee. This is the con reviews. You don't care about this stuff. All right, so I went to basically two cons back to back on the weekends. I was a guest, 
and a panel or guest panelist or whatever at Agamacon out of Aiken, South Carolina. And then I went to South Carolina Comic Con this past Saturday. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Agamacon, it's a, it's like their fourth year. It's a little small con, but it, it was actually pretty fun. Um, my biggest thing about that is I got to basically hang out with Tiffany Grant most of the time, especially that Sunday. Um, my panel did pretty well. And um, like I thought I was going to have some technical issues because they put like a, a boombox speaker in there that had like no charge because like six or like four of the panels were using it already and no one ever bothered to charge the thing up. So they're just kind of like, oh, whatever. So then I they had took a, it took a little bit of time to get that set up, and then like I was ready to go. I, I did what the heck moments in anime was a astounding success. So I got to show some Voltus Five clips in that. That was that was worth it for people. Um, oh, which clips did you include? Uh, the ones I posted up basically on Twitter with like the uh, the dad going insane and the Camp A Falcon, and uh, the one where like the they go to the jungle and there's the big frog and they the the, the frog eats the missile and it just explodes. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And then the one the little girl uh, is a bomb that's voiced by Zardos and is like, this girl is, is not longer, no longer living. She is a bomb and she is set to blow off or something. Um, good stuff like that. <clears throat> um, I just have like a, 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 a talent pool of like clips I can pull that I can pretty much use like at, at any point and people will still enjoy it. Um, so that went over well and... Uh, I hung out with some... I, basically, I got the uh, number for... There's a dealer uh, that sells video games. And you've probably seen him at any major con. Uh, the guy who runs it, him and his wife... Uh, I can't think of her name, but his name's Josh. But he basically saw me and he's like, Hey, man, I'll give you my number in case you ever want to come out and help me at a con or something locally sometime. And I said, Yeah, sure, why not? So then I wind up having dinner with um, him and... And his wife, and then like a, uh, another guy that was uh, basically dealing out there. He was also at uh, SC Comic Con too, and we went to some like uh, A Town Wings, I think it's what it's called in Aiken. And Josh was like, "Oh yeah, we're gonna hit up this wing place, A Town Wings. It's gonna be shit." And it pretty much almost was. <laughs> oh, that's like they, they decided to pitch in, like we all pitched in to get these uh, like hundred wing cl- uh, thing and eat hundred wings all together. And I had the honey barbecue, and I had the better end of that deal because they were doing like ranch wings that just sounded disgusting. They, they had the second best ones, which is the Cajun ones. Um, there was some other ones like I tried them and I, like a garlic one. And I was like, oh my! It was like mostly salt. It was disgusting. Um. <clears throat> I also, and so I wound up actually staying and spending the night, because I didn't think I was, um, at, for the con. So I wound up going to the hotel, the host hotel, that my buddy Vince was, uh, him and his uh, card game company, uh, Vindicated Entertainment, was there uh, to sell their stuff. And I wound up rooming with them. So uh, we played a, a round of a card game called Spell Singers, which is a game that I got incredibly pissed off, because you're supposed to collect... You're supposed to get like you're supposed to have died to like like I think it's key forging or something, and you're supposed to have like you're supposed to get up to a certain number you can you can forge keys and so whoever has, you know, three keys wins the game. I never even got to one because people kept stealing my die from me and I just kept getting pissed off and more pissed off because it was just like how how the cards worked and like we did like a battle royale thing so then like I had like one dude specifically gang up on me and I tried to fight him and. I, I was about tempted to throw the die down the freaking hallway. I swear, but it was it was still fun. 
But anyways, um, <clears throat> I slept on a sleeper sleeper sofa that I had in the uh, the suite hotel that night. Um, so that Sunday, like I wound up like basically being in the dealer's room because I had nothing really going on. Um, the only thing I really did was like Tiffany Grant had two panels there. And I went to both of those. Um, her Saturday panel uh, had more people than, say, her Sunday panel. And um, I just basically chilled out with her, and I bought some stuff from her table. She was selling some of her um, Oscar merchandise, and she has she has a big collection of Hello Kitty stuff she's trying to liquidate. And so, like with her, like we were like you know chatting and talking or whatever. So like she's she's lives in Atlanta, like you know right now. Um, I'm not gonna say which part, uh, which area, but she like she told me a general area, and I was like, okay, I kind of know where that's at. So she's kind of there to get, like, basically, she does, like, voice acting work still. So she's trying to stay busy with that, and that's kind of her main source of income. Um, I was sad to hear that, like, um, well, I mean, I th- it sounds like her and Matt Greenfield probably divorced and split up a while ago. Because the last time I saw her, she was still married to Matt. Uh, and that's been, like, six, seven years or whatever. So I, I'm i sad. Like, I, for me, like, when, when people, like, when they get divorced, I'm, I get pretty bummed about it. It's like, oh, you know, I'm sorry. You know, too bad it didn't work out. But, um... I, I, I don't know if it's like public knowledge or whatever, but I guess I'm saying it now. But um, it probably says on her anime news network profile or something that Lindsay Loveridge wrote about Wikipedia it because she page. somehow got the information for that. Yeah, um, <laughs> <laughs> go figure. Is the 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 slime cesspool of journal, journalistic integrity of A and N. She was the one that was going after Vic. Yeah, did you do you remember not remember when we? Talking about that whole kick Vic thing on our last oh, recording. Yeah, I remember. That's, it's just all going to be bundled in this in this episode, anyways. So, right, you know, whatever. So, they raised like a hundred thousand dollars for this uh, Vic thing. Is that right? Yeah. So Vic, uh, they did a, a GoFundMe to get a lawyer for Vic, and that's I think it's that um, Rakita guy. I don't I don't know what's yeah. going on, but he's got he's got like apparently they had the money raised for him to go after and to you know. Uh, Get back his reputation. Uh, and our so we'll old friend Mason even kicked in, even though he's literally homeless and in the hospital. Yeah, so, yeah, Mason got locked out. The Mason saga, because we haven't talked about Mason in a while, he's had an apartment for a while, and now he his landlord changed the locks on it because, you know, he hasn't paid his rent or anything. Um, typical Mason. And so now he's in a hospital, I guess, sleeping there while nursing some sort of messed up leg or something or knee or foot or I don't know. And he's just like, I have no power cord cause it's in the, it's in my apartment where I'm locked out of. And I, I can't, you know, so basically his phone is dying and I think he's literally also dying. Yes. It's not funny, but I mean, I just, uh, it's just, it's just so interesting with, with, with Mason. But anyways, yeah, no, like, so I wound up like I wound up getting so I wound up getting lunch for Tiffany Grant on Sunday because like like I was I was sitting in the suite area of um like the dealer's room so like I had the guy selling video games and the guy across from him was the guy who came with us to the wing place and they basically hung out the whole time because it was such a small con that like deal, other dealers were getting up and checking out the area and they were also like eyeing their own booth so if they saw people over there they just rushed back and, like oh hey what do you want like sorry I stepped out because nothing's happening going you know, here on a Sunday. And I think all the people were, like, at the cosplay masquerade thing. I don't know. But, um, no, it's like I was asking the, those guys if what they wanted to do for lunch because I was hungry. And then uh, Tiffany was, came over to me. She's like, hey, do you mind? Because I was just kind of hanging out with her, like, in that area. And she's like, hey, do you know, do you mind uh, going to the Maid Cafe and getting me something to eat because I'm hungry? And I was just like, 
well, I'm about to go out and get lunch. You know, what do you, what do you, what do you want? And she's like, well, where are you going? I said, uh, probably Wendy's. And she just lit up. She's like, Wendy's. Oh boy. I'll tell you exactly what I want. And she wrote down everything on this piece of paper, which I didn't bother to keep. I probably should have. Because I could have it as a as a, a creepy guy memento of uh, the day I will never forget that Tiffany Grant gave me her order that she wanted from Wendy's, which was in those I guess like an apple pecan salad or something. Um, yeah, so like I gave it to the lady at the register, and then they asked me if I wanted it back, and I was like, nah. And then as she threw it away, I was like, maybe I should have kept that. Oh well. <laughs> so, and I had to give her back her uh, her. Um, she can't be at 20, so I went and got her lunch, got lunch for her, and I gave her back the receipt, and so she can use it as a business expense. Because, like, they, they're paid to be there, so the con, you know, wasn't able to, um, you know, she didn't have anybody. I, she acted like, I mean, she said she had the guy, the, the, the main guy's phone number of the con, but she's like, I don't want to bother him, and I was just like, I'm going to go out and get food. I like to. If you want something, let me know. And she just like I'll tell you exactly. Like she was so specific on what she wanted on that salad too, because she's got like issues or I don't know. Anyways, but she has. That's getting too personal. But she, <laughs> Next, she was going to say that you got her number. Give it out to our audience. <laughs> um, I okay. I I didn't make a pass at Tiffany. I'm just saying I made a nice gesture to get her number because she's. Uh, she, not to announce, but she is coming to a con that I've I've been to a couple of times in Atlanta that she's gotten an invite for. And I always wanted to get her number, so I'd be like, hey, we do a room party with some of the people. You might be interested. I don't know. So I threw it out as a friendly suggestion, not not to hit on her at all. There, there I understand there's an almost twenty years twenty year age gap between us. and I, I and you know, I I don't know. Like I'm She's cool, but she, like, she, I don't. Know, I guess she like she ended really my like tight. I don't know. She's fun, she's a fun girl, but I, like you know, I didn't want to. You know, I'm asking, I'm not asking her for a date. Now, if it was like a like I need a younger male suitor for some party, and I'll be like, yeah, I will totally do that because you're Tiffany Grant. <laughs> um, but that didn't happen. But she was just she politely turned me down. And I said, I totally understand. I get where you're coming from on that. I just kind of said as a nice gesture, it's okay. Uh-huh. Um. So to any of those losers out there that have always tried, that have ever failed or wanted or were too punked out to ask Tiffany Grant's number, you're talking to the king right here that had the balls to do it, even though that was not the reason why I got her number for. It's just be, it's just be friendly, anyways. But it'd be, it's cool to have someone like in the industry to have their number, you know, because you're trying to get connected or whatever. So you can always ask like, hey, you got any no any jobs coming up? But she's just like, hey, email me, like get in touch with me on email. So I'm like, okay, cool. Um. No, so anyways, yeah, like Tiffany. We're gonna get some comment from Daft saying like you're just coping because she rejected you by claiming you're not interested. <laughs> um, well, I'll tell you, I, I'll tell you what. So personally, I did. That was okay. So that was the second. Okay, that was the okay. That was the second attempt at getting a number, but I already had a number <laughs> the first time from another girl that Saturday. Okay, and to sum that up. Like, I thought she was, like, to- she kept looking at me, and I thought she was flirting with me, and I thought she was, like, into me, and I was like, okay, you know, awesome. And she was running, like, some uh, um, artist alley booth or whatever. And, she, like, we were talking, and so, like, I this was right before my panel. I said, hey, you know, why don't I get your number, and we can, you know, like, I'll I'll come back, you know, I'll probably talk to you after my panel or whatever, which I did. And, uh, and I was like, yeah, you know, maybe you want to do something later. And she's like, okay, sure. So she, like, we traded numbers, and so I got 
her number and I gave her mine. So I went to my panel and like I hung out for a bit and I came back and we started chatting some more. And then I realized there was some signs of get get the heck out of here, Dustin. With uh, <clears throat> man, excuse me. <clears throat> so we were talking, and I realized that like she told me she was in college, so I figured like she might have been in her early twenties or something. It and turned out she's like eighteen. But oh. but the thing is like it's like okay age. Uh, maybe I don't know. Like that's not too much of a big deal. That wasn't totally the breaker. The breaker was when I got back to that booth, there was two other guys there. And immediately my first guess was one of these has got to be her boyfriend. And I was totally right about that because she, there was some guy that came back to the booth and she went up and kissed him on the cheek. And I was like, I'm getting the hell out of here. So I kindly like, you know, like, Hey, I'm going to go do some stuff. Um, you know, Hey, you got my number, uh, text or call me later if you want to. Haven't heard from her and never will. And I'm perfectly fine that with that. You said that in front of her boyfriend. I said that in front of her, and I'm pretty sure her boyfriend heard. Uh, I don't care. <laughs> so I never well, went back to that least, area. So, well, at least now he knows that she was trying to cock him. Oh, well, if that happens to go down south, <laughs> the south. I get it. <laughs> Anyways, um, <laughs> down south in the Aiken, South Carolina con. Um, Jeez, do I even want to be a rebound for someone like that? I don't know. But she was a really cool chick. Like we, I, I like it's kind of like we sort of like I was getting to know her, and then like once I saw those signs, I was like, I'm getting out of here. So I was like, and I was bummed. Um, but like, like asking Tiffany her number was more of a professional kind of way, a courtesy of doing that. But that's cool. That yeah, that's cool that she didn't do that at all. So. But I wound up like we helping. We have an uh, old interview with Tiffany Grant that maybe people can uh, look up. Yes, you know, on the Cybernauts. Guy, or... Guys, listeners, if you go, if you listen, if you go through our archives, is it really nine forty two at night? Jeez. All right. If you go through our archives, um, at the bottom of our um, of our index or reviews, the very bottom, I've got two interviews. One is with Robert Woodhead, and one is with Tiffany Grant. So Tiffany Grant is the one I did with her at Bonsai Con six, seven years ago or whatever. Uh, she actually did remember me. I had to like bring it up. I was like, "Hey, do you remember?" Like when I first saw, it, I was like, "Do you remember doing an interview with me at a con years ago?" And she's like, "You kind of look familiar." So then she, and then when I talked to her a little bit, and she goes, "You know, yeah, yeah, sure." Uh, so she, and then I just kind of hung out with her most of the time, pretty much, because she was just really cool. Uh, and I wasn't like trying to invade her space or anything. I was just kind of just in the area, sort of. Um, but no, like it was just us chatting and talking. Like, and with Tiffany, like I think she kind of she's aware of the whole Kick Vic thing. But with her thing, like, she didn't give an opinion on it, and I wasn't, I didn't want to ask her about it. Uh, but her thing was just kind of like, you know, I really don't care, and I think, and I probably, like, without her professional, without her really saying it, she's probably somewhat disgusted by the people that, um, that are, are doing, I, that's, that, that's kind of sort of the vibe I got. She didn't like, you know, like, oh, I'm so proud of Monica Real and Jamie Marshy going, she said nothing like that. She's just like, she was kind of like, yeah, you know, like, so she's not too thrilled about it either, I guess. Um, but she's not really part of any social media group. Like she has a like a fan group on Facebook that she only has a Facebook just to check on there. Like she doesn't care about social media or anything. And I was like, oh, I am, so, I'm like, I am so glad you don't do that crap, Tiffany. Thank you. <laughs> like she gets it because yeah. she sees how much of a toxic wasteland it is. Yeah. 
and I'm trying, like, I'm trying not to like sound like I'm putting words in her mouth or anything, but that was kind of the, that was the the interpretation I got um, from that. But yeah, people can draw their own conclusions. But, yeah, uh, they can. Yeah, I, that this is just based off my thing, and I got a text on something. Okay. Oh, I got uh, apparently Ghost Show Ghost Politics is on. Right, I just got a notification about that too. Uh, it says the Troll War Treaty, the Troll Saw Pact. So I guess Ghost is trying to like make peace with the trolls. Oh, <laughs> popping a beer because Ghost was mentioned. <laughs> oh, let me get my beer in. All right, um, you're causing me to drink. Damn it. Anyways, um, no, that's a Lacroix. <laughs> um, it almost sounds like Alex Jones because Ghost and Alex Jones sound so similar. <laughs> Well, Ghost can do a, like, an almost on par Alex Jones impersonation, which I really like. Um, <laughs> well, filters. Yeah. Crap. Seventeen thirty six will commence again. It's <laughs> my dad asking me something. Um. Hmm. Yeah. So, anyways, I can't really remember too much of. I, mean, I kind of hit up the highlights of Agamacon, I guess. So I got a bunch of stuff, and I can just take pictures of it of. If I remember what I caught, I got a couple of like sealed new type USA issues that Tiffany Grant has. Like she had a bunch of stuff. Like she had um, extras of like the DVD inserts for the Platinum Connection collections of Evangelion she was selling. Mm. So I even told her about like going to the um, oh shoot they have a Thursday um, like the Super Happy Fun Sale, which is like basically a flea market of people bringing getting a table. And showing up with whatever crap they have, and just basically selling to whoever wants it. And I'm just like Tiffany, if you go to a- if you're at AWA that Thursday, bring all your stuff with you, and go to this booth, and you will definitely make your money. So I'm hoping she does that. So because I think I think people are gonna like like buying things from her. And her thing is that like she's just kind of like she was talking to me about cons where people like you know go to these conventions and it's like, oh you know people whoa shoot, I think I'm falling out. I think I'm falling out of my chair. Dude, I think I broke my chair. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you know what goes to do. Send it back to the manufacturer and say it was broken when you got it. Oh my gosh. I think, did I bend my chair? That's wild. Oh man. Do I got to spend tax money on getting another office chair? Oh my <laughs> gosh. This is not tax good. Money from substitute teaching? Uh, I mean, I got my income tax money, but I didn't want to spend it on an office chair. Dadgummit. Oh, okay. Wow. I sit in this thing so much that it's actually bending. Jeez, that sucks. Like, I'm leaning back, and I'm like, wait, I know I have the latch thing on. Why am I still falling backwards? <laughs> uh, uh, please support our, uh, ki- our, please give us PayPal money so I can buy another office chair. <laughs> so... <laughs> Yeah, no one's going to give us anything. Maybe. I don't know. But, um... Ah, shoot, where was I going? I was still... Yeah, I think that was kind of the highlights of Agamacon, was just really just spending quality time with, um... Blah, Tiffany Grant. So... Oh, it wasn't, it wasn't that kind of quality time. Um... <laughs> I Maybe you should stop digging on the Tiffany Grant subject. I, I think I should have just let it go. I hung out with Tiffany Grant. That's the end of it. That's all you need to know. So to just keep digging that hole. If she ever hears this, show, I know for sure she'll never talk to me again. God, why do I keep 
dropping crap in my room. It's just the flea market of pure bull crap in here. Anyways. How dare you say I'm older than you? Stupid Dustin. <laughs> she said, now, she told me, she told me, she's just like, I'm not really, she didn't give a real age, but she's like, I feel like 29 a lot. And I was like, yeah, why not? Let's go with that, Tiffany. And I, I was, think that's how all women over 29 feel. <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, like, she doesn't, like, I, I know she's in her 40s, for sure. She's but, 50. Probably 50, yeah. But, like, she looks darn good for her age. And if you go on her, on her Wikipedia page, it says she divorced two years ago, and it says how old she is and everything. I know that there are some, like, actors who've tried to sue uh, IMDb to, like, remove their age and that sort of thing from there. But, uh, I, but the, I don't the thing is, if, like, even if you post up a year, people with, like, basic math can figure out how old you are. Even if you post up a year, that gives you a rough number. So, and if it's public information, like, you can't, it's like, you know, you can't really hide that too much, so. Right. I mean, like, birth certificates God. are, I think on some level, they're public. Um, yeah. Although maybe not. I mean, there was this whole thing where they were trying to find the Obama birth certificate. You remember, like, Trump was in, <laughs> leading the charge on this, along with my old sheriff, uh, Joe Arpaio. Oh, my god. And they gosh. were, like, trying they were like went to Hawaii and they like tried to track it down yeah. and it like didn't exist. And then Obama like released one, but there were all these people claiming it was a forgery, including my sheriff. And so that was this whole thing where it's like, well, where did they find this? Or like, mm-hmm. did Obama just make it? Cause like at first he claimed it didn't exist. He was like, there is no long form birth certificate. There's just this announcement from the newspaper. And then they eventually like came up with it somehow. But I don't, I don't know. Alex Jones also did like hundreds of videos, like analyzing it and saying like, uh, Oh, this isn't really his father. Like Alex Jones has this theory that his real father is some guy called Frank Marshall Davis. Yeah. Which is some like black porn star or something that Obama (laughs) like mentions in his autobiography as like some sort of like father figure that he would hang out with in Hawaii. Yeah. Because his real father like dumped him and went to like go, like write communist propaganda and drunk drive in Africa and ended up dying <laughs> when he was young. Wow. Hey, uh, yeah. I, I, I got to pee. I think I'm going to go get another chair. What? Yeah. This is, this is going into full, like Alex Jones territory. This so is exactly. Like, okay. okay. So like when I look at that, when I, when I was listening to that Joe Rogan episode, I was just thinking, John, if you, me and Daft keep doing podcasts for the next 20 years, that is us. Now, like, I, I, I know I'm Alex Jones. I know for a fact I'm Alex Jones. Okay. I, I, I'm cl- I, I can claim it because I know the truth. You're more of a Joe Rogan, and then that right. other guy, Ed, is, is more daft. Because, like, in the Ed guy, like, I'm, I didn't see any of the really much of the video. But the Ed guy, I was like, did they bring Eric Estrada on? Because that guy sounded exactly like Eric Estrada. <laughs> and that was some funny stuff. Anyways, um, I gotta change, I'm gonna I change chairs. Go ahead. Alex is like, choke me out, Eddie. Choke yeah, me out. Yeah, Eddie gets in there, and he's just like, oh, man, it's just like high school. We're going to go choke each other out. We used to choke each other out in the last room. We used to get suspended all the time. And, uh, yeah, this is a fun time. Choke me out. You can't choke me, You can't choke me, Eddie. You can't choke me at all, Eddie. 
<laughs> he says he was choked out hundreds of times. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that explains the loss of brain cells in Alex Jones's skull. <laughs> he, well, he went into. He's like, I'm definitely brain damaged. Okay, God, we can't get <laughs> it. Like, we can't get it. We can't. Yeah, yeah. I was bringing that up. They're like, oh man. So the the, the trauma to the head you're smashing, that you broke the cement or something. Did that cause you to be like? A, your personality changed. And I'm like, what about the uh, thousands of times he claims he's been choked out and been, and had gotten into fights and stuff like that? Like that didn't have an effect on him either. No. <laughs> I don't, okay, I got I got to pee. As in, I got to change chairs. I have another chair I can use. So hold up, I'm just gonna keep this going. Okay. I, I, I don't <laughs> know what go, you kill my water. All right, this is gonna be dead air. Sorry, guys. I'm just gonna edit this out. Whatever. Uh. recording that whole time? Yeah, it's still recording. Okay, you'll just have to cut that out. Oh, there's like 10 minutes to cut out or something. Yeah, it's like, so I, I, yeah, I'm in a folding chair right now. That's what I'm using to replace my my office chair that's about broken. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, my dad wanted to ask me about car stuff, so then I talked to him for like two minutes. I was like, oh man, I bet you John's waiting for me, and I come back and it's just still dead air. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I had to, like, do some laundry and fix my bed and stuff like that. Oh, okay. So. That's understandable. Um, yeah, so I I think I was pretty much done on Agamacon. Um, okay. Then, so then Is this there pa- Yeah, so the SC Comic-Con, I was there. It's the same as it kind of was last year. Where it's it's always just a giant buyer's market. I mean, I did buy a few things. Um, as notable, like, the things I pointed out that I can point out being there was that they had a number of wrestlers that were there from the old WWF days. So there was Sergeant Slaughter, there was Ricky Steamboat, Arn Anderson, one of the Road Warrior guys, and Mick Foley, a.k.a. Cactus Jack, a.k.a. Mankind. Um, but Mick Foley was off in the autograph section area with all the other, like, people. Um, and the rest of the wrestlers were just, like, on one area. And I think they, that area might have gotten more attention than maybe Mick Foley did. I don't know. But mm-hmm. I got I got to talk to Sergeant Slaughter for a minute. So, like, one of the things I brought up uh, to him was, like, hey, you know, one of my earliest memories was um, you had a few with, like, Shawn Michaels in the 90s where, like, there was a thing, like, Shawn Michaels put on a, 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 plastic, a plastic visor that had, like, wipers on it. Because apparently the thing was, like, Sergeant Slaughter always, like, spit a ton of spit at Shawn Michaels, and he's always wiping it from his face. So oh. then they, they like, then, um, so the, what they did is a skit was, like, they had a, pla- a paper bag out there. And Shawn Michaels gets it and puts the visor on, and then the wipers start going as he's talking to the taunt Sergeant Slaughter. And he he filled me in on that. It was like, yeah, everything back then was pretty much unscripted. Like I didn't even know what was in the bag. They just like it was one of those like, oh, whatever, whatever you see on there, go with it, kind of thing. So <laughs> uh, he has some pretty cool like cool like prints that you can buy and, and uh, have him sign. 
Uh, one of them was him putting Hulk Hogan in a headlock with like the American flag behind him. And uh, another one was him putting the Iron Sheik in a headlock, which was pretty cool. Um, I didn't really get to, I didn't talk to the other wrestler guys, so um, I just kind of like wanted to say hey to Sergeant Slaughter. He was a really cool guy. Um, his chin is as big in person as it is on TV, and I'll say that. So, like, because he's got like he's always like I've always known Sergeant Slaughter for that just that massive chin of his. And I don't know which is bigger, either him or Bill Cowers, a former uh, Pittsburgh Steelers head coach. That won the Super Bowl. But um, <clears throat> some of the other people there, that was Veronica Taylor, the voice of Ash Ketchum. Um, Monica Real, of course. And Monica Real actually had a good amount of people come and get stuff signed for her. It seemed like her line was always full. Hmm. So I didn't She's see anybody. Do what? She's popular. Yeah. Well, she's probably popular now because she blew up on Twitter and everyone's like, oh my god, I'm so glad he went after that sexist jerk. We can't have any evidence to prove against, but we're just totally right and we go by your feelings. And anyways, I won't get, I won't get start nothing with that woman at all. There, you know, there ain't no point. Um, she, she's going to pull a Sarkeesian on you and like report you to the authorities. Yeah, Daff, like I was telling Daff where I was at and he's just like, you should yell kick, Vic kicks back and just see what happens. I'm like, I ain't getting thrown out of this con. There's a couple more things I'm going to do, but um, also, the the voice of Mario was there too, and like he seemed to get a, a good amount of traffic with him. What was funny the is voice my, of Mario. Yeah, um, what's his name? I forget. I was thinking like that that he was like dead, but then I, I must have been thinking of like the the one from the TV show. But you oh. must mean like the one from the video games. Yeah, the one from the video games was at the con. Charles Martinet. That yeah, was, that's, that's it. That's gonna be him. Um. <clears throat> I, know. I was thinking of that guy who's the, the, the like the live action one who was like a I don't know he was some sort of wrestler or something. That oh was... yeah, do the Mario, do, do. yeah that guy. That guy, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know he died. Or oh, it was it was years ago. Um, okay, maybe I can find the name of of this guy, but well, he. I. <laughs> but anyways, uh, so my buddy, my buddy Eric brought his kids there, and um, what was interesting was that he brought his son Dalen with him, and. He's just like telling Dan, like, "Hey, that's the voice of Ash, and it's a woman." He, and he couldn't uh, comprehend, comprehend that a male character was voiced by a woman. <laughs> yeah, he's like, "What? I, I don't, I don't. How, Dad? How? That makes no sense." And you're he's like, "That's voice acting, son." <laughs> um, yeah, I, I was surprised when I first heard that too. When I was like young, but I, you know, a lot of a lot of young boy characters on shows are voiced by women, like Goku. In the yeah. Dragon Ball dub, yeah, voiced by a woman. Yeah, it's and it's Noizawa. Ball, she's like Noizawa. old. She's like literally as old as the Meiji era, or right. the uh, since yeah, she's that woman's almost a hundred years old. Like that's gonna be sad when she passes. And what's funny is that um, because the voice actress for Bulma is gone, there's no reason to really. They may not bring Bulma back, so maybe Monica Rial will not voice Bulma ever again. Who knows? <laughs> I, I I'd be surprised, if Bulma, but. Uh... I think they had uh, someone else read up like some Bulma lines uh, during the tournament when like I think Vegeta like has a vision of Bulma or something and she has a new line. Oh, okay. Because I've seen the rest of the arc it's subtitled, so okay. But it sounds a lot like the original. So it's oh, that's good. No big deal. Um, yeah. I mean, I bought I bought some stuff there. I bought like cheap anime box sets for five bucks. Like I got Pat Labor Wasted Thirteen from the Pioneer set. 
I got a Rumiko Takahashi box that's supposed to, you're supposed to collect the other Rumiko Takahashi anthology DVDs and put it in there. I may not. I don't know. But I got, oh man, I got a, I got a weird one. I don't know what happened. Uh, is this the, this is like the, the random like Takahashi one shots that into a, yeah, but they, they titled they titled it as uh, anthology, so it's like her shorts. But they put them out like on DVD or something. You're supposed to collect them all and stick them in a cardboard box. For yeah, I think I have that. Um, I don't know if I have the box, but I have the DVD. <clears throat> okay. <clears throat> there was some other weird one that I, I got too that I saw a promo for on a new type disc that I got from the uh, when I opened up those um, in, uh, new type USA magazines I bought from Tiffany Grant. Um. I can't think of. I can actually get the DVD. Hang on, I'm afraid to get up. This chair might disintegrate. I don't know. <laughs> might have to look for chairs. Hold on. You have to get a new chair. So, another great piece of ADV time capsule is. I saw a promo for this on a new type disc, and I was like, "What the heck am I looking at?" And it's called the the Fukons. It's basically. Like, a white people mannequins in Japan, oh. and there's supposed to be a sitcom about them, and it's the most disturbing thing. You remember seeing this? You know what I'm talking well, about? I didn't, I didn't. I didn't watch it, but I remember like the cover art of it or something. Yeah, I'm like, holding. The, I'm holding the sealed DVD in my hand, and it I always think, looked disturbing to me. Yeah, I mean, this is just some weird stuff that, like, and I, I was five bucks, and I'm like, well, why not? The the title on the back of the DVD, the most Fukon fun you can buy. Yeah, the whole joke of it was just that it sounds like fucking. Yeah, Fukon, Fukon. Ah, like how there's that thing, Meet the Fockers. I think that's like an American thing that used kind of like the same. Yeah. Joke it was just that it sounds like it says fuckers. <laughs> Oh, that was, and then like a Robotech box set from ADV too. That because I, I like buying those box sets because they have the extra DVDs, and that's all I care about is those extras. Um, but anyways, so like that was some of the stuff I bought. But the most interesting thing at the con is I got to meet uh, two people that worked on Cartoon Network, worked for, worked on Cartoon Network shows. Uh, mm. Matt Jenkins, Matthew Jenkins, another guy like I think it's Thomas Pope. Like I so for Matthew Jenkins, he had a ton. Of hand-drawn cells that he did for Aqua Teen Hunger Force, The Brack Show, um, and I think in Space Ghost, uh, and so he had like a whole like all these pro- portfolios that you can buy. So I wanted to buy the Thunderclaw cell from him, and also I went. He told me about Thomas Pope. That was a few rows down. So I went down and talked to him, and uh, both guys knew Clay uh, Clay Croker. So like I oh. like I was, yeah. The Tom the Thomas Pope guy was really cool. Like, he was just, like, an overly eccentric, happy guy. Um, <clears throat> but he was just kind of like, for him, it's like, yeah, it's weird that it's been two years since he died. And, and we're just kind of like, has it really been that long? And so from what I understand, Croker, like, as his estate has gone through his house and has taken everything out. Because I was just like, yeah, like, we you know, there was these old photos of, like, all the stuff that he had. And, like, I would have loved, people would have loved to kill to have those collectibles. He's like, yeah, I know. So... <laughs> um, yeah, they were both, like, really good friends with Croker. Um, but the guy... So, like, what I bought from this uh, Thomas Pope guy was he had a, uh, like, a Space Ghost comic, like, storyboard thing, that's what I, what I can assume. Um, 
the guy that like the the Megas XLR ones that I showed Daft online that I thought he'd be interested in buying from Tom, uh, Matt Jenkins. He wasn't interested. Um, but I wanted to buy the Space Ghost one for like forty bucks or something, and it's just it just looks so cool. What was also cool on that was the fact that uh, I he, the Pope put everything in a, a FedEx like thin pack thing, shipping thing, and he got a marker and, and sketched Zorak and Moltar for me on the cover, and like autographed it or whatever. So I got to like hang all that stuff up and frame it, because um, I think that was just freaking awesome. Because I just I just love Moltar and like Space Ghost characters. Um, mm-hmm. So it was really cool talking to those people um, and just kind of you know. Just kind of seeing how they got sort of got started in the industry, and you know they got out of you know art college and went straight to working for Cartoon Network, and that's kind of what they've done. And you know it's it's very it's you know it's not even common or anything that Cartoon Network animates anything in house anymore. It's all shipped out. So no, it was really it was really cool getting that kind of like that to me was very unique at the convention to get something. So like I kind of I'm kind of on a Daft's thing where it's like I like hitting up artist alleys now because you I happen to find and really like things that independent artists do that like you can't get anywhere else like any either animation cell or not animation cells but like posters stickers keychains anything like that. Well, it's just it, which is just really fascinating. Yeah. Um, I saw some pictures of it that you posted in the chat. That was pretty interesting to see those things. Yeah, it's just, uh, the it, Space Ghost stuff. I wasn't sure if that was also uh, from comic books, because uh, like Megas, there were Cartoon Network comic books that had Space Ghost in them. Yeah, I think that's that's all the stuff from that that they both worked on. Um, I just find it interesting that the, this guy is selling an animation cell of Carl pissing in a, in a coffee can. <laughs> right. And I was just like, and, and there was one girl looking through stuff, and I said, "You totally want that cell of Carl pissing in a coffee can." And uh, I, I don't think anyone's gonna buy that one. Yeah, <laughs> that's why it's still there. But um, no, like I, so like uh, Jenkins had like two Thunderclays cells, and I happened to buy one of those. And he's like, "Yeah, nobody really, everyone just looks over Thunderclays." And I'm like, "Dude, I freaking love Thunderclays. He was the best part of the Rex show." Yeah, uh, and it was just, and we just kind of kept just quoting lines from Aquatine in front of him, and he just laughed. So they were both really cool oddball guys. But that's kind of animators for you, or cartoonists in a way. Uh, yeah. No, they were super cool. But the thing is, like, they're, they're selling stuff that you they only sell at cons. You can't get it. Like, they don't have, like, an online store or anything. So if you happen to, you know, go buy a booth for Matt Jenkins, like, definitely check him out and get some Aqua Teen cells. Because, uh, like, they're all penciled because they, they take it into Photoshop and, and color it up and everything. There's no reason to traditionally sell paint it anymore. You just basically draw it on the cell sh- on a animation cell sheet um, or the paper part, and then you just scan it, and then that you know, becomes into the cartoon that way. So, uh, I can't really think of, I mean, like, I mean, there was some things I, like, I wouldn't mind getting, but people were kind of charging too much for, like there was these, uh, S, uh, SH figure arts of like Pat labor figures that I would have liked, I liked the, uh, would have loved to gotten, but they the guy, this one guy was charging like 75 bucks for him. And I'm just like, no, I'm not doing that. Um, it was just kind of like, there was the same dealers, pretty much, like the one guy that I've bought a few things from in the past, but um, he's always, like, overpricing on everything, and he knows he can because it's a con, so people buy from him and look through his store or whatever, so. Um, that was pretty much it for Comic-Con. Like, it really, those are, like, the kind of the highlights. I just kind of, I was there for, like, four hours, and by the time I got there and had a wrap in line for about an hour, like, my buddy Eric was like, yeah, I came here, I was here for an hour, Nothing, nothing's changed, it's all the same. I'm out of here. Just meet up with me later. So that's kind of what I did. Um, 
that's kind of like my review of SC Comic Con there. So, oh man, all right. So, I'll tell you what, we haven't talked about Ghost coming back on. We haven't done anything with Ghost, nor have we mentioned that John, Josh, and I participated in the February first episode of the Ghost Show through media shared to Troll Ghost. Right. Well, uh, I didn't. I didn't pay to ghost, but uh, you guys, uh, how much did you have to pay to to get okay. on there? So I did. I did two. I did two media share. So my get my thing was like sixteen bucks, and Josh paid eight. Um, we were what did very. You play? We, um, we I got it up on YouTube on our on my YouTube uh, page. So I'll definitely post that in show notes. Um, okay, so you put it on like the official anime if your channel? No, or? it's it's on my YouTube channel. Um, okay. <laughs> Anyways, but like I, I paid like two rap songs. Um, gosh, I, and one was uh, NWA. The reason that they pulled it. From I don't shit. see that was the episode that was like banned for a few days because they, they had so many copyright strikes against Ghost, and people thought it was the part the Paul Hardcastle nineteen song. But it could oh. have been it could have been my stuff too. I don't know. Um, <clears throat> I think I was. So what were the songs that you played? I played uh, first of the month by. Uh, <laughs> Bone Thugs and Harmony because it was the first of the month and and, and Ghost did a Cans Dot Way for me. Uh, I really yeah. appreciate that. And then also I did uh, NWA's uh, Niggas for Life and uh, it was just easy E saying the N word over and over again. Okay. <laughs> um, that was that was an amazing episode just to just to listen through all that. Uh, and Josh played some song with like a guy with a banjo talking about black people, and, and Ghost was like, "What? What?" Why no one the kid play this? It's Black History Month. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Was it, is it that that guy that's always getting played about? Played on there? The uh, I think it's town. No, it, the song's like black people were gonna steal your shoes and something something. It. I, I'll okay. post like yeah, it'll be. I'll post up the YouTube video in show notes, but like that was our way of controlling <laughs> ghosts. That's gonna get our website banned. I'm surprised that YouTube has not gone after me for posting up a clip like that. But the thing is, like, it's 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 that's a way of preserving like part of that show is like what we've what we participated in. So yeah, like, just, just so when, the ones that you that you did. Yeah, just the stuff I care about because it's me. I, I'm self centered, so I'm yeah. not Bmar that I have to go through and, and siphon and, and edit out like and get siphon through and condense the best of autism into like a 50 minute episode or something. Uh-huh. Um, Lightning Note now is just covering Radio Graffiti which uh, Radio Graffiti is just now like people playing audio clips or whatever. Um, yeah, Ghosted, uh, he brought back Capitalist Confessions last week on Wednesday for Ash Wednesday. Or should I say Ash Show Wednesday? <laughs> yeah. And uh, that went fantastic because one of his... Um, Callers uh, was somebody in the inner circle that he admitted was a brony, and Ghost flipped out about that. So, and Asho returned. Yeah, I, I heard Asho return. Like, what was it last Friday or something? I, I got to listen to the Lightning Note episodes. I'll eventually get to those. So, I I kind of want to hear that. The last one that I heard was uh, the one where Ghost was talking about all the gay stuff, and uh, it, he kept going into like this incredibly disgusting detail. About this, yeah. Like, he said that he read this stuff on articles, but it was like oh, so graphic. Yeah, that it I, I, like he had been like doing it himself. Like I understand, he's trying to get like Alex Jones, where he like questions like the stupidest stuff. 
But when you talk about like, and when you when you bring that up, and then you yell in surprise butt sex, it kind of like really numbs that, and um, it, it just kind of yeah, you're like yeah, I don't care anymore. This guy's an idiot. So he was like really really drunk and stoned. So yes, he kept, really he drunk and like, stoned. <laughs> yeah, he didn't even know what he was talking about either. Like at least with Alex Jones, like when he mentions things, like. He knows what he's talking about because it just rattles in his head the whole time. Like that, because that's how his brain works. Yeah. Ghost, he just says whatever, thinking he can try to pull off Alex Jones. So, so supposedly, Alex Jones was not even smoking marijuana during that. That they said okay. I, I thought it was code for marijuana because they kept saying pass the tobacco. Because I, right. I, heard, I heard all this on audio because I had an MP3 of it. I converted it to MP3 so I could listen to it in the car. Because I yeah, can't I watch a video and drive at the same time. I couldn't fully tell like whether it was marijuana or tobacco, but there was like the, this this guy called Ping Trip that does a uh, video edits of Joe Rogan's show. Okay, like condensing it and making it hilarious. Uh, and he 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 did one of the Alex Jones thing, and he's he's playing this kind of music when they're like passing it around, and he keeps like posting the part where they say like, "Oh, this is totally not to- marijuana. This is tobacco." And then they dun, 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 and then they show him like smoking, and then they'll show Alex say something like totally off wall, and, <laughs> and and then Alex will be like, "Wait, what am I talking about here?" Yeah, yeah. He can't. He he claimed that he had like Alzheimer's. He was autistic and retarded in the same episode. Right. Um, I guess we might as well talk about like about like the. Like the Nazis collaborating with aliens uh, to to put men on the moon and fake footage and uh, I, all this stuff. Okay, and like, like Wait, what am I talking about? Yeah, we gotta, we gotta, like, we gotta. Man, it's just so much to cover. But like, I, I think when, like, when Joe Rogan's like Alex, I know you're not lying to me. Like, you're telling the truth, even though like you're you know batshit insane. But like I, you can, I can believe that because I know like you know if this stuff wasn't in Alex like the, nothing he says, he's making up. He's not going off a script or anything to look like this is what he believes. So you know he's being completely honest on something like this. Um, yeah. <clears throat> and the one of the things about the Joe Rogan show that's good that makes it better than just listening to Alex Jones is he has this guy called Jamie and he's always saying. Jamie, pull that shit up. Yeah. <laughs> and so this guy Jamie, he always like really quickly he finds like the like an article about it and he starts like highlighting the part that like confirms what Alex was saying. Yeah. Because so, because he, because Alex is like because Alex Jones is like okay look I've got, I know what I read I, I know it sounds crazy but like it's all, he's like he's always like Google Hillary Clinton. 1994, hating the black people. I know you'll get an article that pulls up all that stuff, and you'll know that I ain't full of crap. Uh, Joe, right. it's right there. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's... <laughs> yeah, the, the, the <laughs> whole thing where uh, she called them super predators, and now yeah. they found a video. And they're trying to insert it in his mouth that he says that he's like, no, I'm just like, uh, you know, you. this is what Hillary said 25 years ago. Yeah. And now there's, they found a video of Joe Biden that I think it was on CNN or NBC or something, and they it was from the same period about the same crime bill. And yeah. he was talking about, like, I don't give a damn what your upbringing is or if you had a sad childhood, but if you're a predator and you're going after my wife, I want you to be removed from society. And he's, like, really going down on these, like, like harsh sentences and stuff. And so now, like, black people are attacking uh, Joe Biden and saying, like, we don't want you to enter the race because... 
you you pushed this bill that led to a bunch of us being locked up. <clears throat> yeah. And I think he's he's not going to be able to enter because they also found something where Biden was saying in uh, the 70s, like uh, that he got some award from George Wallace and that he wanted to be like a left wing version of George Wallace. And George Wallace is like this notorious uh, segregationist that uh, ran for president saying segregation today, segregation tomorrow, segregation well, forever. That, that's that's the Democrats, or should I say the old Dixiecrats way. Right. They, they've always been against the black people, and now they're trying to, like, camouflage that, and now people are digging back into that. It's all right there. Um, it, It's been there for years. I mean, like, what was it? There was a textbook at a school uh, that I was at, um, the South Carolina History, and they brought up, um, like, one of the founders for Clemson, and, of course, the founder for Clemson was a governor for the state that he's a councilman for that school and he's totally a a, a white supremacist and the book barely just scu- scuffs over that like they lightly dust over it and you go on wikipedia and it's like all this detail about like the stuff he said what he stood for and you're just like and this guy founded a college that has three national football titles but nobody cares about that because they have national three foot national football titles so they'll get to it Eventually, I mean, like, yeah, I'm surprised. Like, why isn't Clemson being boycotted over this? Well, this is the South, so you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, the thing is, like, with um, with Alex, like, there, the stuff. If there's like a statue of him. Somebody will be like trying to bulldoze it within a year or two. Probably I some... don't know. If maybe the statue thing has kind of like calmed down since Charlottesville. Well, the last but... one that happened was at UNC Chapel Hill. And that was, uh, that yeah, that was been there for like over a hundred years. No, it was silent. It did nothing. And then they're like, this is offensive to us. Uh, anyways, but like with Alex Jones, like I'm hearing all this stuff. And like, the thing is from what I know of history, cause he studied all this world war two stuff. Cause he was interested in Nazis and it doesn't make you a Nazi. If you're studying about Nazis, you're learning about it's, how they tick. And then you realize, about, like, Oh, history just repeats itself. So, like, what's the next group of Nazis? Oh, <coughs> Antifa, maybe. Um, but, yeah, but like, the thing is, like, I, the, like the stuff I know about that history, it, like, he backed it up. And I was just like, yeah, that's exactly, that's in the textbooks. It's, it's history. It's the truth. And then, but the, then again, he's talking about, like, how they're, like, taking D, he was the big thing on DMT and taking it and how they're talking to green elves, aliens, because Joe Rogan claims he had the same experience, too. And it's like, okay, you know, it's one thing you're taking drugs and everyone has different hallucinations, but when you all see the same thing, there's a connection there. And so apparently that's like where all this advance in technology came from is from these aliens. And the thing is, it's like... Yeah, I don't buy into any of that. <laughs> I, but the thing is, like, there's there's sort of an explanation of why technology has advanced so far in the past 100 years, John. 150 years. Like, it's it's just, it's astounding, so, like, there's at least they're given their reason, whether or not you believe it. But, like, I, I don't even know if, like, I mean, of course, I, 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 like, at least I can understand where they're coming from on that. But that's yeah. their opinion. That's their viewpoint. Like, I get that. I'm not totally like, oh, that's totally true. It's just kind of like, you, you know, like, you know, maybe aliens are this, like, or just in another dimension or something. I mean, like, because they're not. You know, we can't see them unless you take a super amount, a surround, a large amount of drugs or whatever. Um, and then they go into the whole thing about the uh, the Aztec rituals where they're smoking penis blood and whatever. <laughs> <laughs> that part I couldn't believe it was true, and I looked it up, and it was real. 
It doesn't surprise me. It, it really doesn't. Like there were all there were a, a people of like that sacrificed people. Like it doesn't surprise me at all. Like some of the stuff is just like it sounds so far fetched. But when you take the time of like when these events happen, like yeah, they mass killed people to please their god, their their green elf alien god or whatever. Then it's kind of like that, that puts it in context of like why the people did what they did. And um, my yeah. my thing is just like when I laughed at Alex was like he acted like there's a nuclear reactor under UT, which is not true. It's some research area that's like what away from the college or something. Yeah, I looked it up. There, it's like it, it's owned by UT, so it may be technically true. It's but it's not on like the main UT campus, but. It's it's in Austin, or, you know, it's 10 miles away or something. Yeah. You know, in case it blows up, it's not going to affect UT Austin. There's that 10-mile buffer zone. Wow. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know. Anyways, but, um, it was just but kinda... yeah, uh, they, they, they went into, like, all kinds of stuff with the elves. Um, I, I, I like, looked up, like, other videos about this. Because yeah. I found like a video of them talking like ten years about ago about the same kind of stuff, and something that Alex Jones mentions in both is that he naturally is has these uh, psychedelic experiences when he is dreaming. Okay, and that it, that he sees the future in them, and he mentioned different incidents in both of the interviews that I saw, where he'll mention like like he uh, something about like a woman dropping a pickle jar in one, and in another he mentions like a house being built next to him. And like a woman walking her dog, and all these different stories that he claims, and that stuff, I don't know if I can believe that Alex actually is seeing okay, the future. Okay, here, here, here's where I play devil's advocate with you because, like, I actually get—I'm not saying I'm psychic in any way. I don't, I don't know, but like, you get sometimes, like for me, I don't know if I, I think it doesn't happen to just me, but just other people too, where they experience deja vu. Oh yeah. So Alex is, I think, he's taking extreme deja vu. And, <clears throat> and saying he's some sort of psychic or something. <clears throat> I mean, there's there's been dream. There was a period of like ten, twelve years ago where like I had dreams like kind of constantly, and within a few days, like the, whatever I saw in that dream actually happened. I haven't had that happen in a long, in a while, like in a number of years. But there was a period of time. <laughs> there was a period of time where like I, I I dreamed something, and then it actually happened to me maybe the next day or, or like a few days later. So then I always wonder, like, am I going to see, like, my own death or, like, me, see myself getting shot or something, you know, knock on wood. Um, but, like, I can I can understand that to that perspective because, like, it's – and I had some psychology teacher once, like, oh, well, if you do everything you're a teen in life, then eventually stuff something like that comes up. But there's – the thing is, like, the way you see it in the dream and it actually happening in real life, to to be that specific for just that maybe second or two – is it's just beyond just a coincidence. It has to be. So that's where I play devil's advocate there. But like, you know, maybe I'm going. I don't. Maybe I'm crazy. I don't know. But yeah. But there's like, uh, but there's no, there's no way like I'm. The, there's no way I'm experiencing that because you had people in the Bible that had interpretations and dreams and visions um, about like what the things to come or whatever. Like you know, you had um, the Old Testament like Daniel who. And I think Ezekiel had dreams about things in the future. And they've even brought up the Ezekiel chapter 1 regarding the there's UFOs and flying saucers in the biblical times. I don't know about that. But they had these visions of what was to come of the coming Messiah of Jesus Christ. And so like it's so the New Testament always refers to the Old Testament and those prophetic things happening and coming to pass through Jesus Christ. So 
you know, kind of take that what you will. Right, and like, isn't Revelations, uh, the prophecies of the future, aren't those from dreams? Yes, that, oh shoot, was it Paul that had them? Oh, I should know this and I don't. I, not, I think it might have been Paul. I should know this. There was but... this, uh, some day, I'm in this church near my house in Phoenix, so it sent us literature in the mail, and it would have like these images of like the beasts from the, uh, you know, that are gonna destroy the world in the future and, and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Like they had drawn up like lions and all these kinds of things. Yeah. Of, so, like, like those were, from what I recall, those were like in dreams that people had in the in the Bible, and it's interpreted by some Christians as being something that's going to happen in the future because people saw it in dreams, and so on some level, like a dream is like a psychic connection to a, a, another world or even this world in the future or in the past. It's I, like, like I'm that. not totally de- like I'm not totally denying that either. Um... And my thing is Alex was talking about he has these dreams where they go on for hundreds of years and he's like a, a farmer and his child died and he's like crying on the air. Yeah. And he's like so worked up about it and it's like it's like can he no, fake he that? He had that he had that from an experience from like getting choked out or his head slammed on the concrete or some crap like that. Right. Like But he says he was out for six seconds, but in the dream it was like century. And he and he goes into like all this detail. About he was like we thought we fucked we had children and the children died of disease and I cried so hard and he's like so upset and so yeah because up it's a this. link to his past ancestors or something like I, I don't yeah but that's like it's almost like this guy like sells this like caveman ultra vitality mineral supplement stuff on the Infowars store where he's supposed yeah. to like you in touch with your ancestors or something. So, I don't know, maybe he has a financial incentive to promote this idea of, like, becoming one with the past or something. But at the same time, even though he is, like, some level of, like, uh, you know, like, salesman, like, I think he really believes in what he's saying or else he couldn't have that level of passion. Yeah, and the thing is, like, I'm just, I guess, like, in a way, like, regarding, like, how things have been coming up, like... In terms of like not just technology, but like he's got like you know the world, the new world order is telling us to like behave this way, and someone's, you know, people are changing their behavior in their mind, and they think it's just like a natural course of evolution, but you know, there's something behind the scenes altering people and their perceptions on everything regarding the media, and so there's like I and I can't you know I, I I without any proof you can't really back up like if he's saying you know like. Green alien men are the ones that are going to control where we're headed to the future. Maybe even like where Revelation is headed. Um, but at the same time, it's like you know people are just coming up with with these like something. You know, there's always something behind people's motives to 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 push an agenda on something. And granted, like from a biblical perspective, we you know we say it's it's Satan doing his work or the devil or whatever. That's you know telling people to do things that are unbiblical. But um. And maybe that's Alex. That's like that's his interpretation of of pushing these agendas. That like you know like oh let's let's accept abortion and you know late term abortion or whatever, and you know this advance in technology and and all this other stuff. So we can try to like they have this plan set up and there is a plan behind it, um, but it's just kind of I guess maybe it's more detailed than say like the Bible's overall head of like you know it doesn't go into a whole lot of detail what to be expected like you know in this year you're going to expect cell phones or whatever it's not no no Sodom, no Stradamus stuff but 
now. I'm Alex Jones. Where I'm like, man, where was I going with this? But, <laughs> but anyways, like, there's always this. Um, there's something like pushing the agenda of like where we're going in life now, and uh, and I like his response. We're like, you know, evil's the one that like will invite you in, whereas good doesn't want you to come, even though it has its own agenda too, kind of thing. We're like, you know, you take drugs to get, and then like, you know, you take the drugs to get connected to. The interdimensional de- like demons or these a- green elf aliens, whatever. But like they're telling you, like you know, do this and do this, and then it happens and it works or whatever. Um, so that's kind of like I, you know, maybe there is a secret society behind everything in, in the world, and I partly believe that is that is true. But there's also the motive, like kind of behind that. Uh, yeah, this is this is like we're just kind of mimicking the Joe Rogan experience right now. Um. Or right, it's kind of a stream of consciousness, but like, uh, you, yeah, if you look at the WikiLeaks, uh, you have stuff like Hillary Clinton's uh, campaign manager talking about spirit cooking with this woman that has like a 666 in her username, and she's like cooking using like blood. Oh, wow. Uh, and then there, he, he's talking about the, uh, the, the Hollywood elite that uh, use uh, the blood of the young to stay old forever, like vampires. Uh, well, to, not to stay old forever, but to try to make themselves youthful. Oh, like but Kurt Douglas. Because Tur- Kurt Douglas banned. is old as hell. <laughs> this was just banned a few days ago by the FDA that, 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 because this was like something that's actually happening, right? And yeah. it sounds like an insane conspiracy theory, but like, you know, you look at these Silicon Valley millionaires like Peter Thiel, and he's like relatively one of the milder ones where like he's actually like friends with Alex and he's like a libertarian and everything. But he's, you know... uh still in that circle and so that he's like doing what they're all doing and he's just like more open about it and he's like trying to sell alex on it and he's like talking about you know like oh i have all these friends in high places because alex has all these sources or whatever like they're actually people that talk to this guy even though he seems like he's insane but he has like actual like cia sources and like millionaires and billionaires that he talks to and like you know he's talked to farrakhan and he's talked to like all these movers and shakers like Farrakhan is friends with Obama and he and Bill Clinton and all these people. And yeah. so, I mean, he like, no, he has like the dirt on these people and, uh, you know, he's just crazy enough that he'll like tell some of this stuff to Alex or, or Alex will talk to like David Duke or he'll talk to like any crazy person out there. David Icke. I found a video of David Icke. This is like the, the lizard people guy. And he's talking oh, wow. about the, uh, He's talking about taking ayahuasca, and which is like this plant that they make DMT out of. And he's saying like he went down to the the jungle and he took it, and then like he he understood everything, and huh. he like reshaped the way he thought. And that's when people think he went crazy, you know, because he like started thinking that ever that like the queen was a lizard and all these things. He <laughs> was like some sports announcer or something, and like BBC. Wow. And then wow. one day he just like one day he just like started saying all this stuff about the lizard people. <laughs> and uh, so, I mean, I, I guess it really does change the way you think. It's some sort of mind altering experience. I, I just I just like how Alex Jones set up the whole dinner t- table conversation. Where like you know his dad's super smart genius person. And, you know, they come home from the dinner table and his wife's like, well, how's your day? And he's like, honey, I can't tell you about what I did in my day, but I can tell you this, that I'm working with uh, making alien uh, cybernetic uh, human hybrids out of pigskin. And uh, that's all you need to know. And Alex is just like, dad, what do you mean? And he's like, son, you don't need to know that stuff. I just imagine eight-year-old Alex talks like this. <laughs> so... <laughs> Yeah, before his voice cracked, he was still, he was still this gruff. 
Yeah, I, I like I like his uh, his mocking of the uh, the Virginia uh, Democratic uh, governor or whatever. It's like, oh, we're going to keep them comfortable to, uh, regarding the late term abortion thing. And he's like, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah, that 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 clip is like very disturbing because he's like clinically talking about like what they're doing to society as a whole, trying to like numb us and make us stupid. Yeah, like accepting while they're killing us at the same time. Right? Yeah. So that's what, like, the opioid crisis is. It's, like, people, they're, like, they're trying to get, like, relief from pain. But in, in the process, they're, like, overdosing and dying. And so that's, like, now a big industry is, like, you have these people like the Sacklers. And they've got all this information that's coming out from these court cases yeah. about this family that created this Oxycontin and all this stuff. And it's, like, they're making all this money and they're trying to find ways to keep people hooked on it and keep coming back and keep the doctors prescribing it. Yeah. So that people just will keep paying them until they're dead. And so it's like, that's kind of like, just like one example of it. But I mean, it's happening all over the place, right? Like the yeah. falling birth rates and all these different things that. You're seeing the effects of this. Like, yeah. It, it, like, when you, you can't, like, how stupid do you have to be to realize that society is great and the world's okay when all this, this heavy shit's going on? Like, it's, it's right in your face, but people have their heads stuck up their asses so much that their own shit is making their own decisions. And they're taking, and they're, the list, the shit they're listening to is from mainstream media telling them everything is okay. But, you know, when you get your head out of your ass, and you're, and Alex Jones has not only gotten his head out of his own, but he's warped his into another dimension. <laughs> um, this is like when you kind of like see the world for what it is and how like totally messed up it is and like no everything's not okay there's all these issues what are we going to do about it why can't we talk about it why can't we discuss it you know right I, I just find it funny that they had that, that uh, Eric Estrada knockoff guy on there who was just like yeah man I, I think we're I don't know if he believes that the earth is flat or not which is just still a oh stupid con yeah that was such a stupid concept but he's just like and Alex is like, you know, I'll, I'll give you $3 million. We'll get the, you know, the biggest ship out there. We're going to coast. You're going to get on the boat and you're going to document it. We'll make the best documentary ever. And the guy's like, no, man, I ain't doing that. I'm going to have someone go out there and represent me. <laughs> <laughs> and Alex is like, we're going to like hit the end of the world and there's going to be an ice wall. It's going to be great. Let's go to it. Yeah. I, and then this guy's like, no, man, I don't want to do none of that. I'm going to have someone represent me. I'm knock off Eric Estrada. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, it's, yeah, again, and the guy's just like, dude, there's no evidence of how they got, like, the ISS up in space. There's no construction or anything. Um, it's been reported that they've been sending materials into space for years to build the damn thing. I mean, like. <laughs> what are they doing with all that NASA money? They're just talking to aliens? They're not doing anything in space? Like, I don't buy that. Like, Ghost thinks that space is fake. And it's like, how can you think space is fake? <laughs> Yeah, no, it was funny. Like Joe Rogan was just like, "Guys, shut up! I'm not gonna blow my brain and, and go into discussion of how space is fake." Yeah, but then, <laughs> the night I kept going, Eddie, Eddie Brown, he did it the other time. Three were together too. Yeah, he, he can't like stop with these like stupid. Like Alex's conspiracy theories are like weird. This guy's conspiracy theories are just stupid. <laughs> See Eddie, see Eddie Bravo was like the daft of our podcast, where he comes on there just to dick with us because he got he got Alex Jones fired up about like, you know, he trolled him basically, like, you know, like oh, like these people that like <clears throat> he we worded it was like, 
like about the legislator thing about like protesting like for late term abortions or whatever, and he thinks like it's not real. And then Alex just put on that Super Saiyan rant, and he's like, "Alex, Alex, I'm dicking with you, man. I'm just fooling with you. I'm getting you riled up." Yeah, <laughs> that and was Alex so screaming like, "It's all on camera. We played it earlier." Yeah, and he's like, he's like really angry. He's like, they're calling the babies. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. And then and he's like, yeah, I watched the whole thing, and, and then Alex calms back down a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Alex is never really calm. Oh. That yeah, that was just it was interesting because I drove a bunch like the past few days, so like that was just so interesting to to hear just all of that and just to. That had to have been like the best comedy skit, but the thing is that it's real though. Like it's a, it's how these people really think, right? Uh, between Alex, Joe, and Ed, and uh, but I mean, like they do like in terms of some things, like they do bring up like you know Project This or uh, you know like technology in the fifties is what we have for cell phones now, and like I can believe mm. that stuff. Like that's the stuff that can be proven, and like, like I have no issue with that because it is proven that they were showing. Like, uh, see, I didn't see the video on that. Virtual. I only heard the audio. They had some, like, virtual reality setup that they showed. And it was, yeah, like, like, in the 50s. Yeah. But, you know, there were, like, 3D movies. Like, if you um, if you look at, like, old monster movies, like, what show were 3D, like, Pictures in the Black Lagoon sequels or something like that. And uh, and they had, like, these red and blue 3D glasses, like we were talking about with Spy Kids 3 earlier. But, um, but yeah, I mean, that, that kind of stuff was... Yeah, that was happening back then, and, and I guess I don't know like how high tech this virtual reality machine was. Like, I'd be curious to see one to see like, because you know if you look at like the Virtual Boy from the nineties, like it's kind of primitive, right? Mm-hmm. It's all like red and it like hurts your eyes. Mm-hmm. And so like, what would it have been like in the fifties? Like, it must have been like really like pong on virtual reality or something. Like, what what was even happening on this like machine? But it said like. You can see it, you can smell it, you can hear it. Like, it was supposed to be, like, super high-tech, and, like, maybe the military had some sort of, like, war game simulation. I mean, like, like I don't, like... Feel but, like a nuclear war. I mean, I've been, I've been told by, like, whatever technology we have out now, like, that's been invented, that's been worked on 30 years ago, and it's just, like, you have these, like, group of super scientists that just work on a bunch of stuff, and then you get the military coming in there saying, okay, this is what we want next, we're going to militarize it, and then we're going to eventually commercially release it. So... Like, even the internet was, like, it was, like, my dad was using it when he was working in the Navy in the 80s. So, like, that was something that the people who were involved in the government... Uh, yeah, but the like, internet could be proven back. It was military at first for that communication. Going right, back to the 50s. He was, like, he was, like, doing, like, maps of the ocean where there were, like, submarines and that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And he was, like, grants to, like, find the Soviets out, out there and all that with, like, you know, submarine equipment and stuff. So, like, you could... Like back then, they were like communicating with people in like other parts of the U.S. like transmitting this information, and like they had like email and all this stuff, and then they released it to the public in the '90s, like the early '90s, so that people could like, you know, they didn't think it would become like it is now. Like no one could have imagined like Twitter or Facebook and stuff, but like yeah. they thought that this would be like a suppository of information. So they called like the information superhighway, and it was going to be like encyclopedic information. So, like, when I first, like, went on the internet, I was, like, looking up, like, platypus facts. Like, what's the deal? Is it a, a mammal or, like, a reptile? Or, like, why is it laying an egg, you know? But then, like, <laughs> but now it's, like, now people go on there to, like, post about, like, what they have for lunch or something. and like they like, Or how mad they get over, like, a white person or something. Like, it's... Yeah. Yeah. People will just post, like, 
rants or about the, how much they hate their life or whatever. Yeah. And nobody would have imagined that, like, everybody would have, like, personal page where they're sending out, like, gratuitous amounts of information about themselves to the whole world so that mega corporations can, like, sell products to them on Facebook using their personal data or, like, this stuff, nobody could have imagined it. But that's why I'm, like, skeptical of the concept. Like, it's all, a, like, a plan by aliens. Like, why would the aliens even want us to be, like, on here doing this podcast right now? How does because they, they want us to... to to talk smack and, 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 and start this chain of events to dehumanize each other and gossip and like spread quote hate speech or something to lower the less than the population for the ultimate goal. I don't know, man. So I just, yeah. I just, I just, Alex Jones yeah, asked my way through that. Yeah. We're like participating in like an alien civil war or something. We're <laughs> participating in an alien civil war by giving commentary on a podcast episode by three lunatics, which was actually really entertaining anyways. Um, it was, I still got something out of it. It was just good to like, you know, you hear, like you can't, you can't take anything they say with a grain of salt, even though they were right on a lot of like some things on there, but you're just kind of like adding to like, well, I mean, Alex like brings up his own theology and like what he thinks God is. Um, and I mean, Oh yeah. He was like, God is a comet. And, and you know, I got this information about the space laser from this dying (laughs) Nazi scientist. I, I, he said he got two of them. And right before he died, uh, he told me where they were, and then they killed him. But now I know about the space laser, and I know about God. He's out in that space, and we're, yeah. we're just on his tail, and we're we're just following I, him. I, it's like I said, it was like it was like part truth, part pothead theology. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I was posting in the chat like when I was watching. This is like little Heaven's Gate cult stuff about like we're worshiping a comet. Yeah, well. <laughs> I just like how, like, Alex will get started on something and go on a tangent for, like, five or six of the things, and Joe Rogan has to reel him back in. And I love when he said it best, like, like Alex, nobody knows how you think. You have to kind of better explain that for us. Right. <laughs> and so Joe, Alex always has to stop himself and try to explain it, and then he gets so confused on what he's talking about. He's like, man, what was I talking about again? <laughs> oh, yeah. the Alzheimer's retardation, autism's kicking in. <laughs> so. Yeah. <laughs> This is how you can tell, like, a creative thinker is because they're, like, almost, like, too creative. And so they're, like, bouncing all over the place from, like, yeah. topic to topic. Yeah. Like, if you watch Trump speaking, like, he does this, too, where he'll go off on these weird, like, anecdotes. Like, in the middle of talking about one thing, he'll just go off on something else. But he, and they want you to kind of follow along to their point of what they're talking about, too. It, right. it's, it's not wrong to, to, have, to go on these anecdotes and go off and go off the script a little bit, but you got to kind of, like... You know, you can either say it and try to reel the audience in if they get it, because you know most people they if they're not three thinking they're they're dumb as rocks. Um, <clears throat> but like if you are, you kind of have to do something to lead up to it. Why you're going off? It sounds like you're going off script, but it totally ties back to what you're actually saying as your overall point. Right, and, and they're very good at it. like they have these like these voices they do like to make their opponents seem like idiots. Like Donald, he. Like, oh, I don't know what I said, and he's like spit, spasming out with his arms about that. Oh that yeah, movie. yeah, yeah. And and like everybody like made fun of him. For that. Like the people in the audience were like cracking up when that was happening, even though the media like hated it. So so it's like that's it's the dynamic that exists for these guys. It's like they're they're like off in their own little world, have like all this information, and like some of it may be fake, but some of it may be like really deep information that that. The, the rest of the world is trying to suppress for some reason. Like, because, yeah. it, because it exposes them and, like, what they're doing to us. 
you know? Yeah. Um, and that's why there's like a big effort to get this podcast pulled from YouTube by like CNN because they want him gone from. Oh, from Joe reality. Rogan, you mean? Well, yeah, him, but also Alex. Yeah, like most especially Alex, because they they're talking like during it, like they know, like we are all operating in this plane now of existence where we don't have free speech anymore because we have these technopathies that are like capable of just pulling you if some like social justice warrior snowflake who's like working in the product screening department like decides like this is too much and they Mm -hmm. just like pull it down and and it can be like something that like tens of millions of people have seen that has like a major audience and a major appeal to like a major segment of the population and they can still just take it down without any sort of like due process for you to like get it reinstated or anything they just say like oh hate speech or something and then it's just well, gone yeah i mean like they were even i think it was like joe and alex were even talking about like how youtube videos on youtube that promote truth like world war ii history is being taken down because it offends someone yeah the, the eddie bravo was saying like videos that have liberty in the title or um truth in the title those are the things that get removed because they don't want you knowing the truth and they don't want you being free yeah and so if you look at the ron paul liberty report like, how many videos of theirs have been demonetized just because Ron Paul is speaking the truth about uh, honest money and for, peaceful foreign policy and individual liberty and all this stuff? They don't want you hearing that they, they, because, you know, they have some, uh, you know, some person who's in charge of this stuff that says, well, he can't be making money off this. He must be some sort of Russian bot or something. You know, they they come up with these, these stupid excuses. Ron Paul's like the nicest. Ron Paul's the polar opposite of Bernie Sanders is like being the nicest old guy political candidate. Right. Like he's this like gentle like country doctor. Yeah. That's like delivered thousands of. What babies. did Ron Paul ever do to you? Nothing. Right. Like he, he like his influence in the election. In 2012, like for young people, was it wasn't as strong as Bernie Sanders, of course, because young people love socialism so much. But like Ron Paul had like a majority of that, um, the young crowd going after him. So like that 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 says something. Yeah, Uh, he he had some appeal and like, and they're trying to make it where he can't. Because, like, people only pay attention if somebody seems like they're really, like, a major player or something. Like, they could change the world. Yeah. So he kind of, like, fell off. Even though he kept doing the show every day with uh, Daniel McAdams. And I always watch it because it's great. But uh, you get a lot of information in there you won't get anywhere else. But, uh, you know, like, he, uh, you know, kind of dropped off the radar of a lot of people. And so they barely talk about him on the news anymore. They just treat him like he never existed. And, like, even when he was running for president, CNN would, like, the, you can see, like, John Stewart even did, like, a clip about this where he, like, shows, like, the way CNN treated him and all these other channels. They will, like, list who came in first and second and fourth in the primary. And they'll just, like, skip over third and they'll, like, treat it like he doesn't even exist. But they'll, like, show the percentages on the screen or something and, and they'll just, like, gloss over him because they'll just dismiss him and say, oh, he doesn't have a chance. He's too crazy. He's... Uh, you know, he's not the mainstream, and, you know, like, he barely came in third in Iowa. Like, if he had gotten a few hundred or thousand more votes, he would have beat Santorum and Romney, and that would have, like, put him as the front runner early in the race. So, But then CNN would talk about the number two and three, not number one, because <laughs> it's Ron Paul. 
Yeah, and it, like it ended up being that Santorum had like won that, but they they called it for Romney. I remember, uh, and gotcha. Paul was in third, and but they only got Paul out because they dug up these old newsletters that like some staffer had written, and they tried to like claim Ron Paul was a racist because of this stuff, and he, he was actually in first place until they like pulled these dirty tricks and dug up this like twenty year old comments by like you know some some person working under him that he'd never seen and you know they do this kind of dirty stuff they're doing it right now to tucker they don't like tucker they want him off the air they they dug up like old radio interviews he did with shock jocks in the 2000s or something where he made derogatory comments about britney spears and paris hilt saying that they were white horse can anyone dispute that give me a break yeah, that, that was sort of common knowledge at the time on who those two really were. That was what everyone was saying about yes. them. Yes! They were saying they were yeah. like trailer trash. Yeah! From... Everybody knows that's who they were. Like, you're a freak. Oh, man. And they're like, oh, that's de- demeaning to women. <laughs> They're nothing special. Like, I mean, you got really freaking robot chicken that, that mocked Paris Hilton and Britney Spears, too. So yeah, that, I mean, everybody was back then. Yeah, but yeah, exactly. Apply like this, like modern, like hypersensitivity to things that were said on like shock jock radio in like 2005. It's amazing. To... It's a, like again, it's amazing that like they will do that kind of stuff. But then, like when it comes to Jimmy Kimmel blackfacing a basketball player, nothing is said about that. Even though evidence has been pulled up on Twitter, people have seen it. But they don't want to. They want to act like that doesn't exist. And, he, and Jimmy Kimmel still keeps his job. Go freaking figure. Right, because it's just a weapon. They don't actually care about it. Yeah. Look at this guy's doing their bidding. He's he's signing into law post-birth abortion. It's infanticide. The president called it that at the CPAC speech, I think. Yeah. Or the State of the yeah. Union or something. Recently, he he called it that, and that's what it is. Everybody knows it. It's, he says like we're going to keep the baby alive. Decide what to do with it after it's already been born. Yeah. Like, what is that? It's some kind of sucked. Everybody knows it. But um, they tried to, you know, to try to, like, make it seem like it's taken out of context or something. You'll have, like, Snopes thing, and they'll, like, put, like, a fact check, false or something, because it's actually good to do the post-birth abortion. So calling it infanticide, that causes, like, a negative idea in your mind. So even though it's, it's really true, we're going to say it's false because it goes against our agenda. And so Snopes, they're funded by, like, the Clintons, and so they have, like, a list of, like, all the people that died related to the Clinton. And they say, oh, well, they were all really suicides. How could anyone doubt this? Uh, that's such a conspiracy theory. Yeah. Uh, so that's the kind of thing that they do, right? I mean, they just do, like, these fact-checkers, and they're just in the pocket of the people who they're doing the fact-checking for. <laughs> and so they always go on their side. Yeah. That's how these oh, man. Well... We, you know, there's our, there's we're, our Alex. we're at uh, two hours and forty minutes, or two hours and thirty-eight minutes right now. I was just going to give a, a RIP shout out to Jan Michael Vincent since he passed away. He ha- he's actually been dead for like for over a month, and they TMZ only recently reported it. And I feel bad about that. And he passed away in Asheville. Uh, so if 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 you're ever going to get like an Airwolf, well, Jan Michael Michael Vincent was in such bad shape. There's no way they could ever put him on TV to do something Airwolf related. Um, but Airwolf, I guess to me is officially dead because Ernest Bornai and him are passed on. So R.I.P. J. Michael Vincent. Also R.I.P. Uh, what was it, Keith? Uh, the guy, the Flint or Keith Flint or whatever that was the the voice of Prodigy. 
Like, he passed away recently, too. There was one other person. I can't think of who they were. I felt like the two people died the same day, and Keith Flint was one of those. There um, may have been other ones, but I don't yeah, remember. Those are the two that stick out to me, because, like, I... I mean, like... It, it seems like, like Adult Swim references people, like, from that era that I happen to like. So Venture Brothers, an Adult Swim show referenced uh Keith Flint and Prodigy in like one of the uh like season two or three of Venture Brothers. Um <clears throat> You were talking about Sergeant Sergeant Slaughter earlier and I kept thinking about Sergeant <laughs> like that name is based on That's kinda cool. Um no but like he like there was an episode where like there's these these cra- crazy mutants like that's underground or lives underground in the Venture Brothers Brothers compound and they only have like the access they only have to like the outside world is like VH one classics. So there's like some dude dressed up as Keith David, or not Keith David, uh, um, Keith Flint from the Firestarter video, and then you've also got uh, Rick and Morty that did like a whole like uh, joke on Jan Michael Vincent movie trailer, um, and one like season two or something. So like it's kind of like it's nice that these people get recognition, and now they're gone <laughs> like within a week of each other, and that's really sad. So R.I.P. to both of those. Uh, that was kind of like my my shoutouts right there. Uh, to that um, that was kind of the big things was like making sure that we were, were immortalized on the ghost show and the TCR archives me and Josh and then RIP J. Michael Vincent and uh, Keith Flint um, yeah I gotta I gotta get up and go I'm a, apparently I'm subbing as a music teacher tomorrow at, at an elementary school so that could be good or bad consequences there <laughs> so Maybe I should, I should play Prodigy for the kids and have them bang their heads. <laughs> Just, I'm a fire starter. Oh, something fire starter. And then it'll get really heavy when I play Paint My Picture, Smack My Bitch Up. <laughs> Another Prodigy classic there. Um, you got anything else you want to say? Because I, I think we're out of gas here. Um, yeah, I think we're about done. Yeah. Uh, gee, thanks anyone listening that has made it this far in this podcast and our commentary on Alex Jones and Joe Rogan experience. Or experiment Do you know how long the, the Gundam one was? Uh, it was over two hours, I know that. So we've actually, I think, mm-hmm. so I think we, gonna be like, no, this is going to be this longer. Is gonna be longer than the this Jones, is longer Joe than the, the Joe Rogan thing. We have achieved it, John. We've made it. But it's not like this is the first time we've had a long podcast, so... We've had longer ones than those. Oh, yeah. Well, there's the undocumented one where I did a 12-hour podcast of white static noise for Tune Radio that is still unreleased <laughs> to this day because there's no point of ever putting that out. Didn't it have, like, Dragon Ball Z commercials? Yes. Yes, it did. I still, I'm like, I still have the file. I just don't... I, I don't know what to do with it, so... <laughs> it can just remain in limbo. Yeah, it, it's in the void of um, unreleased... Maybe, like, if we ever go down, we'll just, like... I'll do, like, a giant zip file of anything, like, AOI-related. Like, if mm-hmm. we ever, like, you know, have our last episode. So people have, like, oh, here's all the bonus material for this podcast. So they'll get the 12-hour... <laughs> get the 12-hour white noise podcast. Oh, if man. If anyone wants to listen to it, you just take DMT and the aliens will play it. They'll just, like, rewind time and, like, have it... Have you listen to it on Tune Radio when that still existed? Yeah, um... You may get a better idea. They may tell you how to make a better podcast than ours because that's what the green alien elves are really known good for. Uh, known or they're really good at doing, or known yeah. for doing. So, according to Alex Jones, can't even talk now. So, 
Uh, the aliens have like possessed your tongue to make you stop yeah, speaking the truth. I, I'm being shut down mentally, psychotically in my brain from from them, from the from the the globalist. So uh, they're it's taking a parasite in my brain to in, to damage my vocal speech pattern, so I can't finish the podcast the right good way. There goes grammar speech. Alright, I'm going to go ahead and stop this. Thank you guys for listening. Breathe with me. I'm probably going to end this with a Prodigy song, because why not? Alright, later. Dustin here from the Anime of Yesteryear podcast, and I'm here to give you a promotion to Write Stuff Anime. So we're going to see what's on the website on what's for sale for you guys to check out and check out those specials. As of this recording, there is some stuff for a Viz um, Books sale for you can get stuff off 33% off or so. Uh, let's see, they just announced that Gundam the Origin Chronicle of Loom Battlefield Collection on Blu-ray is a pre-order, and you can get that for $25 if you pre-order right now. The original MSRP is going to be $39.99. Uh, so that special should be up by the time this episode comes out. But that's all I see right now. There's also They are also doing the March Madness uh, vote for whatever you think the anime is best over another anime. And uh, there might be some specials out of that too. So there's also always some daily deals that you guys, that you guys can check out. There's always good stuff at rightstuff.com. And uh, that's going to be our pro- promo for this episode for Ride Stuff, so definitely check them out. And we will continue on to Gundam NT Narrative. Enjoy. The darkness of my world was all cleared away. The flowers are blooming. It's a beautiful day There's a girl with a heart As big as the sky She's sunshine and I know why All for the love of sunshine All for the love of sunshine The Lord smiled down on this life of mine And sent me the love of sunshine And read some of these stories. Yeah.
How do I get rid of this picture of the pig? It's going to freak me out now. It's <laughs> just going to looking at this pig. Oh, the one going... <laughs> it's the one that's... It's like kind of like you're in the middle of a standoff between two pigs on, like, dominance over the human body. Yeah. <clears throat> well, there's, like, something between the pigs on the ground, and it's like... Oh, I, I don't wait. even... I, I just see wood that they're standing on, but... I, it doesn't look like the oh. wood is made out of human remains. Well, uh, there's something like the, the pig that's on the ground on the left. There's like something right in front of it. it looks like the pig is like snorting cocaine or something. <laughs> there's like this white substance all over the floor in front of the pig. Man, what kind of literal animal farm does this does this lady rant or used to run before she died? Isn't there you know that that the the book Animal Farm by George Orwell? Isn't the pig called Snowball in that? Maybe that maybe that's this pig. <laughs> yeah, he's taken over the humans. I actually never have never read that book. I know it's like standard reading for basically any high school ESL class or whatever. I mean, we we I got through part of 1984. I'll just say that. Uh, yeah, I read those in like ninth grade. Uh, yeah, it was an anti-communist book where it, or. You know, like the pigs were supposed to be like Trotsky and uh, oh. Lenin and Stalin, and all they had all these weird like analogies. It has some famous line like, "All the animals were equal, but some were more equal than others," <laughs> which were the ones that ruled them, like the commissars and that kind of thing. I, I figure, like, if it's anti-communist, wouldn't that not go well with in schools today? Because isn't like the cool thing to do is to teach about socialism. Yeah, I didn't actually have them assigned when I was in school. I I just oh. like read them myself. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know how much that actually is assigned anymore. Uh, it's, it's, the left tries to rehabilitate Orwell by saying like, "Oh, well, he's a social democrat, and he just doesn't like that the communists they, they don't allow elections or something like that." That's, I don't know that's part of communism. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, jeez. So are we recording? Yeah, we're recording about the animal farm okay, lady that got stuff. eaten. Yeah, well, most of it, I think. So, you just kind of came on here like, dude, what the heck is going on with this image of a pig? Yeah, I, I just come on here and it's like the only person that posts on here anymore is Mason. <clears throat> I think Mason said like the other server, like the Slack, Slack chat drains too much resources from his computer or something, so he only uses Discord now. Wait, I he acted like he doesn't have a computer on Twitter recently. That's true. Um, <laughs> so... Well, maybe the library computer or something, you know? <clears throat> I, I don't know. I don't know if he even has an apartment at this point. No, there's no telling. He'll, he'll get one and he'll be, like, kicked out within a month. Usually. I thought it was sooner than that. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes, I guess it is, yeah. I mean, it's, who knows with him, what's going on. Uh, uh, so, he, he tweeted today for the first time in a few weeks, and it was something about, like, not having a, not having a computer. And yeah. How he wished he was able to use one or something like mm-hmm. that. Which made me ask, like, how is he tweeting? <laughs> I, I, that's a good question. <clears throat> I, somehow I don't think Tune Radio is ever going to return. And there's there's a very good chance of that happening. Is it's not going to come back. So, 
I don't. Okay, so I guess we'll be just reviewing this for our website, not for Tune Radio, but we're going to talk about uh, Gundam NT. I guess we should do introductions. I, okay, I yeah, we'll do introductions, but I I want to offer a proposition to you uh, after introductions. Okay. All right, so welcome to the Anime of Yesterday podcast. I am one of your hosts, Dustin, and with me is my co-host, John. Yes, I'm here. And I have propositions to offer you, John. So okay. would you want to do this recording... And then also bundle it in with us talking about Battle Angel Alita when you see it. I guess it kind of depends on like how long this one runs, you know. I, I don't, I don't but, know. Um, I, I didn't know like when you're going to get around to seeing Battle Angel. Yeah, that's true. I need to see that movie. Uh, you liked yeah. it, or? Oh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it way more than Gundam NT. Okay, well that's good. Yeah. Um, and it didn't I, sound like you were too big of a fan of this one when you got out of the movie. In the yeah. I don't know, I kind of forgot most of it. Anyways, but, yeah, I mean, like, I, I would like to rewatch the anime, and then I've been kind of, like, the first manga of Alita on Amazon, if you get it through Kindle, is free right now as a promotion. And the, verse, the first volume, it covers, like, those two, like, original, the mangas that got printed by Viz, which is, like, Alita's beginning, and then it was the other book. Um, <clears throat> Wait a second, I'm going to go get water. Okay, so, yeah, with Alita, it's, now it's just me talking, um, yeah, like, the first volume that you get from Viz now is these big, thick hardbacks, um, and there's also this, like, big collector's uh, manga thing, which is actually sold out on Amazon um, as of this recording, but hopefully they'll be in stock by the time this comes out. Uh, that first volume pretty much covers the events of uh, what happens in the movie, but then also... They bring in the uh, motorball sport that gets uh, brought up in the second volume of what's out now. Uh, so I would, and then so like basically, I can you can kind of I've been kind of like reading and comparing uh, what I saw in the theaters and then like uh, what I'm reading in the manga, which is about one to one sort of. But then Rodriguez has taken liberties there. Uh, so listener, if you uh, <clears throat> if you have not seen Alita yet, definitely go check that out. Um, I like to try to. We'll see how this plays out, because I'm wondering if we can get a leader review into this podcast, um, or rather record it separately when John sees it. So I'm not, I'm spoiling things, but then I'm not, because John doesn't know, and he'll never know until this recording comes out. Um, but if you know the manga, it's, and the anime, that the anime pretty much adapts the first two stories of Alita, then that's kind of what this is, but then also throws in some creative liberties by Rodriguez. Okay, I'm back. <laughs> All right, I just spoiled the entirety of Battle Angel Alita, so okay, you do not so know. I, you don't know anything, so that's the important thing, and I will not repeat myself. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> so is that a review? <laughs> uh, no, it's not. But uh, I mean, I was I basically just summed up as like, if you know the first two books of Alita, or the first two mangas, which is kind of what got adapted to the anime. Um, that's kind of like the main ground basis for the Alita movie, and that's all. I'm, oh. I'm going to leave it at that. Uh, Motorball doesn't well, come out until Volume Three, them, but I've uh, I've seen the OVA. Yeah, I want to rewatch it again because I'm skimming through the manga. And... Does, does the OVA have like the same the same material as the movie, or? Well, it's the the anime is adapting from the manga basically, and whereas for this movie, it, it's. It's taking from like the manga, which is basically taken away from the anime. But it's like that's sort of like the ground basis of the story, but then like the main core of it. But then they also added in some elements. I think 
probably later in the story that I'm not even aware of. Like, Motorball doesn't show up until Volume 2 of, like, the recent hardback volumes that are coming out from Viz. Because I was, I was at a um, Second and Charles last weekend with my buddy Eric, and I was skimming through it while I was waiting on him. And just, okay, Motorball is introduced, like, in the volume, in vo- the big hardback Volume 2 books. And I think those were, might have been the Volume 3 or the third books that came out from Viz a long time ago. <laughs> oh, uh... How many volumes is the manga? Uh, which story arc are you talking about? Uh, so, alright, on Amazon right now, the collector's, are set, the collector's edition are set for the Alita manga. The original series is out, is like, is sold out right now. So they're probably gonna get more eventually. Um, but, like, I think, like, what they condensed is like, and the, and the, the collection that's out now is like, I think, seven volumes or so. And the original one from original run from Viz, it might have been like nine or ten books, I think. Um, oh. I, could, I could be wrong, but then there's also so, ba- uh, there's, Alita: there's Last Order, were, which like, they weren't just oh, directly gosh. doing like the Japanese uh, volume sizes. They would like produce them like left to right, instead of right to left, and they would kind of change the amount of chapters in them. And well, right, like Viz, yeah. Viz did it left to right, like originally, and then they went right to left, and I think they did that. I My bo- my Alita manga is boxed up, so I can't really bring it out right now. Well, um, if you like look at the old Ranmas, like the, the, the volume numbers on the first editions, they don't match up with like the... Uh... The newer releases. Okay, you know? I will say this about the Elite, Alita manga: they were not numbered originally when they put out when Viz put them out. So I have no idea what title I get because I've got two or three books of Alita, but I don't know if I'm, they're in the correct order. Like I know I definitely <laughs> have the first one because that's the only one I've read so far. Okay. <laughs> Do they have like a subtitle? Like, well, yeah. Okay, so like one of the books is like Battle Angel Alita, Angel of Death, or something, and I have no idea what book that's referencing to. Um. Oh, and I think I think in volume two of the recent publishings, publishing of uh, Alita, like that kind of concludes like where the second story ended, uh, which is kind of relating to this movie. But it's, if you've seen the anime, you know how the second OVA ended. Well, there you go. Um, but I would like to like watch the anime. Like like as soon as you see it, then we can try to watch the anime. And I'm I like to try to skim through the manga and just kind of really compare things. But it's it's. It's sort of one to one, but like it's Rodriguez doing his own th- spin on things, and he's adapting thing, adapting things, and, and and stories, and kind of changing things around for the movie, um, uh, yeah. compared to the manga. But like pretty much all of that's kind of there. So it's it's him telling his own Alita story, but it's still I think very faithful to the uh, the original story. Also, I, I, I maybe I'm just like not plugged in enough, but I haven't really seen as much hate for this as for Ghost in the Shell. But I, I haven't really seen like people raving over it either. Like, I'm not sure what the reaction is in the fandom. Well, you know? it did very well for opening weekend, even though, according to Box Office Mojo, they put out some garbage article about how it's like, oh, this is the worst Fox title on a President's Day weekend that's, like, you know, in 15 years. And it's like, who cares? Like, the fact <laughs> that the movie got made is a miracle. After being talked in production by James Cameron, the greatest pioneer for twenty some years, so that ought to tell you something. Like I'm, I'm, I'm so happy it got made, and that it looks as good as it does, and it's it's way better than Ghost in the Shell. Okay, that's good because I didn't even hate Ghost in the Shell, but I know like a lot of people did. I did, um, I didn't hate. I mean, we talked about it, but I I didn't hate the right. movie. But like, it's definitely not that good. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm sure that. There will be some things that people complain about with this, but, uh, 
Yeah, I, I, I'm going to see it probably this week. I don't know. We'll see. All right. Well, whenever whenever you see it, then maybe we can definitely do a review on that. Uh, yeah. I do have some stuff for closing remarks. I think it's kind of. I think we. I, I don't know if you can read my mind on what I you think I might want to talk about. Okay. Uh, we'll <laughs> see what happens then. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right. So we'll get into Gundam NT. Enough about Battle Angel Alita for now. Uh, depending on how I put out this podcast. Anyways, but uh, so Gundam NT Narrative came out. Uh, it was only for one day, February nineteenth, twenty nineteen. And my personal view on that movie was there were some parts I started to fall asleep in because I, I, I was I was watching the film and I was thinking of like ten other ways this movie could be totally better. And then my mind went to Kelly's Heroes with uh, the Clint Eastwood movie and uh, Telly Savalas. And then I kept like I should be at home watching Kelly's Heroes than watching this movie and like that that's where my mind went. What's I up? Mean, I wasn't too thrilled with it either. I, it was pretty. Slow and kind of repetitive, like these characters. I, just... I, I feel like they took the worst elements of Gundam Unicorn, and ma- that's the movie they came out with. Because it's it's following Gundam Unicorn, and it's just kind of yeah. like they just throw things in there, and it's like here's what we want, we know the fans want, and it's like this is the stuff you've been shoveling, which is it's it's got that unicorn vibe. Oh, it's definitely got a unicorn vibe, of course, because there's characters from Unicorn in it. Uh, like Benadger, Benadger and Zimmerman are, are in it uh, towards the and very the, end. Audrey but, is. Oh, yeah, Audrey too. Uh, or Princess Mineva. Um, but it, it's just like, but I guess for me, like, I don't know if we, if I really went into this on Gundam Unicorn when I think about it. it Gundam Unicorn is, it, it's good, and I understand it, but like, it's definitely not my favorite. It's far from my favorite Gundam series. And. I don't have an enthusiasm for Gundam Unicorn. Like, I just don't care. And, you know, now this is like, everything's tied into Gundam Unicorn because it's so big. Oh, my gosh. We talked at the same time. What did you say? I feel like when Gundam Unicorn was first coming out, people were kind of hyped about it. But then, as it got to later episodes, it kind of became, you know, more confusing and less interesting. Yeah. uh, You know, at least I think that's what I've seen online. From, I think Jeff and Andy said that kind of stuff about it when it was coming out. Yeah, they, they were the yeah. ones that went into heavy detail on Unicorn because they loved it. Right. Um, right. And they're the, the ones I would say like are probably the experts. We can probably actually link their episodes, uh, their old episodes to this to this episode um, in our show notes so people can go and listen to, to what they had to say about Unicorn. But they were kind of like, they're the people I went to for Gundam Unicorn info, and I'm like supposed to be the biggest Gundam n- nerd out there as far as I know. So... They, they like, read the novel version. Andy, so. Andy read the novel. Well, he's not Andy anymore. He had a gender change, but oh, I, I think it's really? Amy. Okay. I think it's Andy, Amy now. Um, All right. But then he was named Andy. So Andy, past tense, uh, he did read the Gundam Unicorn novels. And so then he, um, we had him on and he'll talk about some of the comparisons from the novels and, like, all the stuff they left out and what could have been in there. Which sounded fantastic, like a big naval ship battle and whatever, like in the last OVA that should have been there, but it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I can't think of, I don't know where I'm going with this, but yeah, it's kind of, but like there was good parts about Unicorn, like, okay, so it aired on Toonami a couple years ago. And that's like, so that's me refreshing when it aired for 23, 24 episodes that way, uh, which I kind of like that format, um, and I got all that recorded. Um 
so that's really like my last time going through Unicorn again without like sitting through an hour long OVA and because like you know if you can't compare or you gather everything up you're if you try to watch Unicorn you can probably binge it in about eight or so hours eight and a half nine hours or so like if you watch all seven because they're like these epically long you know little mini films or whatever OVA or the show I guess it kind of depends on which one you watch because the the show like added additional stuff that's true yes. Um, I, I the thing is I don't remember much of the OVA that I can try to compare to what I saw on the show, but like I feel like I feel like the show was way more complete and better in telling the story than what the OVA was. I remember they like added some sort of recaps on the last episode because it seemed like they were almost out of uh, material or something, so they had like some you know hundred second uh, newscast about the events up to the point and stuff like that. But and then they may have like played songs for. <laughs> some of the later part of it. Right. But, yeah, I mean, the, the show, it had, like, a few bonus scenes, but I don't really remember what happened in them. I I felt like I was like, okay, this is a scene I haven't seen before. This is new to me. But um, other than that, it just felt like I, I kind of knew, yeah, you know, yeah, I knew where it was going, but I didn't, I, you know, I didn't mind. Um, but in, in NT narrative, it's kind of like, so the story on the I, I See if I can try to sum up the story. Well, I'll say this much: I had one of my guys from my um, Gundam group at the theater, and I talked to him afterwards, and he's just like, "Are you as lost or confused as I am after seeing this movie?" Yeah. <laughs> and for me, it was just like, "Dude, I about fell asleep at some parts," because they were hyping, like you know, they had like this drama in there with the characters, but it just felt so forced, and I just, I just disconnected with them. I really couldn't care less. And it was like, okay, we have we have this set narrative of the characters and how we want them to be, and then we're going to end everything gloriously with a giant mobile suit battle, which was again the best part of the of the movie. But I just felt so disconnected watching this film. And granted, I I got in for free um, through a uh, through my Gundam group, uh, the guy who heads it up, because I put my name in for a raffle, but nobody really put their names in for it, so like I got it instantly. So I didn't really come out of this like coming out of this movie for, at a loss or whatever, but. I mean, to sum it up, it's about three kids that have... One is apparently a new type, and the other two, like, I don't know, share new type powers through her. It's kind of like a um, a new type, like, cell phone plan. You're just kind of bundled together if you touch your... You know, you hold hands with your friends, and you get the new type powers that way. And they kind of go through, like, a, the cyber new type school or, um, you know, imprisonment camp or whatever from the Titans... Uh, during the Grips conflict in Zeta Gundam. And uh, they kind of, you know, one of them is, like, sells out the other two to go uh, to some rich family heir or whatever. And then one becomes a Federation pilot who's a test pilot for the Gundam narrative. There's an, there's an actual mobile, mobile suit. And then the other one, I guess, died, but then her conscious is in the Unicorn Unit 3 because and then you realize there's a third unicorn in this movie... And it's gold-plated, like the freaking uh, No Limit Tank from Ma- the Master P video. Um, ah, shoot. Make him say, oh, there we go. So, that, yeah, because obviously eventually there was going to be a gold-plated Gundam to come out. And then there's this whole thing where it's like, oh, you know, we originally destroyed the, the you know, first two units, but not really. And then, you know, Unit 3 was this, like, you know, this third unit that we made that nobody knew about until this movie. And 
everything else is just kind of like, you know, drama. You got... Um, I think it, like Zeon's a republic, but they're kind of like respected republic by now. And you know, oh, yeah, I mean, how many times can Zeon be like defeated, but then they they come back? You know what I mean? Like, well, this have... time they seem like nobody really cares that they're back. Like they have their side, they got their side back. And Maneva's leading things, and I think they're trying to be more diplomatic. Or like, hey, here's a new face of Ze- new face of Zeon. We're not that bad anymore. Um, so that guy that's the uh, the villain that. I think they said he's like a, a well, he was failed a shark clone. Yeah, like a, like a, a a deranged or a failed shark clone or something. Is he uh, is he working for Zeon? Or is he just some rogue lunatic? Well, the sleeves are part of like I don't know. If the sleeves are still part of Zeon, or I have no idea. I can't even remember now. But they're like a sleeves group, and I think they're they're considered a terrorist organization because then you have that politician from the Republic of Zeon that was talking to Maneva that's actually, like, funding them somehow. But it's so, like, an offhanded, like, remark of, like, oh, yeah, I, I also fund this terrorist, like, these sleeves group that still exist, and they do whatever I want from them. Even though, like, it's like, what's the point of them being there? But that's just kind of Zeon anyways, because they just, you know, they're Hydra. You know, you cut off one head and more grow back. Um, in a sense. Yeah, so I it's mean, like, like the Hydra in Marvel comics... They get defeated all the time, and then they come back. And yeah, it's like, that, and that's the same way with Zeon. From mythology, <laughs> but yeah, Zeon that, that that's happened like at the end of Mobile Suit Gundam. You know, uh, I feel like even at the end of Zeta, maybe or, or maybe just the Titans are defeated at the end of Zeta. But yeah, I, I, I guess the Zeon was kind of fighting on both sides at various points of Zeta, and Hamon is the surviving and goes on to double Zeta and then they, they defeat her and then you know, five years later uh, you get Char's counterattack and uh, and then Zeon is you know back up and running and they never really say like how does this keep getting revived when they keep getting defeated so badly or <clears throat> I guess they tried to kind of cover this history here because they did talk about the grips conflict and things like that in here to try to yeah, but the only tie into that, the only tie into that was like basically around revolving the kids and how they grew up through it because they were had you know new type abilities somewhat, and so like the cyber new type research lab is like there to either make them or try to bring it out of them, or you know if they don't measure up, then get rid of them or dispose of them. Yeah, so I, I like I, I can't even even remember the characters in this other than like that guy, that girl, that girl that doesn't exist, that but guy, they, that, that girl, and that girl. <laughs> Yeah, well, that guy, that girl, and then the robot girl. Well, I remember there's, like, I don't remember the names of the characters either. There's, like, a guy, and then there's a girl with black hair, and there's a girl with blonde hair. Well, yeah, the, so the, yeah, the black dead, hair. But she keeps appearing throughout the thing. Like, she's always talking to them and stuff, but she's yeah. like a ghost or something. Do you know how she even died? They don't explain it. I, I They're just like, oh, she got sent off away. Um, I, I guess it was kind of like she was... Going because there was like something about like in one scene about them cutting the limbs of kids or something and then like disposing of them and then you got some like research person that was like no you shouldn't do that to kids and the Titans guy is like well f you I'm gonna do it anyways and and they got found out or they're so charged war as war criminals once the AU won in the end of um, Zeta Gundam yeah well there was like a scene where they're like adults or teenagers or whatever they are. And some 
scientists were saying, like, we should have cut off their legs. And then when it's like, we can do that, it won't really affect anything. Yeah, and yeah. It's kind of weird or down by that. Like, it's not going to affect their piloting if you, like, cut off their legs. What are they talking about? Well, I mean, they had, um, amputees piloting mobile suits in, uh, Thunderbolt, so. Yeah, I guess. So. I guess you can kind of bring on that. But, like, you know, you take in from the time period of, um, you know, when Zeta Gun came out, there was no crippled people piloting Gundams at the time. Thunderbolt kind of brought that in there. And, uh, yeah, I'm sure it happened because it's just kind of expanding on the UC universe, like, much later in time. Because, again, like I've always said, there's so much there in the UC universe to explore. Um, I, I don't know, like, but... I guess for me, really, like, when I was thinking of this movie, it was just kind of like, man, I want to see, like, a fun Universal Century. Like, I, so, like, I, like, I watched... Um, someone put up a TV recording of Kelly's Heroes. And for those of you who don't know Kelly's Heroes, it's a fun World War II spoof movie of, like, a unit that's, like, so disorganized. They have a captain that doesn't care about them. And there's just a bunch of oddballs in, like, the, the U.S. military trying to fight the Germans. And for me, I was just kind of like, man, I had to write a fanfic, or maybe they need to make an anime version of Kelly's Heroes, but set in the Gundam universe. Of them, like, taking on, like, Zaku's, and the Zaku blows up in the tank, and they get all the gold, and... Like, that would be a fun movie. I just want to see that. That's all I care about. I don't care about what's in front of my screen. That is exactly how I thought more than half of the movie as it was going on. Yeah, I mean, this is a very serious movie. Uh, I don't think there was really any comic relief or anything in it. No, it's like... I, I don't know. It's just like, I just don't... Yeah, Gundam's serious, but it's like, you know, if I was 17 or 18 watching this, like, I would have I been all over this, like, for sure. And, you know, now that I've, you know, grown up and it's like, I've seen, it's just kind of all getting to becoming the same thing. And, you know, yeah, I guess I'm becoming jaded and old that way, but, you know, it's just like, I want to see something fun, man. Like, you know, like, make, like, a platoon version of, of Gundam now. So, like, I, I'd see that. I'd throw money down on that. They kind of have their narrative, like, what sells really well in Japan, and that's, like, you know, to mid-20 kit people that are, like, struggling with, who you know, where they come from, who they are now, and, actually, you know, that makes sense. But, I, I don't know, it just, it just felt so flat, and I just couldn't care less about, I couldn't, I really couldn't care less about this movie, and, you know, they had a plot device at the end where they had, like, giant gas cylinders for some purpose in space. And so like they, you know, obviously explore, explode. Um, I guess somehow because, you know, like for an explosion to happen, it does take air to create it. Right. And there's no air in space. How would an, ex- well, I guess explosions happens too. I don't know, but yeah, but then they're saying they're trying to stop a conflict because if like all of them explode, all the debris is going to crash into, like, a bunch of, like, sides, like, in a colony, and then somehow all that debris is going to land on Earth, and it's enough to, like, cause, like, three or four um, colony drops at the, simultaneously, and, you know, it's the worst colony drop ever, we got to prevent it, or whatever. And it's just kind of like, in this one, you know, the unicorn, it's able to, like, protect all the cylinders from exploding or something, because it can, and it's like that supernatural new type element. And... I just miss 8th MS team and 0083 and 00 and I wish more of that stuff could come out now. <laughs> yeah. Oh. But that, that's kind of like, I don't know, I, I just, I, I kind of just said everything about the, like, a, a roundabout way of what Gundam NT narrative was. 
and I'm just not that interested in it. So, and I'm not going to try to pretend to care to like it because it's Gundam. And I will say this: the best part of of that movie was at the post end credits, where it was. Um, I wonder if you saw the Hathaway Flash kind of trailer. It wasn't really a trailer; it was more like a spoiler thing, or post credit thing or whatever. But like, it didn't really mm-hmm. reveal like much. Sitting on the beach or something. Yeah, yeah. It's weird because they took a real scene of the beach. And then they like superimposed the animation rotoscoped it on of Hathaway walking on the beach, and I was like, "Oh, awesome!" But that's not going to come out until like the end of this year, in the winter time. Theaters here? Or... I I guess I mean like if NT Narrative made it to the theaters, then why not Hathaway's Flash? Like I I would you know I would love to see Hathaway's Flash for sure. That's something I I was wondering if it was ever going to be adapted. Going back when I first starting into getting into Gundam, jeez, you know seventeen. 18, <laughs> 17, 18 years ago. Bless you. Yeah, that was... Uh, they, they made like a, a manga recently. Of, mm, well, maybe that was Baltashka's children. I mean, there's all these like things that happen around the time of Char's counterattack. Yeah. Versions of it. Uh, it's hard for me to keep track of what is canon or whatever when it comes to this stuff. I mean, Hathaway's Flash has been around for maybe roughly 20 years, I think. Maybe longer. I, I know it, it always starts from a, uh, a novel, like uh, Gundam Unicorn did, and then it'll, you know, get adapted to a manga or whatever, maybe even an anime. And yeah, I, I, my thing is like I would like to see um, uh, Yasuhiko's um, Gundam the Origin manga be adapted to anime. Like, him to retell the story through, like, what the manga does. I mean, yeah, it's the same thing, but then there's a lot of cool things that they do in it. Um, and yeah, we're getting the origin, but it's like the pat, it's like that section of, like, half, it's like half the manga of the origin of it, just, like, the backstory. Um, which is still canon to me, as far as I'm concerned. We have to, we still have to review the fourth and fifth episodes of Origin. I think, and that, no, it's like five and six, I think. Is that right? Well, yeah, I, I know. I, I I am totally aware that we need to review those, and those have been out for a while, it's more been than like a year. A year or two. Y- yeah, I I know. <laughs> I had to just combine those into one episode and talk about them. Oh. Maybe that would be more interesting than this. I mean, I I don't have much to say about that either. I I, I had a hard time focusing on it because it was just. So much of like, oh, I've got this like pendant that's emotional and uh, it brings us uh, together. Yeah, and then there's like some, you know, flashbacks to the girl talking about heaven and you know all this new type babble about, you know, the people become energy. And... Well, I right, so they're bringing up they brought in like the psycho frame thing where like people can still live. They think if they capture the unit three. They're going to find the secrets to, like, how people can live when their soul is in the psycho frame. So people don't really, quote-unquote, die. Um, so, like, they can, can basically sort of live on forever, in a way. And, you know, the person that wanted to bring this to light, the the, the dark hair girl, she winds up dying um, to sacrifice herself for the main guy because uh, they're fighting the bad char clone. And I, I swear, I'm just like I'm not even making this. I'm not even making up a story. This is actually what happens, and that's how I can best describe these characters: is like bad shark clone guy, and the sleeves people, 
and Mobile Suit Commander Dude. I guess they have names. I just don't really remember what they were. So, right. I don't know their names either. Any of them. Yeah. <laughs> I I I find it interesting that like what was it? They go to the colony. They go to is like a a specific college colony. And they're like, oh, it's okay. Everyone's out on summer break or spring break or something. But even though like no, the colony isn't empty, there's still people in the, in that city or in that colony. But you know, good thing those students aren't there. And I gotta wonder if we got like the frat dude bros who's like, oh man, our school blew up. Does that mean that classes get like canceled and stuff? So I can like hang out at the beach with my bros and get chicks. Like that's like like that's the story. Like I want to know what happens. It's like, do those college kids go back to college, or are they stuck forever? Like, you know, trying to transfer to another colony school. I don't know. Yeah, uh, didn't Panache go to school in like the first episode of Unicorn? Uh, yeah, but I mean, it wasn't college. But I mean, there is space school for learning. It was an Anaheim school, Anaheim, Anaheim Electronic School. Yeah. Uh, John muted his mic for some reason. Uh, there he uh, is. Okay, I'm still here. Okay. I I kind of wonder, like, they didn't say what college it was in space. It's just kind of like, you know, we have a college up here, and it's like, wait, do you guys have, like, you know, like a, a, a tournament? Like, do you guys fight in, like, space sports or something? Side fours, Razorbacks or something? I don't know. <laughs> They never really say like what these people do in space. Maybe maybe ASU went to space, John. Your school may count for something. They they made and colonized the first space colony to put Arizona State up there. It and could happen. The Sun Devils are heading a little closer to the sun. <laughs> they got they got to show they got to show that they're the true Sun Devils, and no one else can take their place when they put their school into space. Right. Yeah, there you go. Uh, I forgot. I don't even. I forgot what your mascot was. I mean, I'd never been to that school, but you did. So, you're right. That's the mascot. Okay. I don't even know how they're doing in basketball. I don't even keep up with college basketball until uh, nine days from now when March Madness starts. So we'll put it that way. Um. Is that all we've got to say on Gundam NT narrative? Because that, that's literally all I've got on this on this anime. Yeah, I mean, I don't have anything more to say about it. Uh, I mean, I wish there was something to say. There was some like stuff before it aired. I guess we could talk about that a little bit. Um, like the promos, like, or well, did they have this documentary for you where they had, like people talking about? Seeing Gundam when they were a kid, and the people oh, who watched it were outcasts and all that stuff. Yeah, the people that worked on this. Yeah, they had like it yeah. was kind of like, hey, we're gonna we're, do this like a mini documentary spot thing on like here's all the Gundam I have in my office. I got into it when I was a kid. Well, there was the one guy. I think he's like might be the writer or something or the producer. Was like, yeah, like if you didn't watch Gundam, you weren't cool. Whereas in America, it's the total opposite. Where if you do watch Gundam, you're uncool. But Gundam's getting cool now because it's in theaters, so then that kind of throws that to the wayside. How many people were at your showing? I think roughly about twenty, twenty-five. I'd say mm. it's a lot bigger than I like than the ten that I figured it might have been. So it was about half full when I was there, uh, but I I don't know. I guess probably that's about the same amount. Uh, 
But yeah, I don't know why um, they chose to put this in theaters. Because <laughs> they've never done that before with Gundam. Uh, can you think of any examples? I don't think they've... No, they've never one. put a Gundam movie in, in theaters. G-Savior was a Canadian film, so like that wouldn't count anyways. Oh, that was only in Canada? Yeah, as far as I know. Um, well, we'll see how that... Uh, what was it? The Lionsgate? Or no, Legendary Pictures uh, puts oh, out God. that live-action movie. I think it'll be good, man. I don't... I don't buy into like these legendary pictures licenses. I mean, how many things have they licensed? It's it's like they're always licensing some Japanese property. I remember they said they're going to make a movie out of Mighty Number no. Nine. That never happened. Wait, off the, the off the video game that didn't sell well. Yeah, they were trying to turn it into like this multi-media property, and so I kept getting delayed because they kept like making plans, like, oh, we're going to make a TV show, and we're gonna make a comic book and a movie, and like, then none of it happened other than just the the video game. <laughs> maybe, maybe because they insulted anime fans in the trip, <laughs> and, oh. and they were all angry. And they're like, "I'm not gonna buy this game because it said uh, that I was lonely on prom night." Or something. <laughs> remember, it had some joke like that in there. Oh my gosh, livid about it. <laughs> Uh, that I did not know because I've never played Mighty Number no. Nine. So I, I well, I remember that people were like, "Oh, this stupid game with these Cheeto explosions in the background is insulting anime fans. How dare they?" <laughs> oh, um, I played it, but I like only made it through one level or something. It, it, it it's not very good. <laughs> that's that's been the consensus consensus of that game. Um. Maybe I'll get back to it at some point, but it's like a like a low level like Mega Man clone with some yeah stupid extra mechanics that they added into it. Well, uh, speaking of legendary, I mean Pacific Rim two ended on a, a cliffhanger, so maybe we might get um, you know the third movie based on that because I think Pacific Rim two sold well enough. Oh yeah, I did see that a few weeks ago. Um, they have that. That that in China that it, it does well, you know. So yeah. the point like a third one just because of China likes it so much, because it has big robots and explosions, and that's the kind of stuff Chinese go for. They love Transformers. Yeah, Transformers all always does well in China. Yeah, I mean, I think they kind of just like get off of their like fifteen-hour factory job, and then they're like, I just want to watch like a brainless action movie, and so they watch this stuff. That's. I mean that's that's a way to live. It is it is one way to live. Yeah, except for they won't be able to watch any Winnie the Pooh movies there because it, it looks too much oh. like Chairman Mao. <laughs> Wait, I thought I was making fun of the current president. I, I guess you're comparing him to Mao, also. Uh, well, let me see here. I think I thought it it was still relating to Mao. Uh, oh, because they still. I mean, even though they don't have Maoist policies anymore or anything. They uh, still have sort of like a veneration officially for him, Jeez. Uh, because he's like the founder of their country, you know. So they kind of have to. Oh, uh, it does say President G. That's well, a... I guess President G kind of looks like Mao. They both have this kind of pudgy, like round face with the big nose. Are you saying that all Chinese people look the same, like Chairman Mao? <laughs> Isn't that over stepping over some line there, John? Uh, I'm looking. Look at this picture of Chairman Mao. 
next to Chairman G. I'm going to post it in the chat here. And uh, that will the get Discord this. chat. Oh, yeah, I see you type in the Discord oh, chat. Oh, it's too long. I hate how you can't copy easily off Google Images. Is Chairman Mao too long to post in the chat? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> maybe uh, this will work. Oh, uh, Google Images. Or maybe it won't. It doesn't look like an embedded. Uh, there's some differences between them for sure. I yeah. mean, Chairman Mao looks more like Winnie the Pooh for sure. He does. That's yeah. that's why I thought it was making fun of We him. do it for Pooh. Chairman Mao! <laughs> As Ghost would say. Here's like a propaganda poster of them next to each other from, from China. Oh, damn it. This is... <laughs> I, I tried to get to the. The Chinese are hacking you, man. They, they know we're, we're talking smack about their country and Chairman Mao. Yeah, here we go. Maybe okay. this will work better. You must have bypassed it. It's like it. The, the next to the Chinese flag, and they're both like standing there. Oh my smart. gosh! Don't they look similar? They they look very more similar. So, yeah, except Mao has like, like a giant say. mole underneath his lip. <laughs> They are, all I, I know is they are they proud people. Mole. Do what? Like you would think they'd pretend the mole didn't exist or something. Uh, I'm looking at the real pictures. The mole is real. There, there's like one with uh, plates of them, uh, and it, it, it reminds me. I have like a plate that's like a Turkish plate that's like this with Ashur on it. I got when I was in Turkey. Wait, wait, wait. So they made plates of Chairman Mao's mole. Yeah, there's a plate of Chairman Mao, and you can see the mole on it. Oh, I thought it was, like, just, like, a plate, like a commemorative plate. And it's just a focused shot of Chairman Mao's mole. Just the holy mole. Like, yeah, just, just the, the yeah, it's the holiest mole of all. <laughs> I, I wouldn't uh, be surprised if they have, like, some creation myth of the mole. Like, in the same way that North Korea has, like, all these weird, like, myths that they've created about their ruler, uh... Like the day he was born, all the flowers bloomed and oh, all man. the rainbows came out and all this stuff. Like, <laughs> and then one day, uh, Stalin uh, met with Mao and uh, he was so angry with him that he put a cigarette in his face and burned a hole in his face, and this caused the mole to appear. <laughs> you know, create some story about how it happened, even if it was just like a birth defect. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Uh, anyways, do we have anything more to say about Gundam NT narrative? See, I searched Chairman Mao's mole. The second result, no, we don't. Mao's mole and the Buddha. See, I knew there would be something like that. So Mao is now like his own is like a has elevated himself to Buddhas or Buddha entirely. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I guess. He does kind of look like, you know, like the chubby Buddha. But I guess the Buddha is, like, bald, right? No, yeah. But, yeah, Buddha is bald. 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 I can't I can't talk in this podcast, and everyone's going to know it. Oh, man. Okay, so uh, do you want to, like, rant about uh, anything for closing remarks? <laughs> uh, I, got, I got a thing I want to talk about. And it's been going on. Do you want me to go first, or you go first? You, you want to talk about the eBay listing thing? Or oh no, that was wasn't no, that wasn't it. Oh no, I I can bring that up briefly. Um, I thought you were going to talk about this guy with Singapore and all that stuff from earlier. I, I can. Um, 
No, that's it's the whole Vic Minaga situation. Okay, that makes more sense. I figured you. I figured you might have read my mind on that. Um, okay. Well, let me go ahead and explain. Well, sneaky Ch- Singapore Chinamans on how they operate on eBay. I don't know. That's been. I mean, I sent that last message to him about how, like, basically how he's hustling me for getting free. Like, he basically got a gun. He got a Gundam kit for like a dollar. And he's upset that he had to pay 23 something for shipping. But I was like, dude, you're in another country. That's how it works. And he was trying to basically hustle me for, like, to get the thing free because it came, quote, broken. That kit was not – that kit had some issues with it, but, like, it was a used kit. So, John, let me ask you this. If you buy something used, do you expect it to be 100% perfect and accurate and in mint condition? If it's I mean, a, I guess it kind of depends on if there's, like, pictures of it or, yeah. you know, you should be able to judge from that. All right. So, the story was, like, weeks ago, I, I sent this guy a, a Gundam 1.5 Master Grades. I mean, this is already a Gundam podcast in a way. And I have had this kit for years. Uh, bought it uh, secondhand from a buddy of mine years ago. And, you know, it's been sitting in a box for a few years. And so, like, I, I got it out, looked at it, and I took a picture of the kit in the box. And I was like, you know... And, Everything I put on eBay is like, hey, I'm selling it as is. Everything you see on that picture is, is how it is. And so if you buy it, this is what you're getting. So I'm not lying about anything. And I guess this guy expected me to have, like, a mint, pristine kit in condition. And, oh, my gosh. I guess I should pull, go ahead and pull up the eBay messages real quick because it, it is something. So basically he gets the kit. He's not happy with it. And he harasses me with a bunch of images. And... He sends me a like all like photos of like all the defects he found in the kit, and half of them are blurry. Half of them I can't tell what he's photographing. Like it's just a blurry photo. I have no idea what the issue is. He basically you didn't think there was anything wrong with it when you sent it to him. No, like I mean the thing is, yeah, it had some like issues with it, but it's like it's a kit. It's a used kit. Kits like you know if I buy it used, I expect it to have some Im- damages with it. And, like, he never asked about, like, oh, is this something wrong with it or is this something wrong with it? This guy disassembles the kit and finds all these, quote, issues with it, saying, like, oh, it's it's messed up, it's broken, you sold me a defective product. I'm like, no, what? And it was together when I sold it to you. And, yeah, I, I just, man. So, anyways, was it it's like. damage, like, in shipping internationally or something? No, there's no way. There, like, it, the kit seems like it's in pieces, and, like, I wrapped it in the box really good, and I gave him the best box to him that I could, and so I don't know, but I don't know what he was expecting, but his thing, his definition of used is that it should be in good condition. And I'm like, no, dude, let me explain how things work in America. So if something is used here, oh, man, oh, gosh, <laughs> oh, boy. Okay, so I got I got one message pulled up here. According to eBay guidelines, used, an item that has been pre- used previously, this is what the Gundam was, see the seller's listing for full details and descriptions of any imp- imperfections. I didn't know any, I didn't put any imperfections down because I wasn't aware of them. He writes, you did not mention any Im- imperfections. There were many f- from the photos I showed you. Well, I didn't ask you to disassemble the damn thing. You did not state it might have defects or imperfections. I didn't know about them. Um... Whatever. In fact, your photo did not show the damaged parts. I was like, whatever. Uh, he goes on to a bunch of stuff. 
And I was at, I was like, hey, man, because he bought the thing from me. Originally, he bought the thing from me for like the listing price was twenty bucks, and then he uh, he got it on dis like best offer for sixteen. And I was like, fine. So he got the kit for sixteen bucks, and then I, I thought he bought it for me for twenty. So then I was like, well, you know, what if I you know if I if I refund you ten bucks out of that or half of it? How's that sound? Because I've sold kits that are like you know are buy there as is with some issues, and nobody has ever had a complaint with it. So then I was like, okay, well, I'll tell you what, I'll give you back 15 bucks because, like, I thought he bought it at 20 so then I was getting $5 out of it. I was like, fine, whatever. And he was happy with it, and then I realized that after he left free feedback and I looked at the actual listing, he bought it for 16 So then in my mind, I'm like, okay, well, if it's – you're getting the kit for 5 bucks, give me $4 back of that – of the, what I gave you, and that's actually the price of what, you know, the $5 there. And he goes on this whole thing about, like, we never agreed on $5. You agreed on – you know, 75% off or whatever. And I was like, well, it was going to come to five bucks. So like we we're arguing over $4. And then that's when I went like, dude, this isn't worth it. I'm not going to waste my time on this. And he goes in this whole thing where he's like threatening to file me against uh, eBay because I broke their, their terms and conditions agreements. And it's one thing if I told him like I had a new, if the kit was new and, I sold it to him and it was in pieces. That's one thing. But this thing, I everything in the in the listing is exactly how this guy got it. And I I was like, you know what? Fine. So then I sent him something. Let me see what I what I sent him. So let me go to one of these other messages. And I had to kind of explain it to him. And I told him like I was like, dude, you're hustling me. Like I know you're hustling me. And he's like, no, you're hustling me. So I was like, okay, here it is. I like how you're telling me you're milking me, you're milking you for money. You're mil- you're telling me I'm milking you for money. When I went out of my way to make sure you got a fair discount on a kit that you got less through a best offer. I feel that I'm being very fair with you. And you getting a kit for a dollar is a heck of a deal for you. Yet, you treat me like I'm a bad guy because you bought something, disassembled it, and told me I should have known about these problems in a- on a kit that I didn't know about and demanding a discount. That in America is what we call hustling. When I get something used, I get it as is in whatever condition it is. I know what you're playing. And then I followed it up with, it's not worth the file a case against you if you're going to be this way, but do not ever buy anything from me ever again. I think we can both agree on that. He has not responded. There you are. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, it's like I, ain't, I realize like I'm not dealing with anybody from Singapore or Indochina ever again. Indochina. <laughs> That's essentially what it is. I thought Indochina was like uh, the colonial name from Vietnam. Singapore is pretty close by. It's whatever. It's the same area, man. According to the map. Yeah. yeah. Indochina. There you go. So that's my rant on on Singaporean people that buy model kits from you. I, it's like, man. It's you know, model kits like if you buy them used, they're gonna have some issues with them. I expect them to have issues. Like I don't, but like if people want to buy them, it's like hey, you know, like you know, if you have questions about it, ask me and I'll tell you. I'm just posting it up there as is, like I want to get rid of this stuff. And you agree to buy it at the price of what you, what you see. It's like a, it's like a storage bid. Like it's like this guy goes to like you know one of those blind auctions at a storage bin. And then realizes there's like a box of Cheetos in there. He's like, whoa, 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 I spent $300 on a box of Cheetos. It's like, that's not my problem. 
you, this is what you paid to get the garage open. It's yours to dig out whatever's in there. And it's not my problem. It's not my problem whatever's in there if it's not to your liking or not. You cannot get a refund out of that. This is kind of the same way to me, but maybe it's also but different too. Anyway. Yeah, he got a kit. He got a heck of a deal on that kit. I mean, yeah, it's got some issues with it. It's not perfect, but it was a it's it's a good standing kit, and I got rid of it because I don't want it anymore. And that just, anyways, that just infuriates me. But like that was that was eight thirty this morning, and so like I've since calmed down, and I better calm down some more. Yeah, I thought this was what you were going to want to be ranting about on here, but I guess it was the Vic thing that you wanted to talk about, which uh probably be more interesting to our uh, audience, although maybe they enjoy you. <laughs> yeah, this, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I guess it's been a while since I've ranted on something on, on this podcast, but so yeah. I I had to really think about this whole Kick Vic anime gate controversy thing, because, you know, like a week ago, yeah, like when I... I, I, I should be called, like, Vic Gate or something. I don't know. But, um... Yeah. It, well, he's got some fans still, like, Chris Chan was saying that, oh, he must be falsely accused because I've been accused of this sort of thing, too. You know like, what? Chris that's gonna... And I tell you this, that's what's gonna ruin Vic because you have Chris Chan, fall, like, saying he stands with them, even though Chris Chan is completely oblivious to the history of Vic. Uh, what he is in a lot of things. And so if I was Vic, i tell... i write him off as soon as possible. Um, yeah. Here... I had to really think about, like, how I want to word this, because there's two sides to this, of course. There's the people yeah. that stand with Vic. He, he, he's a good boy. He's done nothing wrong. You know, as Ghost would say about uh, Roger Moore or Roger Stone or whatever. And Roger Moore. <laughs> James Bond is involved with Russiagate. Oh, man. I really – oh, man. I hope Ghost doesn't hear that. But, but yeah, Roger Stone. Um, there, there's that kind of attitude there with the, with the I stand with Vic crowd. And then there's also people that are accusing him of the stuff, which is the Kickvick group. Um, all which is all started by Mars Gold because I guess she's, I, I don't know. It sounded like it, she made some sort of offhanded comment, and then it spiraled from there into the mess of what we see right now as of this recording uh, on February twentieth. Like, uh, sexually harass Mars Girl or. Something. I don't know. She just wrote really something like, that. "Hey, I don't like him. We should maybe kick Vic hashtag thing," and that's kind of oh. what I got from it. She started the hashtag. Okay. She did start the hashtag, and then other known voice actors decided, like, hey, you know, let's do something about this. Um, here, yeah, here's... Well, the, there's, like, a Monica Rial, I think, has been going after Vic. Uh, uh, Monica, uh, so Monica Rial and this other wonderful person called Jamie Marshy, a.k.a. Jamie Rip Dick's, uh, Vic's dick off and shove it in his ear, Marshy. So, talk about some class there, girl. Wow. I applaud you for being so civil. She said that she was going to do that to me. She said it on Twitter, yeah. And people oh. look up to this? Like, come on. All right. Is this in that Mr. Rikita video or whatever? I haven't seen it yet. But yeah, he po- he posted about that. Everyone's been posting about this stuff. So okay. um, I'm, I'm going to start out with this. So I know when this whole Me Too thing started like a year or so ago, a year or two ago, like, the first thing in my mind was, when are they going to get around to, to getting on to, when are they going to meet to Vic Minaga? Right. not yeah. Uh, we'll just say Vic. Um, and now it's finally happened, but I have, I mean, I have mixed, I have really mixed feelings on this. Uh, I think I'm more straightened now, because I know, like, what my conclusion is and what I want to say. And I'll get okay. to that in a minute. But both sides have been just terrible to each other. 
Like, just... you know, you want to say that the anime community is so loving and caring, and this is how you got ruin a guy's reputation? You're not just renewing his career, but it's his reputation. And, and all a man has in life is his reputation. And, but the, at the same, like, uh, this is, I'm playing devil's advocate here, because I know both sides. Um, and I've heard stories on, I've talked about Vic's, some stuff I heard on Vic, we had people talk about Vic in the past, on how he's, well, I, I remember, um, when we brought on Don from Anime Nostalgia years ago, we briefly brought him up in conversation, and she said she didn't have a pleasant experience with him when he was at Akon one year. Um, and I kind of feel like I, I figured out, like, because all these accusations against Vic that's happening right now that people are coming forward with all happened around that time where people were really reporting on how much of a jerk he is. And maybe he thought he changed, but I guess it wasn't good enough. Uh, maybe he's hit it better. I don't know. But my thing on that is, jeez, oh, I'm trying to. Think about I got ahead of myself these, there. These are all like old accusations from years ago. Yes, so just coming out now. Yeah, but there. Yeah, right. But it, the thing is, it's like I, I gotta I gotta just pick a side and start from that. Well, not picking a side on, on if I'm against Vic, but where to start? So, I mean, I've been bringing up Vic's behavior on this podcast regarding what I heard about how he got kicked out of Animazement. Um, that's I posted that episode on Twitter from our old Cool Kids Club days because I had an Animazement staff guy tell me that at Nashicon one year, and I just know there's a track record of Vic going to cons, and then he never goes back to them ever again. And conventions have yeah. a reason why guests don't come back ever again. It's kind of pretty obvious. Um, and I don't know... Now more than ever, he's getting kicked from all the different conventions. Well, now it's it's kind of an indefinite... Well, there's one con that's standing with him. I think it's Anime Matt Siri that he's going to, like, next month or yeah. something. They're not buying into this whole kick Vic thing. Okay. Uh, and, but that's their, that's their choice. That's their, that's their decision. And... Yeah. <clears throat> my thing on that is that a lot of these accusations that are coming for people just sharing things on social media because this was all a storm brewing for the past couple months um, right before the Brawley movie came out because I remember people were just kind of keep talking and talking about him oh it was even then oh, yeah I remember like it was way before the Brawley movie came out I remember like um, I felt like Cloud was posting up stuff about it um, where he was well, just there's, in, there's in chats and pe- okay oh yeah like a Todd Habercorn story uh, where yes. they were saying that oh. the Todd had like gotten dr- drunk with some girl and had sex with her, and then they broke yeah. up. Yeah, let me let me go ahead. Like going after him. Okay, yeah. So that's kind of where it started. For, I think that's the that's the starting of the decline right there. Was that story? Let me go ahead and because I got a bunch of these note like stuff listed on um on like a, a like a draft post or whatever on the website, so I can just kind of archive the stuff because I know we're gonna get into it. Um, oh, you're, you're like writing a blog for a website? I'm not writing a blog for a website. It's it's just me getting my information correct on um, okay. some of these links. So there's... Okay. Yeah, I forgot. The, I think it's like Crestridge or whatever uh, is her name. Or basically, the story starts out with her saying that a known voice actor raped her at a con. They got drunk or whatever. But that wasn't the real part of the story. It was how Vic treated her when he found out about it and supposedly assaulted her. Um, this is the thing where she says that he pulled on her hair. Pulled on her hair, yes. That was something in her ear, like... Uh, I guess, like, saying that, how, like... This got, show because that guy is in it or something like that. Well, it was, like, the fact that he acted like she can own her because he... She, this guy, this voice actor person owned her, I guess, uh, sexually. That's how she put it, yeah. Yeah, that's how, that's that's how she that's how she put it. 
Um, but then he probably le- thought he was just playing around, but it does seem inappropriate. But it's just like, are any of these stories corroborated? I know there's a lot of people who hate Vic because uh, of his religion or because he wouldn't sign their gay hentai sh- shit about the Full Metal Alchemist or whatever. Yeah. But he was trying to cover for that and saying stuff like, well, it's not that I have a problem with it being gay. It's just that it's not canon, so I can't officially sign off well, on it. You know, and that's that's up to him. I mean, you know, big deal. Who cares? And his religion thing, he's the one that kind of I, I, that his religion, his faith, his Christian faith is not in question here at all. Is is his actions and character is what the accusers or the kick Vic party are, are accusing him of. And here's the thing about this: it's the fact that like I kind of can. Um, an extreme comparison. I kind of compare it to like the Clintons and how there's this <laughs> long list of all these murders behind it, but there's no evidence to back that up. Right. And you yeah, know, when, even if you clean, right. even if you have a clean slate and you clean the room and you make it look like nothing ever happened, the stench is still there. You can't help but to smell something funky in that room, in that place. And it's, it's no different from the Clintons than Vic, but of course, I don't think Vic is going to, you know, get these people uh, to commit suicide by shooting their in- themselves three times in the skull. That's, that's, that's preposterous, preposterous. And that's not what I'm saying. Or hip- right. hippopotamus. They're not going to be uh, Vince Foster or anything. They're just going to uh, be uh, trolled by Vic fans on, on Twitter or something. That's yeah. Not quite as bad as uh, having but, your death ruled to suicide I, and your body tossed in the park. Yeah. The thing is like all these, all these stories sound about the same pretty much. Even the, these accusations, and they're from people that probably have no connection with each other whatsoever. Uh, now, and it's funny I bring that up because there was uh, that one guy, Yellow Flash, a YouTuber, that's been bringing up like these closed leet images and screen caps of like these conversations in Facebook groups of people trying to ruin Vic's life. So that's also uh, out there too. So there's also so collaboration, but stories. I don't. The thing okay. is, there's no evidence to involve the people that have made these accusations. That are connected to that group or not? Like, I, I there's no way to prove it right now. Um, here's here's kind of where I got involved with it was um, so this is <laughs> boy, this is uh, where I have my issues with Anime News Network or should I say Anime Fake News Network? Um, I <laughs> stand by the, that quote wholeheartedly. Over. Yeah, and it's he's definitely got in terms of legality on who would win in a lawsuit. Vic has the upper hand in this because you got slander, you got malice. You got, you know, false information with no proof behind it. You got, um, Monica Riel claiming that she's part of the, this investigation on, uh, through Funimation or whatever, how, whoever they're gonna hire, if it's Columbo or some TV detective or freaking Magnum PI to solve the case if Vic did all this stuff. It's a joke, but it's the fact, it's the fact, it's the fact that she's claiming she's part of this and if she's not, that's gonna go heavy on against her. Anyways, that's that's her own grape to dig right there. So, didn't Funimation already fire him without even doing an investigation? Yeah, they claim there's an investigation, or they, uh, Monica, Monica's are claiming it. I don't know, man. But um, you think they should like do the investigation before they sever his projects? You figure like about this kind of thing because no, they would just rush to do that and then like the, they destroy John, somebody before it's been. Proved. John, it's a PR stunt. That's the thing. It's a PR stunt. Anytime anybody gets a bad rep, Tom Lay- Whalen, there was no investigation that rape case against him. And Anime Boston wrote him off. He, who knows what he's doing right now? But we haven't heard Jack Diddley squat on anything from Tom Whalen. 
Yeah, and that well, sucks. I mean, remember the the Louis C.K. thing? Like he got he got fired from well, not fired, but all his projects got put on hold at FX. And then yeah. they did like an investigation, and then they determined like that he hadn't violated any of their policies or anything. But then when he tried to come back, that the, there were all these people upset about his uh, his new jokes, saying that they were too edgy, even though he'd always done edgy jokes. Oh yeah, Louis C.K. Louis C.K. If you're going there for a tame, Louis C.K. Like Louis C.K. doesn't know what the term tame is. That's Louis C.K. for you. Like I I I think he's still a great comedian. I mean, he's a piece of crap for sure, but like, he's one of those, like, he's on point. Like, he's not as, like, great or, on, like, on point as, say, like, George Carlin. Um, you know, I, I mean, it, that guy goes against, when this whole thing on, like, him being the biggest atheist, but man, when he's on point, he's on point. Um, yeah, he's, he's good. Uh, I don't oh, yeah. think there's, like, an there's nothing, there's nothing like that now, but, like, you know, like, Louis C.K. Uh, is just an honest, you know, he's being honest, though. Uh, yeah, I mean, Louis C.K., he's got this kind of, submissive like annoying beta male attitude on some level where he's like talking about you know hillary constantly and how, how much he would love to be ruled by a woman and this sort of thing and <laughs> i don't know I, I feel like a lot of late night comedians like mainstream comedians you kind of like have to be that now like if you watch you know colbert or kimball or fallon or any of these that's guys, called that's called selling out whereas like you get people like adam carolla it's like no i i got away from that crap and Adam, yeah. Adam Carolla is doing just fine. Um, anyways, so oh, going back to the the um, back to Vic. clever bridge thing, yeah. Um, so we find out that Todd Ooh, clever ha- bridge. Well, it was the chick that accused Tom Habercorn of. Oh, okay. He, okay. He's the one that brought up. Um, he brought his, himself. In he brought himself up to defend himself on the story when, like, all he had to do was be quiet about it, and nothing would have happened to him probably. I hadn't heard we his name. Maybe it came out, but like I, until he like said something, I hadn't heard anything like people specifically naming him. You know, so it seems like a bad idea. For him. Yeah, exactly. Um, he could have just stayed. Um, oh, shoot, I'm trying to find. Well, has he been fired or anything from Funimation, or is he still? I uh, nothing has come up. Yeah. Yeah, okay, it's, it's, no, it's, it's, okay, no, it's not clever. Okay, never mind. It's Jesse Pridemore. Is that a whole right. um, assault thing from now? The thing is, if that can be proven according to her story, if she's got the same people there that can testify that Vic, that she was there when Vic pulled on her hair, Vic has an assault case against him. That works in, in Pridemore's um, verdict there, because this is how law works. It's not based on emotions. It's based on facts. So I think people need to take a basic in law class thing. Um, but the thing is, like, Jamie Marshy claimed that um, Magnolia, uh, Vic, uh, I'm reading this thing, of running his fingers through her hair, seizing her hair at the base of her scalp and pulling it towards him, followed by whispering a sexual comment in her ear. Um, but this is different from Pride Moore, which the thing, the same thing happened to Pride Moore, too, on the pulling of the hair thing. So... The thing is, is, it's hard to prove any of this without any evidence. And yes, I'm going to be those. I'm that group side of like, I want evidence to be shown. That's how law works. It doesn't matter on what you believe happened. And I, now, if Vic is convicted of all this stuff, perfect, fine. Let the guy go to, let the guy go to prison if he has to. Like, let the law stand. Let it be proven. That is why we have this court system that our tax money goes into. And we have a Supreme Court that handles all these people. And we get mad at whoever gets up there, whether it's conservative or, or uh, liberal or whatever. That's why we have this stuff in place in America. 
not just social media bullcrap. That's my that's my main that's not my main rant, but that's not my main point either, and I'm gonna get to that in a sec. So because okay. this has just been bottled up in me on what I want to say. Um yeah, so it's interesting. All the Vic stuff is coming on A and it's coming from a, a person named uh Lindsay Loveridge. I don't know why Loveridge and Pride More seems like they can they sound together. I don't know, but Lindsay Loveridge is doing all this they, they cool like coverage. Not real names. <laughs> like, an, like, like a like a yeah, like a pseudonym or whatever. A what? Yeah. Well, it sounds like it's like their cosplay brand name or something. Like that doesn't sound like a real name to me. But maybe it's uh, because I have you know a very like traditional British name, David Smith the Fifth, right? Like that's a very. I guess, but. Here, here's the thing on journalism, and I'm gonna, I'm, I would, I'm gonna give down a breakdown, a basic breakdown of journalism and how it, how it should and how it's supposed to work on anybody who's listening to this, regardless if you agree with Vic or not. Um, so here's how journal, journalism is supposed to be. Not, not the BS that CNN is doing, especially not the BS, BS that ANN is trying to copy from CNN. Um, it's funny how they both end with NN at the end. Um, journalism they is probably really, do that on purpose to try to make themselves seem like. The number one name in anime news. Oh God! Anyway, so here's how journalism works, and I've taken a class on this because this is—I got a communications degree. I, I did all the homework and all this crap. I passed the class, so I, I think I sort of know what I'm talking about here. So yeah. journalism involves you doing research, um, and actually getting your facts straight, and kind of having this um, sort of a, a like a discernment and a moral kind of standing on like. Is this right? You know, kind of the. It's not really the consequences on. There's consequences to anything you post on here, and and you know, Lindsay is probably experiencing this too by now. Um, we're basically like you got to have your facts straight. You got to know. You got to have credible sources, because what you're putting out there, ha- like you know, it needs to be truthful. Now, granted, you can put out anything, which is why we have the National Enquirer and all that, you know, magazine horse, horse crap or whatever. And that's what they want to do. That's yellow page journalism right there. That that's just garbage to begin with. But if you but want to be like this credible site, what's up? They get their own reputation by putting out stories, whether they're true or false. Yeah. You know, like they, they don't care. Empire, it, it, they're not treated as like the number one reputable source or anything because uh, people know. Like sometimes yeah. they just say gossip that's not necessarily true. Yeah, but, but if but you want to... Sometimes their stuff is taken seriously, like, you know, the John Edwards sex scandal, I think, was broken by National Enquirer, and that turned out to be true. Oh, yeah. But so, here, here, here's the thing. You know, if if ANN doesn't want to end up like, yo, that, that, that piece is a crappy old journalism, or the, uh, what was it, like, National Enquirer, or the, um, the, the, mag- the black and white printing stuff, like, they're kind of, in a way, they're kind of headed towards that, um, the Bat Boy... Ma- uh, joke magazines they used to print out weekly world news weekly world news so oh those are fun times reading those things i remember seeing them at the, at the newsstand at the grocery store and that kind of thing yeah it's it's a shame that they're they're it's just it was a nice laugh to walk by the grocery store and see that stuff and it's like oh bat boy strikes again um but if anyone doesn't want to go down that path like you gotta you gotta follow like you know you gotta know something about journalism not just this sounds sort of credible to ruin this guy's career. You're gonna have some facts backed up on it, and even if he did, you gotta. It's better to put it through a legal system that convicts these people if they're really in trouble. Now, if you're out to ruin their reputation, fine. You're doing a good job of that, ANN. But CNN does the exact same thing. You know what you're doing. Obviously, you know what you're doing. You know, and you know whose bread is buttered or whatever. And, and oh gosh. <laughs> so much here. I, I 
feel like ANN is very much like a partisan website, whether they'll admit it or not. They're like, you know, like CNN, they pretend to be straight and fair and balanced, and like we're not uh, giving you the spin that you would get at Fox or MSNBC. But it's almost more pernicious because it's uh, pretending to be unbiased, but then you're subliminally getting the bias and it's not even that subliminal you know anymore it's, it's kind of like obvious at this point it's very CNN obvious you got it's so obvious that you have other people in the anime community calling out ann that's how you know right. it's obvious because if it wasn't nobody would have an issue with it it's like i mean if you're going to put out a, a news report on, on vic like this and this hit it's basically a hit piece it is a hit piece um you got to have facts to back it up you got to have like a police report or, or something credible legally that like you know, like, if you wanted to convict this guy, like, have it, like, you know, make sure, like, he's probably in the, if he's in the court, like, oh, Vic goes to court for sexual, sexual abuse scandal or whatever. Um, and then it's like, oh, you don't believe it? Well, here's all the evidence to back that up, because that's how journalism works. That's the facts there. It's not just a, a hit piece. Or a, a dear John or, um, you know, Ann or whatever thing. And this is in the interest ses- section of Ann, so maybe that's kind of where all this stuff kind of goes as, like, opinion pieces. But the fact that, that people are taking this as credible news is just utter and absolute garbage. Because it's just an opinion piece. Now, the thing about that hit piece is... Um, Who wrote this piece? Well, what I'm talking about, Lindsay Loveridge wrote like all this stuff about Vic. That's like her is main she purpose. she a regular like, columnist for a Yes, she's only, I've seen her name several times, so she's not okay. new. Um, I was thinking it was probably going to be someone like Jizu Otaku or something like that. Nah. No, Jacob I, I guess that um, I figured, but <laughs> Vic is not so interested in that sort of um, individual. I guess I don't know, but well, anyway. So going back to Todd Habercorn, like he he's saying that like the whole thing with Jesse Pridemore is the fact that it was consensual. He did not rape her. He basically admitted, like, yeah, I had sex with her, but it wasn't rape, and she morally mostly provoked it than I did. And she wanted to get me to get the hook up with her at another con. And I was like, no, girl, I'm over you. So he's kind of a piece of crap doing that, too. But it's consensual, so it's okay, I guess. I don't I don't freaking know. I, that's private information. I don't care to know. I don't want to know. But One of the things that I thought anyway. was absurd about the Pride More thing was that she claimed that she was uh, too young to understand consent. But she also said that she was divorced and that she was drinking. So it's like okay, so you're in at least your mid twenties, and you're acting like you're you're acting like you're thirteen. I thought, yeah, I thought that was absurd. Uh, but I mean, this is kind of like the victim mentality, where like yeah. you have you have to claim that you're being victimized because the relationship didn't work out, so you can cash in on your sort of uh, victim privilege. It's cashing on the emo- on the emotions. So yeah. there there was something that um. I think it's Jamie Marshy wrote, and I'm trying to I'm trying to skim through this right now, um, where she mentions this, and it was kind of like, it was kind of like a you know a no duh bitch moment, <laughs> to put it lightly. Um, it's I'm trying to be nice about it, but it's just so hard. Um, uh-huh. I, can, I can't seem to read it, but it was kind of it was kind of like she wrote it like, you know, is this gonna get him in trouble if I say anything? Um, man, I don't I don't know. Like, is this like? Should I report it? And it's like, yes! That's what you first should have freaking done instead of wait like five years to say something to make a hit piece to ruin his reputation. You had the right moment to strike him and you failed at it. Except now you do it later. And 
good thing for you. In these cases where they do this kind of thing, a lot of the time it's just they they knew they didn't really have a case at the time, but the sort of sexual morality has become more puritanical since then, and so you know nowadays it's it's more like there's more rules about affirmative consent and all these things where you have to like you know, practically sign a contract if you don't want to get, you know, in trouble for sexual assault later because they can just say, well, I wasn't really that into it or something and then go after you, you know, because the, the rules have changed so much in the last few years with the, the Me Too thing. And you know, yeah. it was kind of started on the college campuses under Obama where they started to change the uh, regulations for how they would investigate these things. Uh-huh. And then it sort of trickled out to the rest of society where they require less and less evidence because they have some handful of statistics like, you know, only 2% of women lie about being raped or something like this. And it was, how do you know this? I don't, I don't know how you can know for sure. Well, I think like, it was like, they, they brought up the rape culture thing because Joe Biden was trying to push that, but it was like on very, very faulty um, statistics. So yeah, that got that got called out by a, a Prager interview, actually, of all things. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, Biden would like show up at awards shows when he was vice president and start going on about rape culture mm-hmm. and saying this kind of stuff. I think in 2013, 2014, kind of that's that, about right. Um, because it was really the second term of Obama that it, they started to get extremely radical on the whole race and sex stuff with BLM and then the yeah. Me Too stuff. Which kind of got out of hand on both, and not that there's not like some real issues of you know police brutality or people being uh, sexually abused or whatever, but like kind of the definitions got so broadened that uh, like this Vic stuff when it actually happened, why didn't we hear as much about it? Probably because people didn't have as broad of a definition of like what's considered unacceptable. Yeah. Um, oh, I never got I never got into. Um... <laughs> I guess in some way I have some, I don't know what part I have in this, but other than what, when this, whenever this recording comes out. Um, so, okay. On the A&N hit piece, there was a girl that said that, uh, Vic creeped her out of an amazement. The one time it was an amazement. And this is when I kind of like did my, um, you know, my sleuth detective work Columbo style on this kind is of the person that it. responded to our tweet. Yes. Or... So here, here's the thing. So, and the story was basically how Vic was handing out and getting his like fan group to hand out CDs at the con, um, which actually works along with the story I was told about Vic from the con staff person, where he would basically do his own thing and not tell anybody what he was doing. He'd be in the lobby, the handing out or selling his his CDs in the in the um, the dealer's room. The thing was, I was there at that con. I remember I didn't I didn't I mean even if I was there, I didn't know who Vic was. So I was there at that year at an amazement, but I didn't know anything about this. And uh, he apparently, the girl that the Lindsay took the you know a, a story from, uh, her story was the fact that he like approached her very creepily or whatever, and you know that freaked her out, and it seemed like he was pers- interestingly pursuing her at the comp, and then eventually gave up. But I kind of I kind of threw it in where I was like, okay, this is happening when he was selling CDs at the con. I know about this because this is what also what I was told, where the con staff didn't know where he was, and so he was kind of like you know jerks to them, which. I, I hear constantly about Vic about how he's just jerked to the staff, and which is probably why he doesn't go back to most cons. I don't know. Uh, I think it, I think it may be more reasons than that, but I think that's maybe a, a main one. And 
so that kind of works with that. So I went on Twitter. I was like, hey, you know, like I can sort of back up this story of him giving selling CDs and also adding into why he hasn't been back in animation from what I was told. Uh, so I posted up their old Cool Kids Club podcast on Twitter, including and sharing the link to that article on ANN. And this girl on there, um, she's the one that was like, hey, that's my story. That's what happened to me. And then I was like, did you know anything about like him being kicked out or whatever? She's like, I had no idea about anything about that because um, I brought up the podcast recording because to me, I'm just sharing this information that's relating to the Kick Vic thing. If in any way they can, it can try to help anything or anyone. And I even brought up that same tweet to the guy that's doing the court case to defend Vic that's got a GoFundMe page and all this other stuff. Um, the freaking... Uh, I got him listed on here. Ah, shoot. I can't even pull up that. Anyways, but... Is that Rakita guy? Yeah, Rakita guy. It... He's trying to, like... He's like, give me all the information on Vic that you have. So I sent him an email saying, this is what I know about him. Um, I mean, there's also other stories, too, where I had somebody on the uh, old school talking forum was at, um, uh, that, that con, Sakura con one year, um, where he basically was in a restaurant, and she saw this. She saw him act this way in the restaurant where he t- answered the phone and got really pissed off and started screaming at it and cussing at the top of his lungs. And something pissed him off or whatever, but it was not very classy of Vic to do that. Now, here's the thing. Like, the stuff that people find in bad character of Vic is not illegal. Um, you know, it's not illegal to be a creep, but technically, but it depends on what the actions can lead up to. And I think Vic, I mean, it's clear that Vic has boundary issues big time, whether he is intentional on this stuff or not. I can't answer that. Only he can. Um, and so my other, I guess like, yeah, for me, it's just kind of like, look, you know, it, it, whatever happens to Vic, like I'm not, I'm supporting him, but then I also like, I feel bad for the guy too on how this, how this is all coming to be because it should have really been handled more professionally. If you're going to go after someone, this, the right way to do it is let the law be involved, make a case, build it up for yourself. So if he tries to go against you, you have all this evidence to back yourself up to defend yourself against him. If he tries to say like, well, no, that didn't happen. There's, there's no way. And it's like, oh, well, we have actually, we have actual evidence. And this is how the court system works. Not the court of kangaroo social media, Twitter. Oh my! Yeah. All right, and here's the... people have been acting like uh, they know for sure what happened, and like they yeah, it's it's all talk. That's all it is, yeah. and this is why it's like it, as it stands right now, Vic has a good has a very strong case for him to go against these people that have basically uh, hurt his financial income and not going to cons and getting work like Monica Real, Jamie Marshy, Funimation. Um, ANN News, uh, yeah, ANN, um, or basically the post is hit slander piece where there's no evidence behind that. But at the same time, there's, depending, like, like all the stuff on Vic and all the bad stuff has been up, brought up for several, several years on Vic. It's always been talked about, whether it's been secondhand, but he's got, it's like a balanced double-edged sword of mutation that Vic has. Um, but it seems like whenever you try to pull up something on Vic, I get more of like him being like a genuine nice guy or, you know, t- being cool with people or, or calling out street preachers in North Carolina cons. Um, like at the Tryon Anime Con, that's kind of infamous too. But um, but then on the other side of this, this is where I want to get into. Uh, I kind of have been blending lines and trying to organize things. This is just me talking. But it's just really, you're really, the anime community, or should I say the voice acting community, is really just showing their ass. And how 
how they're the biggest assholes and bitches on this side of the world. Like, how they've been, like, basically, they're so unprofessional. Like, I understand social media, you say whatever, but, like, you can have some class to you. And these are the most, like, if I wanted, like, this kind of sort of class, I can go to the Redneck Hillbilly Bar down the street and hear every mother effing, you know, damn language out of some shit, piece of shit's mouth, all right? <laughs> I mean, that, that, like, if I wanted that, I'd go to the bar. But that's that's what Twitter's become. It's a, it's a, it's a cesspool. It's like YouTube comments, but in the mouths of people that are left-wing and left-leaning, and it's all on Twitter. It's it's the exact same thing, John. It really is, and it's despicable that these like these known people in anime fandom and the community and the people that work on this stuff are acting this way and they're saying this stuff, and it's just despicable. It really is, and you know if they really are wanting to care about Vic's well-being, they should be there to help him. And this is what I want to get really into. My point. I think I might have said everything at this point. Maybe they might have a little bit more, but this is this is where I want to get at. And if I ever, and I know like Monica Real is going to be at, a, at South Carolina Comic Con in a couple of weeks, and I don't. I honestly probably shouldn't approach her on any of this because I might get kicked out. Because apparently that's what happens at Pensacola Con is if you ask her about anything related to this, you're going to get kicked out. Way they to support free speech say. there, Pensacola Con. What? Didn't they even arrest people for? They're, they're threatening. They are threatening to arrest people if you try to bring up anything to Monica about this. The thing is, if you set yourself up, you're going to expect the backlash. You're, you're going like to. You're new... a target. Expect. You're not going to get all the praise and, and try to just avoid the bad stuff and the bad commentary. You're going to get both sides. And girl, you got to own that. Yeah, it's 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 like what happened with uh, Anita Sarkeesian, where. She became this big martyr, and uh, <laughs> she everybody did? was. Well, I mean, she, she had these fans that would oh, yeah. write all these articles for, uh, you know, uh, every official video game site like Polygon and Kotaku and IGN and all these yeah. sites, and they would all say like, "Look at how she got this mean question from Sargon of Akkad at this convention. Uh, he's stalking her and bullying her." And uh, he needs that to comes with the territory. You're gonna when you stand out, you're expect to get that. Yeah, and you're now gonna be been... a target for both sides. That's how it works. That's how it's always going to work, and that's how it has worked. Yeah, jeez. And now he's been shut down from Patreon because of uh, you know the whole thing of GamerGate and anti-GamerGate uh-huh. and all this stuff. And so, uh, <clears throat> like that that kind of thing is probably going to happen. To, People who are defending a Vic because they're they're getting tarred big time and saying like, oh, they're Nazis. Is that like what Mike Tool is saying? Because this is just the go-to slander of the left is to just call everybody they don't like Nazis. Yeah, and, that that really again, you're so you're really seeing the best of people at, at this time of moment. And uh, this is where this is where I'm going to get to my main point on this. And this is I'm going to ask this. I like to ask this question. Whoever's listening to this, um, can you forgive Vic? I say that because the only way, like, real, I guess, justice and real, like, love or anything that's going to happen is when forgiveness is involved in this. And Caitlin Glass brought up a, a few Bible verses to bring up forgiveness, too. Uh, she's probably the only positive one about this whole thing, as far as I'm concerned. Um, I guess, but like, for me, it's it's that. Like, if you're, like, these people that are, like, you know, like here's you know, Vic's such a bad guy. He did this and this and this. Uh, there's a guy 
I, this is an old saying too, but I had a pastor say this once, um, where basically unforgiveness is drinking poison and expecting Vic to die. Or it's the other person to die, but in this case it's Vic. So that's how these people are. They're, 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 this unforgiveness and this hate and this, and all this terrible stuff is coming out of them and it's showing online. And, you know, even if Vic gets himself together or even if he doesn't, like, are you really going to hold your bitterness of Vic, no matter if he or if he did not do anything to you, to your grave? Is it really worth it to live a life to completely hate this guy? It's I'm telling you, it's not. And, yeah, I'm being very preachy right now. Believe me, because that's that's the main core of this is, is the forgiveness. And. You know, you're not going to be happy. You're not going to, whatever the, whatever the, 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 however this goes down with Vic. And, you know, I, I, I want the right thing to happen. I want the truth to happen, basically. Whether he wins out or if he goes to prison, it doesn't matter to me. Um, but the thing is, is really just like, can these people forgive Vic? Like, can you make things right? You know, like, yeah, he's going to, you know, people hurt each other all the time. But to really make the best of a situation is to forgive the other person. And that's real unconditional love right there. And and I'm going to bring up a story about this, too, because I had a, uh, a few weeks ago or, yeah, actually a few months ago, actually. Um, I didn't know about who this family was until like, a, couple, a couple weeks later. But um, I actually this is a person I did make, meet uh, locally around me. <clears throat> and there was a local story about a former retired military uh, Marine was killed on his front porch drinking coffee late at night uh, by somebody who was driving around in a car and was being stupid with it and pulled the trigger and the bullet landed in him and killed him. Um, how this relates to me is the fact that I knew this guy and I knew his family and I definitely knew his kids because his kids were my youth students at the, at the church I used to go to. And that affects me personally because like anybody who's in any kind of leadership, if you're around kids, they're kind of your kids too. Um, and I worried about them significantly because you have someone that, you know, they finally did turn themselves in. Uh, thank God. And, you know, you, you you lost your dad in the worst way possible. Where, like, he survived all these wars, these battles, he's home. You figure nothing's going to happen to him. And a, a dumb punk kid caps him for being stupid out of his car. And and, and unintentionally, of course. And I, I want... somebody unintentionally? I guess he was trying to shoot at signs. I have no freaking clue, man. It's just a dumb, stupid redneck kid, and he's got a murder charge on him. But I well, worried. I, I worried. Mean, he didn't murder someone. Yeah, but I worried about. I worried about his his sons because they're. The, I I watched these kids kind of grow up over the past few years. Um, you know, helping out a youth group and you know trying to share advice and you know being biblical with them. Because that's kind of what you do as a youth leader and try to help them in life. Because you know, like I. I love what I do with me substituting where I'm around kids. Cause that's where I feel like I'm called at. And uh, my, my biggest thing on this was like, man, how are they going to take it that their dad's gone? And how can they forgive this guy for what he did? Um, their oldest son, <clears throat> his name's Joe. Um, I was told about this. Um, I met up with some people from, uh, at an Asian place a few weeks ago at a restaurant that, uh, that's in town that I was with my family and they walked in, and so like we were talking with them. I was like, "Yeah, I, I heard about uh, Joe and his brother, man. How they lost their dad, and I just feel for him." And he said, and he told uh, this, this guy's name, um, <laughs> Walker. Walker told me, um, "Well, Joe actually went and saw the guy in prison, and he said, "Hey, man, I forgive you." And when I heard that, I knew that I knew he they were going to be okay. 
Because when you can forgive someone, it doesn't mean you're, you're going to forget what they did. It means when you forgive someone that the pain and the hurt that comes from the offense isn't there because you have complete peace over them. And then you know that person can change. And there's been stories like news stories online where, uh, or, you know, I've seen on TV where there was a, a guy that lives next door to a lady and the guy knows the lady because he shot her son like 30 some years ago and he spent his time in prison. And when he got out, uh, some way, I think she, she forgave him, of course, and she gave him a home and a place to stay. And now they're the best of friends. Like, that's how forgiveness works. And no Vic didn't kill anybody, and I hope he doesn't, and I really hope he gets better, you know. But, you know, like, the, the way people are acting online, it, it's not going to get better that way. It's going to get way worse, and it's clearly showing. And that's really what I want to say about this whole thing. I, I did notice that when they have this whole uh, criminal justice reform thing that uh, Trump was... Uh passing late last yeah. year that a lot of the groups that were supporting it were actually uh, Christian churches that were saying that it's important for people to have second chances and yeah. be able to uh, be forgiven and re- remake their life and that sort of thing. Yeah, true. true, um, true. I feel like the, the left, which, you know, traditionally you would think like, oh, the left, maybe they support... Uh, They're supposed to be about tolerance. Rights, Am I right? criminals or something like that, or we yeah. have to be, uh, you know, caring about everyone. Well, I feel like now it's they've become so vindictive and hateful that they uh, they just want to destroy Vic because they think he's you know religious or, or uh, you know maybe the, maybe this has nothing to do with that. I mean, who knows? Maybe he really is an abuser. But I, I feel like that that has always been a part of the Vic hatred is that people think that he's insufficiently supportive of homosexuality and that sort of thing. People who are angry that he won't sign their artwork, like he had to bring that up in his apology. There's a reason for that. It's because that's how he got a bad reputation with these ultra left wing groups. It's because he was yeah. on board with their, uh, you know, theology of, uh, you know, sort of like a secular theology of political correctness, where it's a, like a religion of you have to be these various intersectional groups or you're a bad person. Yeah, it's so not. He, it's not based on character like anymore. Man, he's just hated. But, uh, you're not. You're. You're not. A person is not judged by their character. It's judged on their skin and what group they're associated with. Which is just identity politics, which is what racism is. Right. And, you know, and my thing on, on Vic is like, you know, I, I've never, I, I, you know, for me it's just kind of like I want, you know, as a fellow Christian guy, um, like I want the best thing to happen for him. But like maybe, you know, I think really in a way like him getting out of the industry may be the best thing for him. Because if he's got to deal with these kinds of people, these backstabbers, and it's like this is probably the best blessing for him. And I really hope I hope I hope if he does something else that it goes great for him, because it's like yeah. I got I got nothing against Vic. I, I've never I've never talked to the guy. I you know yeah I got opinions on him. I mean, I mean people you know I've heard of people's opinions on him, but it's like you know I can't make my own on him until I actually talk to him. And yeah, I've seen him at cons, and he seemed pretty like a pretty chill guy and a nice guy. But it's just kind of like you know kind of weary of meeting him or whatever. But I was kind of like you know whatever. But you know like I want I want the truth to come out like. On what on all this stuff has happened, and I hope people get the justice they deserve. But I'm I, like you know anyone listening to this, I tell you like you gotta you gotta forgive, and you know and, and it's not easy to do. It's definitely not easy to do, but I'm telling you, it's the right thing to do. If you want to do the right thing, that's the first step there. And you know, there's a lot of people that like you know people have forgiven criminals that have like hurt done harm to their family and whatever, and you know, they realize, like, the best way out of this situation is for, for me to forgive that person. And that's kind of, like, my message on this. And 
I, I guess my thing on, on Vic is the fact that it's like there's some things I kind of question his Christianity on. One thing in particular, again, I don't know where he's at with his faith in God. That's between him and God, of course. I remember there was a few years ago he was at a con and someone brought up like, oh, what's your opinion on gay marriage? And if you don't answer, you're a coward. And right. Vic gets in his face. And I'm like, well, here's a perfect way to share the gospel, Vic. you got a perfect chance here. And he goes, well, I believe in the government. And I'm like, that is not the right answer. <laughs> yeah, uh, I support the... to give some spiel about democracy. Yeah, like the thing here, here's the Bible is very clear, especially in Deuteronomy on, on how where God thinks homosexuality is. And um, now I'll leave it up to that. It, it, the Bible is very clear on, on how God thinks about homosexuality. Now the well, other question: well, This was before the government legalized it. Exactly. Right? So this I is think... like in the process of that happening. But here's here's yeah. here's a good lead up to that that I like to throw out there is that. You know, you say, you know, no, God does not, no, he flat out hates homosexuality. It's written in the Bible. It's written in Deuteronomy. I think it's like two. Um, here's the thing, but does God hate people that are home or that are gay? No, he cannot because it's also written regarding God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. You know, God can't hate you for being like, it's no different than you being an alcoholic, an adulterer. Um, everyone's a piece of shit. I mean, really to put it bluntly, but you know, it's the fact that God loves us and it gives us an opportunity to come to him through Jesus Christ. That's sharing the gospel. That, and I think that's what Vic should, that's what Vic should have said. And no, it wouldn't have been popular, but it's definitely the right thing and biblical thing. And I, again, like maybe that is, I don't know. It, it's, it's like there's politics there and. And, but again, that's his, that's his faith between him and God. I can't answer for Vic on that. And that's kind of really, I think I've let out just about everything. And, you know, whatever happens, I just hope it's the right course of action. Um, you know, for, I mean, either Vic and also the victims too. Um, but it's just, I just, I had it like, this, this stuff has been bundled in me, up me up in me for like more than two weeks. And... It's just kind of like, I'm going to share my opinion on it, so whatever happens, happens. I mean, you know, I hope Vic changes. That's the best thing you can happen for him, and him getting out of the industry is probably the best thing for him, too. So, um, but really my biggest thing was getting the whole forgiveness bit out of the way, because I think that's that's what, that's the real heart of the issue here. Um, and that's all I got to say on Vic. So, and we're at an hour and 38 on this recording, and... Oh, I feel so much better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think he was trying to use the the government and democracy excuse kind of like because he thought that uh, because we live in a democracy, uh, we can use that as a way to prevent this from being legalized. And uh, because at the time we had stuff like George W. Bush in 2004 running this campaign on uh, – not uh, having gay marriage and he was uh-huh. saying stuff like we want a constitutional amendment to ban it and uh-huh. the popularity of it in the polls was still very low at that point. Yep. So I don't know when this, what exact year it was that he said this. It was after, I think it was after 2010. So it was yeah. definitely under Obama. Um, I think it was kind of when it was starting to come up. But it was never actually approved by the people. It's one of the things about gay marriage. Uh-huh. Like there was never a referendum where the state voted to legalize gay marriage, right? The closest there was was Arizona had one to criminalize it that failed in 2006, but then they put it up again in 2008 and they passed it, I think. 
um, because more minorities turned out. And so California also the same way because blacks were so against gay marriage at that point still. Like Obama had this big turnout and then it it got, uh, you know, all these people who voted for him also voted against gay marriage. And Obama was not even for gay marriage at first in 2008. Yeah. Like he ran on saying that that God is in the mix and so we can't have it. And then he just turned at one point because like gay groups were saying we won't donate to you anymore if you don't support gay marriage. So, I mean, I think one of the problems with it was always like the idea that the government was going to be defining marriage instead of this being something that was sort of like a voluntary choice between individuals where they Mm -hmm. could like choose to go to a church and get it sanctified or that sort of thing. Because, I mean, once once it became sort of like a thing that the, the, the state is going to define, like, you know, the Mormons can't have multiple wives or gays can't marry or they can marry, it's, mm-hmm. it becomes like a political issue when it should have been something that w- would have been decided by people's individual communities or the people the around them. The church community, the yeah, local, yeah, like, it's it's government controlling private lives. And it should, yeah. it's, that's, too, that's way too much control there. Like I don't, I don't care what people do behind closed doors. It's none of my business. I don't want to know. I, like, anyways, it's it's a mess. I mean, the whole you know, the world's a shithole, man. Yeah, <laughs> well, I remember right after it happened, there were there were places that were trying to like not uh, enforce it. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, what was it? There was this place, in, maybe it was Kentucky, uh, that. There was like some clerk that refused to sign them or something like that, and she, well, I think she actually went to jail over it. Um, but it's so like when she signed on to the job, she didn't think that it was going to require her to violate her religion because it was not at that point illegal. Yeah. So I mean that that, that was kind of the problem with relying on the government to 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 protect traditional values because that's not really what the government does, right? It shouldn't be up to the government to protect individual values it should be up to them to hey make sure we have roads at work and you know public transportation uh, depending on what they own like we got to have a good military to protect us right that should be kind of like a, the government the the national government federal government should be under like very few things really and they've been having way too much control for too long so yeah but that's how that's how we have this partial to- capitalist socialist like government that's somehow functioning even with regards to things like uh, the transit, you know, they can't even do that very well because you see, like, this thing with California where they spent 10 years trying to build this light rail from San Francisco to L.A. That's, like, one of the most urbanized states, and and they're, like, so committed to green energy and everything. Mm-hmm. And yet even then, even after spending billions of dollars, they couldn't, they couldn't do this, and they ended up canceling the project, and now Trump wants the money back. <laughs> and uh, so... <laughs> Because oh. there's all this like billions of dollars the feds gave them to do this, and then they're like, "Oh, we're not going to do this after all." <laughs> I guess my thing with with Vic is just the fact that it's kind of like you know people are like, "Oh, he's too Christian," and I'm like, "I don't know how Christian he is." I, I kind of look at him as like a televangelist in a way, like a Joel Olstein. I mean, Joel Olstein would be on TV, and he's got the perfect way to preach what he's supposed to be preaching about on Jesus Christ and forgiveness and all that good stuff, and he just kind of sideswipes it like, oh. Because it's about him looking good instead of actually preaching the gospel. Um, that, that's And that's kind of the, sort of the vibe I, I've gotten from Vic, really. But 
the thing is, it's like, you know, if he was really, you know, actions speak louder than words, let's just say. And if he was really, like, this good guy that he claims he is, then, you know, these accusations on him would have been way, 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 way less going back many years ago. Um, we won't even be in this situation. And, and, you know, actions do speak louder than words. Um, and it's, it's hard for me to say that, like, everybody's on this conspiracy against him when it's like, you know, when people are talking heads, say they back this exact same thing in different locations, never met each other. There's, it's impossible that ever all everyone's collaborated, like with the same stories from that period of time, and they all like oh, this is how we're going to get him ten, fifteen years later. It's there's no way that, that, that to me it's nearly impossible. But it's just kind of like it's the same. It's the same stories that come up, and I mean I've even heard that you know Vic is kind of a prima donna too. On um, and also the same thing on Sean Chamel. Uh, or Sean Schmel, I guess, but um, it's it's. Yeah. I think I think I think those two Sean can't get along. The other Goku actors from going to the convention. Yeah, and that sort of I think Sean and Vic can't get along because they're both probably one and the same person. Um, you know, it's kind of like they have equal personalities, and they, and it's like you know, they're not opposites; they're the same. So it's like magnets, kind of. So it's just who who goes down first. Right. Um, but, well, we know we know who won. It's Goku, as always. <laughs> Broly got his ass kicked like he has many times before. Oh, man. Yeah. But, you know, Broly's going to hopefully live a, a humble life and get his, get his stuff straightened out. Um, There's all of these questions about, like, what's going to happen with that movie where they put it in theaters, but people were saying, like, Oh, I don't want to see the movie now. I like already bought a ticket, but then I read about Vic, and so like I don't know what to do. My thing, my thing on that is like, I really want them to release the original dub because you know they're gonna read. You know, Funny's gonna redub it. I think they got Ian Sinclair to be Brawly in the next series or something. But the part They've gonna redub it for. Him? I, I thought they were or, or in the process, I guess. But like, when oh. the Brawly movie comes out on home video, are we gonna get the Vic voice as Brawly? Are we gonna get someone different? Because huh. that that what we saw in theaters is probably the only time Vic will be in a DB any Dragon Ball anything, and or even on the last time he was in main theaters. So, I, I mean, he was Broly before in the other movies. Yeah, so but like I think when, if Funimation the, re-releases one. those again, they're going to have to redub him if he's not working for Funny now. Um, yeah, I wonder about that. Yeah, it's, I mean, maybe they will, but I mean they've been very lazy. That I think that they should have read up. You don't think they're going to stick to what they say, which does not surprise me in the slightest, John. <laughs> yeah. I mean, oh, we're totally uh, committed. No, you're not. <laughs> there, there, there are things like, you know, the Kenshin creator, he, like, you know, he uh, got in trouble in Japan, and they, they, they still released the old stuff that they translated of his. Yeah. Like, they're still putting out the, the three-in-one re-released manga volumes of the original Kenshin. Yeah. It's just they dropped him from the new stuff. I hope, like, that because people are so focused on the here and now that they wouldn't notice that the old stuff was still coming out or the people who still want the old stuff will still buy it or something, you know? So uh, I think something like that could happen here where maybe they don't have, uh, like, Kale's Broly form be voiced by Vic in the, the Tournament of Power arc here, but they do have, you know, uh, Vic still stay in the old stuff, and just because they don't want to pay to redub it, and they want that, to. Just or it's either money they don't it. want to pay to redub, or he's under a contract that, like, you know, if they screw that up, he's like, oh yeah, I'm getting, I'm getting my money back from you. So, but yeah, I haven't heard anything about him being pulled from Viz either. I don't think Viz hasn't dropped him. 
I mean, he worked on JoJo's, so that, that is work. On. Yeah. Um, Which I, I, they haven't said anything about it. No. Yeah. Um. Yeah, you kind of it's it, this kind of really shows like online like the people who who's who, whose company you keep and who which party you belong to on the company you keep. So um. Yeah, it's become for, a sort of tribal political issue. It um, is, but here ways. here's the thing. I mean, even though like, you know, like I even the people that are against Vic, like I have to forgive them too. Like I, I don't want to have anything against them either. If I see them at cons or whatever, it's just kind of like you know, I'm gonna worry about me. I'm gonna do me, and that's kind of the. I mean, that's the way the best way to do it. I mean, you know, like it's just kind of like I talk to, you know, some of these people are you know are against Vic. It's like these are people I've been wanting to meet for years. Like I think Mike Tool is probably still like he's still a cool. Guy. I'm sure he's a cool guy. He's just acting like a, a jackass right now, and uh, he should he handle it better. But like you know, it's whatever. That's on him. I, it's like, you know what, man, I'm not even, I'm not even going to like be political about it. And there's no point. Yeah. Cause like there could be a really, maybe a potential friendship out of that one day. I don't know. Like, I don't want to hold anything against Mike. I don't like, or any of these people that I know that either they care about Vic or they don't, but it's like, you know, they're on that extremism side. And even Monica Real, like I, man, I really hope like these, the, these, these women, like they can, really forgive Vic eventually, but they got to figure that out on their own. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I pray God speaks to them in some way. That's all I can do. Uh, so. Tool has been saying stuff like, uh, well, there's all these posts on the anime news network forum. So that's kind of proof that he's uh, done all this stuff because like, look at all the different people saying stuff about him. It's, it's not proof, but that. it sure yeah. leads to something. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I get why he's, like, not happy that people are going all out trying to defend Vic just because they liked Full Metal Alchemist or something. And yeah. they think that he's their friend because they they thought his his cartoons were good or whatever. It you was know, really I nice to me at the con. He talked to me. And, and yeah, Vic's, Vic's a very personal, you know, like, he's he, lo- he loves people. He, lo- he loves what he does. Like, and it just, you know, yeah, it stinks it happened this way, but, you know, maybe it is for the best, so... Yeah. I don't know. I mean, a lot of people seem like they're good, but in secret, those people can actually be the worst people. You yeah. know, it's like a classic gotta, sociopathic personality. You gotta wonder the skeletons in the closet of the accusers against Vic, too. Like, I bet you they're far, far worse. And it's the fact that even if the skeletons come out, you got the people that are still, that would defend them instantly. Like, oh, they're, they're a good boy or good girl. They ain't do no, no wrong. Nuh-uh, that, right. they ain't do no wrong. There are people that do that, that jump to it without knowing anything, and they're like, oh, well, this person must be yeah. innocent. Uh, they're going to jail. They've been convicted of a murder. They didn't, they didn't do anything wrong. It's like... Right. There's still people who think that Mumia didn't kill that police officer, or that OJ didn't kill his wife, or all these different things. Yeah. Right? I, I will say this. I think, I mean, in terms of how people are... I know they're making Vic into a monster, but he's handling it very well at this point. And... I got. I mean, based on what I'm seeing, I mean, like I said, based on what I'm seeing, like it's kind of like if he goes, if a court case happens, he's got, he's got, he's in a very good position to to take down some people, and hopefully something good will come out of this for people. I mean, you know, I I think if they, you know, these people apologize for how they acted, like if Vic is the Christian man he he says he is, I mean, accepting their apology is is a good thing. I mean, like yeah, it's, I don't know how it's going to happen, but. It's a, it's a tough situation, so I I I just want the best result to happen out of this. So, 
but we've been going about an hour and 52 right now, so... We mainly talked about Vic instead of the Gundam. (laughs) Yeah, I I, I knew it was going to be like this because, again, just a bunch of crap of of all this bundled up in me, and it's like, I'm not going to act... Because, like, emotionally a week ago, I would have just, like, lost even more of my crap than how I am now. Like, I'm actually pretty relaxed about this. And, like, I don't yell. I just talk really loud when I'm passionate about something. (laughs) So, um... But, like, I want to have, like, it's me, like, you know, trying to come at this with a level head, and I I completely understand both sides. So, but it's, like, my side is, like, you know, forgiveness is what's going to ha- it needs to happen, and that is the best course of action in this. But it's up to these people to accept it. It's up to Vic to accept apologies, and I feel like he's already made his. I mean, no, he never officially said he was sorry, which is what people want to hear, but it's kind of like that's, you know, sometimes, like, what people say is the best you got to get, and it's up to you to just... You can either hold a grudge against it or just take it for what it is and move on. And it's better to just take it for what it is and move on. So, yeah, I. Yeah, I mean, everyone everyone hurts each other. That that human beings are pieces of crap, and you got it's it's coming. It's figuring out who's like how to come out as a better man in the end. So, anyways, that's. Huh. All right. Uh. So I think Green New Deal is a terrible idea that Cortez is, is promoting because that's like putting, you know, like oil people out of, like people that work in like the oil industry or whatever, that's putting them out of work. And, you know, that's everything going green. I, I guess it's going to happen eventually, but. Uh, right. I, I mean, there's always been stuff where people say we're hitting peak oil and from now on it's going to disappear with that. I feel like that's so far out now because they found all these uh, things using uh, these uh, new techniques of uh, finding uh, natural gas and uh, uh, fracking and all these different things that they've developed. So that kind of put off the transition to green that may have occurred otherwise if it hadn't been for these other alternatives that came along. Mm -hmm. Um, And so... there's sort of a panic on the left of like, well, if this stuff isn't developing fast enough, what do we do? So they kind of tried doing these subsidies like Solyndra, and then these things kind of collapsed because they were just not economical, and you kind of need the, there to be some sort of market basis for the the energy sector. Otherwise, like, why would people use this energy that's inefficient, that's going to cost them more money? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, it is like a tough situation because, you know, um, you know, some of these old energy sources are polluting and, and stuff, but what do you do when you're trying to transition to something else? Uh, eventually it's going to happen, but you can't really rush it because it's just these things have to develop on the free market in order to see what's going to be able to stick, what's going to be able to power the lives of billions of people, right? Because you can't just jump into something and you don't know if it's going to work or not, and then it turns out you don't have enough energy because there's like not enough land for you to put solar panels on to, to for billions of people to get energy from it yeah it's too inefficient at this point or there's not enough wind you know like what if you're trying to fund energy through wind in some area where it's not very windy or something you know it's like yeah. not everywhere is the windy city of chicago or whatever right oh yeah let's put so let's put chicago solar panels let's put solar panels in seattle where it rains 10 months out of the year right so good job tough. government <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, when you put like an artificial deadline of like, 
we're going to deal with all this within 10 years because otherwise we're all going to be dead, which is what AOC has said. <laughs> she says, like, everybody will be dead in 2030 if we don't pass my bill. That's just hysterical fear mongering. Oh, oh, yeah. It's total, yeah. It's like, uh, I think we'll be okay. I'm like, I'm, I'm, you know what? Prove it to me. I want to, let's, let's see if I'll be dead by 2030. I'm like, maybe you will be, like, man, I hope you're right. So maybe you had a point. But, you know, if I'm still living by 2030 and not, if not longer, I ain't worried about it. <laughs> so. The peak of the global warming scare was kind of like 2005-ish when they had, uh, the Inconvenient Truth movie. Mm-hmm. And so Hollywood got really exercised about the issue for a little while. And, and then kind of, I feel like they got kind of distracted by other things like transgender bathrooms and gay marriage and this sort of thing kind of took over in the 2010s. But like now they're kind of going back to this because I feel like they've almost like won on all the LGBT stuff. And so they're kind of like moving, moving back to this. Yeah. But, but like in the meantime, like 10 years, 15 years have passed and things have only gotten just marginally worse in terms of the sea level. Like cities are not underwater the way they said they would be. Like in 2005, they're like 10 years from now, all the major cities that are on the coast will be underwater. And that didn't happen. Like no one has actually had to move because of this. Yeah. US, I mean, right? my, I mean, whenever it rains or does anything in Miami, if someone spits in Miami, the place is flooded. But they have all these pumps there, to, like that they invest money, so that's been helping them. Um, yeah, but the thing is, like, there's a lot of these, like, these uh, scientists that are saying, like, you know, the climate. We don't know what the climate does, and you know, the prediction is like, you know, in the past, like, we had rising sea lo- levels and lowers, and it changes every few hundred years or whatever. So uh, it all really, you know, it all really depends if pollution really has. I'm kind of weighing, swaying on that, but you know, I could be wrong. Um, but even, but like, I guess it doesn't hurt to try to see, like, our, you know, let's try to go green. Let's like, let's say we go like, let's let's cut things like maybe by, you know, thirty percent or forty percent, and try to go clean and just see how that happens. And if the environment gets worse from that, well, then we know it's not relating to pollution. Um, when I should have made these changes, you know, like we should have been a thirty forty percent increase on like, you know, all the polar bears still living in the in the polar ice caps or whatever and not dying. Uh, they're still in Antarctica, even though nobody lives there. <laughs> so, yeah, it all it uh, all really it all depends, I guess. But they they've been, you know, trying to do things like Paris to try to deal with it, but uh, it, it can't be enforced. And when you look at things like Kyoto, Canada ended up having to pull out because they couldn't they couldn't meet these quotas for reducing their emissions because, you know, they had, like, a, a colder winter than expected, which was not, like, factored into this kind of thing because the whole premise of it is that it's just going to get hotter. Mm-hmm. But then you have some, like, the coldest winters ever. And so it's not like it's just been, like, a one-direction thing. And there's all these things about the so-called missing warming since 1996 and or 1998 or whatever year it was when it the warming trend kind of paused, and so the, the, it, it isn't going exactly according to the models, and maybe there's actually a natural cooling trend that we're slightly mitigating by the greenhouse gas effect, because it, it, if it was like a big global cooling thing, which is what people thought before people got really into the greenhouse gas concept, like if you look back at the 70s, there's a lot of concern about the global cooling that we might be entering into some sort of uh, new ice age, uh, 
and there have been periods like this in history where there was like a sort of mini ice age, like during mm-hmm. the medieval era, and a bunch of people died, and people die much more from cold weather than from hot weather. Yeah. If you look at the factors, like how many people die in the winter versus how many people die from sunstroke, that sort of thing, is well, not really we, even we definitely We definitely don't want to have that one episode of uh, Twilight Zone happen where like the sun gets like hotter and hotter or it gets closer to the the earth and like the world has experienced a giant um, global warming that way. Cause there was an episode right. of twilight zone where like the earth's axis is somehow getting closer to the sun and everyone's, it's like an impending doom thing sort of um, that must've came from some sort of science thing where it's like, all right, we can write an episode about this. So yeah. Yeah. Speaking of twilight zone, that's coming back. Um, it this sucks. It's only on the CBS all access thing, which I'm hoping Somebody on my spleen rips all those so that I can watch them without paying CBS any money to watch uh, Twilight Zone. like advertised during the Super Bowl, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yes. And I'm always like, okay, I, I would watch... Yeah, and uh, uh, I think it's Key or uh, or Peel, one of those, is hosting it. And I'm like, he ought to do the classic Rod Sterling and have a cigarette the entire time. But then smoking... I mean, maybe not a cigarette, maybe like a vape pen or something. <laughs> Just yeah, to kind of get that aesthetic know. where he's like talking very seriously, and he's got that vape pen holding in between his two fingers. So, I think even vaping is politically incorrect. Like there, there are a lot of advertisements now on television that are anti-vaping. It's the truth. And... Yeah, it's. But the thing is, like the the anti-vaping thing is really going towards like they don't want they don't want kids using vaping. That's for adults. So like, oh, it's. But the thing is, is depending on what kind of vape you have, you can get without any nicotine and it's just for flavor and you don't, it's up to, it's up to the choice, but they're like, Oh, if you vape, you're going to five times more likely to smoke cigarettes and people that do vape as a, as a thing. It's like, I don't want to smoke cigarettes. So, you know, there you go. Like, how do you define that? So, yeah, Uh, it's a a scare tactic with no solid evidence behind it. Yeah. I mean, it, it it is something that I guess is like a new, and so people aren't sure what's going to happen with it. Yeah, but then like you got, but then you got John McAfee who's like goes on this whole thing where like you know like these tribes in South Amer- Africa or America like have been smoking tobacco all their lives and they're still alive, and he's just like, you guys, they got to think, you know, like we don't know what vaping is going to do, but I can tell you, I've been a three pack of smoker a day guy. And I'm still kicking, so you know it ain't the cigarettes. Wait, so he's saying like cigarettes are better than vaping? I guess that's exactly what his argument was on Twitter. Yeah. It was it was great. You posted about it. I remember that in the chat. Yeah, I mean he's 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 a wacky guy. Oh man, I, I he might I mean he might be on to something there, but it's just I don't know, man. It's just like man. You know he's gonna run for president, and it's like I'm so tempted to run for him. I just don't. I don't know. think he makes it to the ballot. <laughs> I mean, his... he's he's a character. I know. Him he, and his he, he Joseph's even... Joe Star avatar. Yeah, he can't even go to the debates though because he's he's on the run from the government. He's like he lives on a cruise ship. I think it's a yacht or something. Okay. Yeah. Well, he's, he's, he's out in the a, ocean somewhere. Boat. Yeah. And he just like 
floats around, like, stopping in the Central American countries where he isn't wanted for murder, which are relatively few. <laughs> huh, we'll see, see how that goes. And, uh, uh, by I would next really year, we'll know love to see a goes. debate between him and Trump, though. I think that would be hilarious to see him and Trump. While drinking their patented uh, whale fucker drinks. <laughs> <laughs> Just sit down and have a couple have a couple of whale fuckers and uh, see where see where the debate takes you. <laughs> oh man, he's a, he's an ace mixologist, that's for sure. Yeah, he's always doing these videos <laughs> where he's like standing around with just like a pair of suspenders on and no shirt, and he's like making <laughs> drinks on camera. Yeah. Well, I think when he talked about that, he was actually had he had a shirt on that time. Okay, so he was well, very appropriately dressed, and I think there was a I think there was like a, a couple of Glocks and like on the counter too with the drinks too. So I just imagine right. you go to his house and there's just bullet holes in the ceiling, or um, his, his shooting range is like the large like closet in his bedroom where like a you know a freaking steel like like steel armor in there from a tank because he got it somehow. And he just like puts on these like <laughs> earplug things. I don't even know if he uses that either, and just starts shooting at it to relieve his stress and how much uh, he keeps getting asked questions about his antivirus software that he has been he's had no involvement with for twenty years. Yeah, he's always uh, firing at the walls and stuff. He says he does it whenever he hears any sounds because he thinks it's uh, got to be the popo coming for him or something. <laughs> So, which makes me wonder, like, how many times does he have, like, a hook through her, and he gets, like, really stoned and forgets that she's there, and then he starts blasting through the wall into the next room and kills her. <laughs> oh, man. There, that, if you ever want to make a movie about someone's life, it is John McAvee. Oh, my I think God. there was a movie made about McAfee recently. Oh, I have to watch it. He was tweeting about it. Uh, oh, I that's right. It was called Ringo on uh, Netflix. Oh we have my to see gosh! It. I ha- yeah, we got it. Maybe that's something we should review. <laughs> we can just say like he has a Joseph Joe Star and Avatar is related to Anna. <laughs> that's like the thing. That... Oh, it could be just for our closing remark talk. So I mean, you know, closing Ringo, remarks as anything goes. The dangerous life of John McAfee. Oh, our man. forty minutes documentary. 84% of Google users like this movie. 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Holy crap. It shows him, like, naked with a gun in the forest as, like, the thumbnail. <laughs> yeah. I, gotta, I gotta watch this movie. Okay, let me get uh, let me get this picture here so that we can... Uh, Use it for sure. this. Oh, this I'll is, add that in show notes right now. Uh, title it, This is Our Next President. <clears throat> well... I think that we should have a movie where he goes to that North Seminole Islands, and he's, like, trying to invade it, and he's, like, going in with, like, a machine gun, and they've got, like, arrows flying at him, and it'd just be, like, this crazy, like, action movie with her. And, and he'll somehow, like, call the whales to jump on land... And dry hump all of them to death or something ridiculous. This now that's like a movie. Aquaman 2. The plot of Aquaman 2. He's going to be like the villain. <laughs> John McAfee is the villain or the whale? Well, he like rapes Aquaman's whale and so Aquaman has to get revenge. 
<laughs> Aquaman has a BBW, a big, beautiful whale. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this movie like, came yeah, out in 2016. Holy crap. I gotta watch this. <laughs> well, he was running for president back then, too. And I guess back then he was, like, allowed to be in our country. <laughs> he was, like, actually at the Libertarian Party debates. and uh, Yeah. It was really interesting because he admitted to stuff like, oh, I haven't read a book since high school. <laughs> and you <laughs> would ask him about, like, do you prefer Murray Rothbard or Milton Friedman as your favorite economist? And he's like, who the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> Uh, I hope he gets like a green pass to come over to for the libertarian bid face. Imagine him trying to run the country from like his boat. <laughs> the Oval Office is just like him at a, a fold out table on his boat. It's <laughs> just like floating off of like thirty miles off of DC outside territorial waters. With, like, no, a, he like, had a to be horn. the. You have like, to... you're ordering people. <laughs> no, I think I think being in DC would be like he'd have to go there during the summer months, and then during the winter he'd be in the Caribbean, like still ordering like mandates and stuff. So like they have like a, like a television crew, or like one guy holding a camera that like by satellite. He's like, all right, and he's just like got a cigarette in his mouth, and he's just like signing an executive order. <laughs> He, he just like one day he just like wakes up on his cruise ship and then he like yells out a pronouncement like from now on women are not allowed to wear clothing <laughs> sir I think this needs to pass through the house in congress which one has the least amount of women uh congress sir it's passing through congress oh it didn't pass emergency declaration <laughs> It's like, I am now banning Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib from wearing their burqas and anything else. Oh, man. <laughs> oh. And everyone's going to be like, man, we had it good with Trump. <laughs> oh. God, we've been at this for over two hours. Um, I ain't got nothing left, man. <laughs> yeah, I think we're about done. Degum Vic took all my energy. <sighs> Jerk. Anyways. Um, <laughs> thank you for listening, whoever made it through all this. Um, I like to try to see if we can try to combine this with like a, uh, when we talk about Battle Angel Lita and just make this the one big super podcast or whatever. So I don't have to put a, like, two small How long ones. Is this? this has been two hours so far. Over, like, two hours and 11 minutes. Oh. Well, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, I guess it depends on when I see the movie. But, I mean, I just don't know if they Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll hold on to the review and I'll see. But if not, this has been a full episode in some way. Oh, man. Right. <clears throat> I wonder if... I wonder if it's a good idea to even, like, take our Vic segment and post it on YouTube, because that's where all the opinions of Vic go these days, is yeah. on YouTube. And YouTube seems to be, I guess, depending on who, where you're reading it from, it's, they seem to be more, like, the people, I guess I get these suggestions on, are, like, the supporters, or the ones that are, like, against the naysayers of it, or, so, I don't know, but, I mean, like, it's just, like, I'm not, I didn't really take a side on this, it's kind of like, hey, I want the the right thing to happen. That's That's really it. Right. I mean, I'm not sure who are. 
Ah, oh, great, you cut out. Uh, we tried to be kind of fair and balanced. About well, I'm in the I'm in the middle because I already I already know like my viewpoint on this whole thing. So like that's that that's important to me, and that's really really what the truth is. So like um, anyways, but yeah, yeah I, but it, if you're like a diehard Vic fan who hears it, it's going to be upset that we didn't like totally discount everything that's been said about him and just say what a wonderful human being he is. Um, no, course, he's not if, that. If the warrior listens, they might get offended because. Uh, you know, maybe we were, uh, you know, too critical of uh, their side, even though we see their bullcrap and smell it yeah. a mile away. Yeah. So. Anyways, that's how we roll here. So, I mean, I've always been about like just speaking the truth. So, like, right. Yeah. It. Anyways, that whole situation's a mess. That's really the truth, too. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to it's 830. I'm calling it a night. Um folks whoever made it this long thank you for listening hope you had fun whether you agree or disagree on me not really agreeing or disagreeing with vic is up to you so we'd love to hear from you maybe <laughs> okay oh, we would I, I, it's something it's feedback so I'm, i ain't gonna argue against that um, yeah for my last uh, closing remark here i've been watching through some uh, right stuff blu-rays such as gundam turn a gundam Wing, g gundam and turn a gundam yeah. And I've finished all those now, and so I definitely recommend our listeners go buy these products from Right Stuff. And uh, I thought that Turner Gundam was pretty interesting. I hadn't seen it before, but it's got a uh, great art style. I mean, it's the last traditionally animated, uh, like, cell animated uh, Gundam before they went digital. And so I, I, right. I, I really like the, like, late 90s art style of it, and just it has, like, this interesting different kind of setting where it's sort of got this, you know, um, medieval European or kind of maybe steampunk, like early industrial um, look to it. It looks very, it looks very Victorian, European. Victorian, yeah, yeah, that's right. I I, I dig the look. Yeah, and so it's, 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 it's a pretty interesting show. It's a lot different than any other Gundam. Mm -hmm. Um, And I do think that it would have been a a good thing to have on Toonami a long time ago. Even though they would have had to edit some things out, like some of the nudity, but um, they could have just added digital bikinis, like they did Tenchi and Eighth um, MS Team, and other yeah. and and Outlaw Star, and other titles. So, yeah, uh, but I mean, I think that that would have been probably a better thing to bring over the full suit because it would have looked newer. I've always thought that in X, it was a shame they didn't get dubbed. Um, and probably X will be coming out here soon on Blu-ray because it came out in Japan. Oh, nice. Not so long ago. On Blu-ray, and up to now there's just a DVD, but if they can go buy that on DVD on the Right Stuff website, or they can buy uh, Turn A, which is on DVD and Blu-ray, uh, and uh, G and Wang. I don't know if those are available. They're, they're definitely on Blu-ray, so people can check all that stuff out. And uh, we recommend you do. Uh, I don't, <clears throat> I don't. I think we did a G Gundam review last time, so I don't think we need to really talk about that or anything. Even Wang, we talked about some. Yeah, uh, and I watched Endless Waltz also, which is kind of weird, but I guess... <laughs> it's been a long time since I've seen Endless Waltz. So yeah, I had forgotten that the girl actually survives being shot. Sorry, <clears throat> um, Maya. Who? Uh, the 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 Trace's daughter. Oh like yeah, the, the leader of the uh, uh, the Oz forces or whatever they are. Yeah. 
that they show her in a wheelchair during the end credits. Oh, that's yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, I need to get through that Blu-ray eventually. It's sitting on my shelf, so I oh, mean, you I, watched the show, but not Endless Waltz. I I saw Endless Waltz when it was on Toonami. That's how long it's been since I've seen Endless Waltz. Um, I guess for me, like I'll I'll have to get to it probably. Which I didn't watch. The what? There was also a disc that said Operation Meteor, but I didn't watch. I think it's just a compilation of the series in like three OVAs or something. Is the way I understood it. Um, I'll have to get to probably that Endless Endless Waltz Blu-ray, but I'm trying to get through Dunbine right now. Um, Yeah. I like my goal. Our goal, I should say, is to get is to watch. You've seen Dunbine. So I'm getting through right. it, and then we can also watch that in Galliant. So then we have a Ryusuke or Tomita versus Takahashi uh, podcast back after like three or four years. It's been so long. What episode number are you on? <clears throat> I think I'm in the 40s. Okay, so you I'm on the second to last disc, so I know that. Mm. But I was trying to like keep up with all like I was trying to go through my backlog of Hunter Hunter episodes. Oh yeah, and um. So you watched, like, three months of stuff. Did it feel like anything had happened in those episodes? Not a thing. Yeah. Like, it could have so cool. been condensed to, like, six episodes, maybe? Mm. Instead of, like, the narrator was like, And in that moment, Kilawa <laughs> was hurting on his back because the deaf, dumb, shogi player girl was on his back and she was crying and also in that moment little did Kilowa know that some other ant person was watching him from a distance and had this whole scheme set up to no, 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 I don't even know. right he wants to kill the shogi player for some reason I don't know why the shogi player even exists they spent like several episodes before the big battle started with this girl just sniffling and talking to the king ant you, you, yeah, I'm not gonna do an impersonation because it's just too annoying. Her voice, but she's. <laughs> I like your impersonations, John. That's the best part. Maybe I can do. It. King, why do you think that we have to fight those other hunters? She's <laughs> got this. She's got snot coming out of her nose. And a lisp, and yeah. I can't see the board, but I'm really good at this game. <laughs> I mean, I can kind of see why that that ant wants to kill her. Actually, <laughs> she's a shogi player. There has to be a twist. The shogi player. She's got such a supple wrist. And I will end this podcast with a who. I kid you not. A pinball Wizard? It's going to be the song we'll play it out. Oh, yeah. We're in Pinball Wizard. <laughs> you hear that guitar? That... Oh, man. All right. Let's shut her down, man. Okay. Thank you, listeners. See you next time. Or however this podcast is going to come out. See you next time. Later. I was a young boy, I played the silver ball From Soho down to Brighton, I must have played them all But I ain't seen nothing like him in any amusement hall That death of a blind kid
Show plays a mean pinball.